One podcast has crushed the horror landscape, leaving behind the silent audio waves of all of those who have came before. Introducing our hosts. This man needs no introduction, but needs seven takes to record his own. He is known for rating bad movies high and known for rating good movies high. Don't try to call him because he only phones it in. He is our host from the foreign land of Canada, Mood 616. This man is willing to die even on the smallest of hills. He argues to the point in which he disagrees with himself. A man who knows a remake when he sees one. He is the Mexican-born super producer known as the humble one and the sexy one, JP. They are known for creating superstars out of their guests. They are known for being the number one horror podcast on the Horophilia Network, except for when they allow others to take a turn. They are the devil's advocate of horror podcasting. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 94 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Podcast is coming at you live. Ah, fuck it. I'm your host, Moods. That's JP. We got Derek in the house. What's going on, guys? Yo, what's going on? Yeah. Week two. No long extended fucking intro today. I just felt like getting it on. You know, Marvin Gaye style. (laughs) (laughs) It is week two of Italian Horror Month. Lumberto Bava. Yes. yes, son of the probably like the godfather of you know Italian cinema in a, in a sense, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mario Baba. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yes, week two here on Italian Month. So if you have not checked out week one, which is Dario Argento two, we covered the Three Mothers trilogy. Y'all need to get up off your asses, download that shit, and listen to it because it was a good. Long marathon episode, as usual, but lots of cool things to, that we talked about in that one. So if you haven't checked out week one, do it now. Right? Mm-hmm. That one, forcing, forcing y'all to do it. Download it. I don't give a fuck how you listen to it. Just listen to it. Phone, car, Skype. That, that makes no <laughs> sense. Listen to it on Skype. I, I don't know. But, but yes, for week two, we got uh, Lamberto Bava. Very, very excited. Uh, I'm such a huge fan of Lamberto Bava. Um Actually, I was didn't really know what I was going to do for Top 10 Tuesday this week, and I actually did Top 10 Lamberto Bava. I was just like, fuck it, I'm doing it in light of this show. So it was kind of like a prequel to this episode. And <laughs> I'm like, hey, why not, man? Why not? You know, it's just been so busy. I can't prepare anything. It's like, screw it. The same here, man. Yeah. So what's been going on, guys? How's your uh, how's your week been since we did the Argento show? Anything uh, exciting? Well, um, let's go back to the week of the Argento show. Uh, we ran into some like crazy technical difficulties. Um, there was sections in that episode where they couldn't hear me for like 20, 30 seconds at a time. It was very frustrating. Made the edit more challenging. Uh, I think we got it pretty smoothed over. There's not huge noticeable moments where it was too bad, but very frustrating. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, on Monday, I I was going to just see if it was still acting up, and I, I hopped on Xbox and... I was still getting booted off there, so um, it seemed like it was still going down exactly like it was, and I was really annoyed. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Like, why why all of a sudden is my internet acting fuzzy? So, um, one thing that I did mention to you guys was my modem was like nine years old, so I, I figured I would start there. I called up the people, uh, my internet service provider, and 
went through all the basic tests and shit. Like, I hate when they start out and they're like, well, did you unplug your router? No, no, I didn't. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, the standard questions. Like, no, I never thought of that, dude. Come on. Yeah. Come <laughs> on, man. Yeah, I explained yeah. <laughs> to him that I tried a bunch of shit, and she did a few tests and, and saw that she could see that it dropped uh, when I said that it did, which was like 10 minutes before I called. And she said that um, she would just reboot my modem from her location and see if that helped and um i was just like you know what just send a service dude out because i got to get this fixed you know it's it's it is a huge important part of my life to have internet working and uh she sent a guy out on friday and the guy uh instantly walked in he's like oh yeah you got an old modem probably gonna replace that and i was like oh yeah yeah that's kind of what i thought and so he replaced the modem, but then he did a little bit of wire tests. He plugged the wires into his little box, and he's like, uh, seems like there is an issue with the cable as well. Uh, I'm going to try to uh, check outside and replace the cable outside, but if it's not that, then I have to send a lineman out. And I was like, please don't have to send a lineman out, because who knows how long that'll take. Uh, but anyway... He did just replace the cables, and it looked good. And since then, I have not had any internet issues. So, so wow. far, so good. Knock on wood. Fingers crossed. So same. you never did get a new router. It was just the cords? No, I, I got a new modem, too. It was a multi-problem oh, he, thing. He, he said oh, it was probably both things. That That's probably that the was... best thing to do, though. I mean, why not? If you're going to replace one, just do them all. Do everything mm-hmm. at the same time. I mean, they can do it all. Uh, that's exactly what happened to me with this, with my latest modem that I have too. They did the same thing. They were remember before JP I was telling you that uh, that they said it could be an outside problem, like the wire coming in, and they're like, well, if that is the problem, we can't really do anything about it because we can't like necessarily just dig up your driveway or your yard or anything. And I was like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, if that's the problem. Then like, what are we supposed to do? And they're like, we can't really do too much. So I yeah. said, well, shit, man, why don't we just uh, you know go with the new mode so he had one of like the best ones there in his truck so he's like well i can give you this one i'll hook you up for free with this and i'm like okay changed all the wires and stuff and it seems it, it you know obviously started working better and stuff too but i'm like when you mentioned outside problems i'm like fuck that that's ridiculous <laughs> it, it's kind of ridiculous when they say if it is an outside wiring issue that we can't do anything about it i'm like yeah, yeah. Why, why is it wired like that like if if it actually was the problem what like how is this supposed to get resolved? And I said to the guy, and he's like, "I don't know, man." <laughs> I'm like, dude, like, th- like, th- I'm sure this happens to people. All of a sudden, it's like, well, sorry, but I guess you don't, you can't have internet now. I- is that just what it comes down to? Yeah, right. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> man. I was like, this is the craziest conversation, dude. I'm like, and he's he actually even told me too. He said there's certain areas in this town, in the city that. um there was like one area, this one cult sector, something happened in all the wiring or some shit. And everyone was like without internet, but you know, they obviously got together and they had to do something about it and shit. I'm like, I hope that's not the fucking case, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But <laughs> you know, internet's kind of screwy, man. You know how it just, you know, it drops out sometimes and things like that. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, doing these things, wire- very... you just never, you're going to get, and that's, that's one issue that we always run into, uh, you know, especially with having, you know, more than three or four people on the show at one time, you're always going to have these type of connection issues and things like that. And it's just one more thing that we have to endure when we're doing these shows, which, uh, is very, very frustrating because there's a lot of prep and stuff. And then you got to deal with that type of shit. Fuck. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it does seem like we always run into issues whenever we have, uh, more than you know, three or two people on the show. 
it's really frustrating, yeah. but um, hopefully we got that squared away. I'm sure more issues will come up in the future, but for now, uh, it seems like pretty good. And besides that, man, uh, I watched the. Uh, I know that we don't really have talk much about non horror things, but I think I got to mention the fact that that Conor McGregor is a two division champion. How? Yeah, I saw that, that he won last night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I completely forgot the fights were going on last night. My my best friend Normie called me up last night and he's like, he's like, what are you doing tonight? And I said, actually, man, I'm just strictly preparing for my show. He's like, oh, you're such a dork. <laughs> I'm like, what? And he's like, no, he's like, seriously, are you watching the fights? And I said, holy fuck, I didn't even think about it. I've been just, you know, just so much going on with life. It's, it just yeah. escaped my mind. And I actually wanted to watch. And uh, it turns out I completely forgot about it. I already had my night planned out. I was going to watch all these Lambert Abava films and things yeah. like that, prepare for the show. And, and, and I just was just checking kind of my phone, the score, and getting updates on who was winning the fights and stuff and I noticed that Conor McGregor won again and I was like that's pretty cool. Yeah I kind of forgot about it myself until uh, Andy mentioned it to me. I heard that someone someone, I think it was my my boy Jason um, he posted on Facebook that uh, what the fuck was that? Um, but uh, fuck? <laughs> he posted something about you know, maybe it was maybe it was the right decision back in the day when Dana said that he didn't want women in the UFC <laughs> I was like what does that mean? Were the women fights shitty? Because wasn't there two women's fights last night? Yeah, your two? boy is tripping, yo, because there was three women's fights, and I'll tell you right now, every oh, single fight on the card was awesome. Like, every oh, really? one of them was good. I didn't oh. I, I did not like a single fight on the card. From the very bottom of the prelims on Fight Pass all the way up to the main event, all the fights were good. Mm-hmm. I saw somebody got knocked out with a flying knee, and I was like, like oh, man, knee. that's awesome. Yeah, Chris Weidman, that was right. I was like, that's awesome. That's, like, honestly one of my favorite ways to knock out people when they just get KO'd from a flying knee. Because they're usually, like, out of fucking left field, right? You know, I love that shit. So, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, but, it was, uh, lots, it was You great. know, a lot of times when I look at the cards and I see, like, a lot of fights went to the cards, you know, sometimes it kind of upsets me. As long as the fight is good. So, I just kind of got the um, impression that the women's fights weren't good the way he worded his, his post. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, you know, but honestly, in my experience, most of the women fights that I've seen have been really good. Like most of them have been really good. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I think, I think, um, the women's strawweight champion, Yuyana and Jacek is, uh, very, um, like you really have to know what's going on in MMA to, to truly enjoy it. Like she's a mini Chuck Liddell dude. Like it's insane. She's, really? she's a little firecracker and, and that yeah. fight was, maybe that's the fight he was talking about that. It was just, it, it was just a beating, from maybe he said that before the fourth round because in the fourth round her opponent uh Karatsowitz or whatever uh dropped the champion so then the fight became really exciting but uh I'm not going to stay right. on MMA too long uh it did happen to break every record in the book from what i understand including the um pay-per-view record so that's that's something wow. that's pretty crazy uh and also the first time a uh, champion has moved up to a different weight class and became a multi-champion. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah, people really like that Conor McGregor guy, man. I think he's uh, he's the hot ticket right now. So. Oh yeah, for sure. That's cool. What about That's what cool. about you guys? What? What was going on this week, Derek? Uh, nothing much. Is bleeding orange as usual, working overnight at Home Depot. <laughs> yeah, it's been a stressful yeah. week at work because a lot of like people on vacation and call outs and all that good stuff. One guy quit 
so it was like uh, extra work for me. Good stuff. Do you have a high turnover rate on the night on the night crew there? Uh, we it's not really. It's very small right now. Scale. It's slowing down though. It's, it's the slow season. But we just get a lot of Black Friday stuff in it because Black Friday is around the corner for uh, retail in general. And it's just been hectic, like, trying to get stuff up. And But I usually just stay in one area anyways for most of the night. So it's usually cool. I work my paint department and pack out paint. So it's all good in the hood. Nice, nice. Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really have that exciting week. I was just busy as hell with work. You know, my eleven-hour days, and, and just trying to watch films and you know spend a little bit of time with the family. <laughs> you know, like it's it's tough, man. You have to have really good time management skills to, you know, to make videos and and spend time, not like neglect your family. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> your wife and kid and shit. It's it's tough, man. It's really fucking tough. But I didn't really have anything too exciting happen to me this week at all so i can't really i didn't break any toilets this week <laughs> um <laughs> uh, yeah so really fuck all fuck all going on in my life but uh yeah i guess we could probably move on let's move on all right let's move on <laughs> yeah man let's get into the news guys all right, uh, so a little bit of uh, breaking news-ish. Uh, Jason posted on Facebook and probably about a half hour ago. Apparently, according to HorrorAndChill.com, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel, uh, prequel rather, Leatherface, is supposed to actually be released January 2nd of 2017, according to IMDb. IMDb updated the release date of the movie. What? To January 2nd, so... January 2nd or 17th? January 2nd, 2017. Dude, that uh. was like in six weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's that just seems that almost seems a little bit too hard to believe. That seems a little hard to believe. It's kind of funny because we were just talking about it the last show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that it's concerning for one because the last film, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D, came out mm-hmm. in January as well. Uh, typically, films that come out in January, and this article actually mentions this as well, are um, sort of a dump month for main releases mainstream releases with uh you know leatherface and and uh other films in the past like rings i think is is having that january release date it seems Uh, like um not too many films that do well uh or or even good that come out in the theaters in january so do you think it's more of the fact that these studios are like well this film isn't really good enough they have like a prime time uh you know, release date. Um, so we'll just dump it in January. Or do you think it's a lot to do with the fact that uh, people are generally broke as shit in January, like after the holidays and stuff, and they just tend to not go and see these theatrical films because they can't literally afford to do it. So do you think that's partly the reason why these films bomb, or is it just because they're actually technically bad films? <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both because. Uh... Nobody's I mean, really, call- really, like, the day after New Year's Day, like, not many people are going to be going to the theater. And just in, in general, January 
is not a month that I do a lot of stuff. Like, I'm not, like, that's not a month, like, you're not going, like, obviously, like, Halloween is a great time to go to theater. So is, like, the summer, all summer long. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's just, like, there's, a like, January, February, March is just these, like, quiet little months that that are just there. And everybody's kind of withdrawn from, or, you know, in a a hangover from the holidays. And, you know, you're all out of the way for a little bit. And I don't think any. I think everybody's just more, you know, inclined to just kind of hang out and not do anything for a few months. So yeah, it's the um, hibernation period. My question yeah, is, and, I don't know why. Like, why did they pick that release date? Is it because they think the movie's bad? Um, I don't know. It, it's weird because I'm often very, very, and I said this last show, very confused when there's no press for a film that that it especially one in a giant mega franchise like the chainsaw franchise like there's there was some stills uh there's still no trailer or even a teaser trailer yeah no trailer they just have they just don't believe in the film you know whoever's involved in you know making and stuff they're just like well you know they obviously saw the film they screened it and stuff and maybe they make they kind of make their decisions on it based on what they saw themselves they're like hey you know, I think the movie's not very good, so we're not actually going to put any press into this. And they make these decisions ahead of time, and then they're like, "Well, this is a dump film, so we're going to put it right into into January." So I'm thinking maybe the guys that are handling it, you know, and the uh, the promotional aspect of it, whatever working for the studio, they they make those decisions, and that's just what it comes down to. But which is kind of shitty because it's also their opinion too. I mean, did they screen these to to crowds and it, it did terribly? So they're like, "Hey, fuck it. If it does good, we're gonna." We're going to put the release into a good month. If it does poorly uh, from these screenings, then we're just going to dump it in January. Who knows? To me, right? it I think it has seems a lot like to do self-sabotage, with too, though, to just go in with a shitty film and be like, yep, it's shitty. Like, the, isn't the whole point of that is to, even if you have a shitty film, to sell it like it's the to greatest go back film ever? Do... Yeah, yeah, that too. I mean, but they, but they, I think, you know, it kind of comes down to that it's been such a fucking – it's been such a hassle, you know, getting this this film out and stuff. You know, all these franchises, right? They're having all, they're, all the franchises are having major issues putting out these films, and so I think they've kind of come to the point where they're like, "Hey, th- this is what we this is what we've decided to do. We're going to hold some screenings. If it does well in the screenings, we're going to give it a good release. If it doesn't, it's as simple as that, you know. And it probably did not great. And, uh, and like I said, the guys in the studios. On- they have the final word, which sucks because, you know, we don't really know who's going to these screenings. Are they real fans of the franchise? Blah, blah, blah. Because we, we know, like, some of these films that that we've heard that have had really terrible screenings and stuff that have come out and have actually been pretty good. You know, we, yeah. we like kind of Cabin enjoyed them. in the so Woods. That's the thing. Like, you know, yeah. some of these films turn out to be better than, than the studio heads and, and these people and all these other critics and stuff that are watching them give credit for. And you know that's kind of that's kind of a shame yeah, that things look just... like that. But they have to go on something. That's the thing with these studios; they have to base their releases and they have to base what what type of money they're going to put into press um, based on you know a reaction from from regular people mm-hmm. and critics and whatever in the head. So they have to kind of come together and make that final decision, which I understand. But fuck, man! Like, but th- th- at the end of the day, we generally don't know exactly what the full process is. Did they even have these screenings, or they're just they have no faith in the film, anyways? Maybe these guys from the studio are going, "Well, Friday the Thirteenth is not really going to be a big seller anymore because the last couple films theoretically have done pretty shit poor." Um, who fucking knows? It, it's it is a shame in itself because it'd be cool if we went to the screenings, then we have a little more intel. <laughs> that, but well, I mean, but I think mm-hmm. that's the way to decide. 
I, I'm curious to know even if, like, I don't know. It, 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 like, because to me, chainsaw films are very simple. Like, a screening of a chainsaw film, even general audiences, like, if they think it's bad, I don't know. Like, that seems, that's concerning to me because, like, it's not a complicated movie. Like, you should know what you're going in for when you go to a chainsaw film. So, if general, like, I, most films, I don't have faith in general audience at all to make a decision if it's good or bad. But, like, Mm -hmm. it seems like for the most part, the successful chainsaw films in the history of the chainsaw franchise are, are, like, successful all around. Not too you know, just horror fans, like, like everybody likes them, like mainstream yeah, people yeah, like yeah. them, like, you know, so it's, yeah, it's yeah. like, I don't know, like I'm, I'm a little worried, you know, this is one of my favorite franchises and my favorite horror film of all time was the original. It's kind of concerning to me that this is getting such a quiet release. It's, it's weird. It's bizarre. I, I don't understand it. Yeah, who knows, yeah, man? I, I feel like I said Friday the 13th in my whole conversation. I was saying before I probably did, uh, but that's just a prime, that's just an example anyways. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It does seem really quiet for uh, TCM film to be coming out with no, no press to, at all, no little to nothing, which yeah. is really crazy. Because, I mean, I mean, these even though the studio heads sometimes can be really ignorant in the way they approach things and the way they put out films and stuff can be a little ignorant sometimes, in my opinion. But they still have to recognize the fact that these are major, major franchises. This is not, uh. you're not developing a new franchise and whatever. These are bona fide, burnt in people's. They're fan favorites. Mm-hmm. You know, you should give it a little bit of buzz. I mean, quite frankly, these guys just have no faith in the film if they're not doing that because. Who's releasing this film again? Lionsgate. Uh, yeah, Lionsgate. So, you know, Lionsgate, they, they, I mean, what it comes down to the end of the day is they have no faith in this film. They must not. Because, let's face it, Leatherface is pretty damn iconic. It's like, could you imagine, uh, like, a a Nightmare on Elm Street film coming out with this little press? It'd be, what Mm. the fuck is going on? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Freddy is one of the biggest characters known to any horror fans know who Freddy is. You know, things like that. Mm -hmm. You should have a little bit of buzz, you know, create that buzz, you know, get people interested in it. This blows my mind. This This is very weird. This is going to go either two ways. It's going to have, like, this semi-par like theatrical like release and then it's going to either be like a hit on physical media and could become like a hidden gem or it could be like a straight like piece of well yeah maybe 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 the new uh this texas chainsaw massacre uh uh prelude or what it's a origin story leatherface origin story Yeah. yeah so Maybe this is going to be like the top selling media release of the 2000 teens, kind of like, you know, Leprechaun from the, uh, the 90s VHS era or uh-huh. something like that. Maybe they're just, they're kind of, they're just, you know, really or like, kind of, or like Trick or Treat so. in a way, because then you could, because <laughs> Trick or Treat didn't really have a theatrical release either. No, and it, didn't. it went straight like to physical media, so it might do well in that aspect. I don't understand like how these companies decide. Well, like, the core fans, regardless of how you look at this, the core fans are all going to pick the cinema because let's face it, uh, you know, nine out of ten collectors or, or you know horror fans and stuff probably own all the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films mm-hmm. in the collection. Yeah. So regardless of what the quality of the film is, how many times do you hear on a daily basis us collectors say, "Well, you know, I grabbed that one so I could have the complete collection." It's going to happen. 
regardless. Yeah. I mean, everybody has TCM four in their collection, you know, for the most part. <laughs> I have three of them. And you know, it it be, you three exactly, it's got three copies. You know, and it's one of those films that the general prognosis is is that it's pretty bad. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they must know that people are going to buy this. So, why not give it a little bit of press? It's fucking crazy. It's crazy well, shit to me. I think it speaks volumes when there was no even official announcement. I mean, now IMDb can have it wrong, but if they yeah. let's say they are right and they just changed the release date, well, that's kind of interesting because you know, that the, what is that saying about the fact that there was no like press release announcement from Lionsgate it's it's weird but I don't know we'll see uh I'm gonna watch it obviously I'm sure actually when it comes out that would probably be a good time to do this franchise on this show which we've talked about for a while uh-huh so oh yeah it'd be good actually that's getting to be quite a few films to be honest is what like four six seven yeah that's eight films two damn that's like a that's like a howling franchise again yeah there was a time <laughs> when there was four chainsaw films that I was alive for and I was like it was like it was I you considered it kind of a smaller franchise <laughs> you know no, yeah, that's right. like, how many how many Freddy films are there right like what what is there 10 10 Freddy films 7 uh, eight, with the remake nine, there's 8 9 Freddy vs. Jason uh, oh with Freddy yeah if you count that one too yeah Yeah. Nine. I just I always kind of leave I never really know where to put it so I just kind of I leave it like uh, in the middle <laughs> it's weird. It's like I don't know. If, it, it, it's if more of a Freddy, Freddy film person. to me. Yeah, it definitely feels yeah. more of a Freddy film, but because um, he introduces it and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, it's know, it, it, it's still part of the franchise you, for sure. But I mean, yeah. I can include it in the Jason films too. So yeah, um, maybe yeah. do like a giant episode with all of them. <laughs> I just never really uh, wanted to put too much thought into it, so I was kind of left it in, you know, in purgatory, like right in the fucking middle. Because <laughs> people always ask me, like I did, like you know, Friday Thirteenth Marathon, did Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, where the fuck is Freddy vs Jason? I'm like, I don't know where to, I don't know where where to do it. If I do both these marathons, I, that means I'm watching the film twice. I don't know, man. <laughs> so, yeah, but gotta have some limits here. Gotta, it's gotta set some rules and boundaries. You know what I'm saying? I'm always cheating. <laughs> yeah, so, you are. Um, we'll see what happens with uh, the new chainsaw. Uh, but moving on here, we have uh, an exclusive from Deadline. Uh, apparently, American Werewolf in London is officially getting a remake with Walking Dead's David Ap- Alpert and Robert Kirkman producing uh, through their Sound bo- Skyboard Entertainment uh, for Universal Pictures. The remake uh, of filmmaker John Landis. 1981 comedic horror film will be written by his son Max Landis, uh, who is also attached to direct. So, oh, so is this a big selling point here? Like, who the hell is Max Landis? That's John Landis' son. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know, but like, who? Is, what has he done? He wrote Dare Woman with his father, and he also uh, wrote a uh, what's that that uh, con. Track what's that one with the kids get the superpowers? I found footage movie. Chronicle. Yeah, Chronicle. He wrote. Oh, Chronicle. Yeah. Chronicle yeah. was dope. Oh, yeah. yeah, Chronicle was a cool movie. Um, so he's basically just a writer. Like he has never actually directed anything. No. Yeah, I knew that he, that his son was involved in writing. I remember the the uh, the Dear Woman episode, but uh, I didn't even know that he wrote Chronicle. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, directing. You know, that's that's pretty big responsibility, man. You're directing a, a remake of very very known and classic film 
He's got some pressure on his shoulders, man. There's just no point, man. Like what? Like what? What is the core? <laughs> what What is it that sells American Werewolf in London? Right? Like it's it's not that it's a werewolf movie. It's not that it's you know a comedy or anything it's the fucking effects man it's just a cool it's yep. a cool effects movie yep. with with a mm-hmm. decent story so if you're if you decide <laughs> to remake that movie what what are you gonna do like well i think if you remade american werewolf in london i think that they should make it dark and serious take out the comedy completely so it changes up the tone of the film completely so it doesn't feel like a direct remake um I, I, that's how I would do it. I would make it serious because I always felt like that's one thing that I, I kind of strayed away from film. I I know it sounds very hypocritical because we talk about horror comedies and stuff, but like I said, there's always a place in film. I always just wish that film was just a little bit serious, a little more mm-hmm. serious at times, mm-hmm. you know, for my taste. Cause it's just, I think it's because it has potential to be more of a serious film, but then, then they throw you these curveballs with all this comedy and all this weird shit that goes on yeah. and stuff. So yeah, it has I think honestly, be it's a great like horror film. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I meant. And like, I think with a remake, I think if you took that angle and you went straight up serious toned, you know, and obviously you have to have practical effects. I mean, if you go CG in this, it's going to ruin just the whole idea because we all know American Werewolf in London. That's what it's. JP said it's known for its effects. Yeah. It really is. You know, it's got one of the greatest transformation scenes and stuff. You, so if you do CGI, then you just go into American Werewolf in Paris. <laughs> yeah, precisely, right? <laughs> precisely. So I think if you go with serious tone and and kind of make it dark and vicious, and uh, um, you kind of take that core story and you make it a different tone, I think it could work really well. To be honest, I mean, I'm actually not 100 percent against this remake. I just realized I'm all for it. Yeah, no, I'm what you're saying up. is definitely the way to do it. Like, the, if you're gonna, it's all about angles. Like we talked about this in the Suspiria yeah. remake. Like, it's about an when you make a remake, dude. Which I'm not totally against, right? Like, anytime a remake's announced, I kind of roll my eyes and I'm like not in, interested because you don't know anything besides that it's a remake. Once you find out a little bit more, and you find out that maybe they have an angle that wasn't executed or wasn't done in the original that's when i find a remake Mm -hmm. interesting like i I feel like there's multiple kinds of remakes right there's there's your obvious shot for shot psycho remake which has only happened once to my knowledge Uh, then you have a remake like maniac which takes the core concept and idea adds a little spin on it with the found footage point of view not found footage actually it's just point of view it's just first person yeah yeah first person narrative which takes the stock and slash to a whole nother level, but it's still this core story and it elevated the film, uh, the remake in, in a certain way where it's just different enough to where, uh, it's its own fucking movie. It's its own good movie. Mm. It's not, there's no reason to really compare it to the original that much because it cemented itself as its own movie and its own solid film. And then there's, you know, the Hills Have Eyes remake, right? Where that's, like, you're really doing the same thing, right? It's the same fucking mm-hmm. movie, same storyline, same characters. But you're amping everything up and you're make, and you're improving on the flaws of the original. Which yeah. is, is yeah, yeah. arguably what you can say about the Hills Have Eyes remake. It does yeah. sort of improve on some of the flaws of the original. Uh, yeah, it's got, it's got it's such a loyal fan base. I mean, how many people say that, you know, they prefer the remake over the original? I mean, um, it's it's quite it's quite it's quite divided, man. Yeah, I go back and forth on it myself, and then you have other remakes like, for example, Prom Night and When a Stranger Calls, where you yeah, remove they did a the creative 
aspect yeah. of it and you it's more of a cash in and you dumb it down you're just re redoing the same story on a lesser scale to appeal to a yeah. new audience mm-hmm. that's what yeah, that the, kind of remake the, is yeah and that's exactly what you don't want to do i mean those, those the end results in that is just not good then, i mean then, yeah go you shouldn't be going from rated r films to pg-13 and like, I don't know. It's just you're, you're dumbing down everything. You're just basically limiting what you can do in these films. And it really shows when you watch them, too. Yeah. The limitations are insane. And you know, one one thing I've always been very confused about, you know, going back to a couple episodes when I brought up the Evil Dead versus Evil Dead 2. Now, in my opinion, the Evil Dead 2 is pretty much a remake of the first film. But mm-hmm. it, 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 it really is mind blowing to me how, how many people prefer uh, the Evil Dead 2 over the original one. And I'm like, man. You know, like as horror fans, you know, you think theoretically the original Evil Dead would be more marketable to that to that fan because of its sensibility of being a strictly bona fide horror film, right? Like, I mean, Evil Dead Two does what the first one does, but it's it's very comedic and it just kind of blows my mind. I'm not saying that I don't like Evil Dead Two; I enjoy it. But if I had a choice at the end of the day, I'm picking Evil Dead any fucking moment over the Evil Dead Two to watch. Well, since just you bring feel, up that's Evil Dead, feel. that's another remake where it doesn't really do anything different. It just took mm-hmm. the core story and oh, yeah, retold the, actual... the story. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so what I'm saying is, what's your angle? What what kind of remake are you going to make? And if you just make the same movie, same core story, same core feel, it's going to flop. Maybe if you do what Mood says and find an angle and make it more dark make it uh you know more about the horror side of it then you might actually have a successful remake or if you do something like similar just you gotta go like way over the top like piranha 3d what what if they do a (laughs) maniac style remake of of the of american werewolf in london where it's uh point of view that'd be so weird that'd be so weird and all you see is like the claw the whole movie like honestly that could work it, Could you imagine? I just thought of it, just thought of it a, played out. I'm just, would, I'm you just wouldn't have out. as much uh, pressure on yeah. you to make cool effects because it would but, be. Yeah, well, no, be like, but then Mark Poloni could direct it. <laughs> no, but yeah, exactly. You know, but you know how you do that though. Like, if you were to do a point of view, uh, American Werewolf in London, um, basically the transformation scene would be saw. You would see it through like a mirror effect. You know, it'd be like the dude looking into a mirror, and that's how you would actually get to see it. Yeah, um, but you you wouldn't just clearly just show only that. Like, you can have the camera, like his hands come up into the frame, and like you know, yeah, it, yeah. It, There's there's a way to like that's actually very helpful. For maybe like movie. change the vision too, make make it like werewolf vision, like maybe like yeah, yeah, because your eyes are changing. almost like a tunnel it, vision. It, almost got, like a tunnel maybe it starts vision. going yeah. into black and white. You know, don't dogs see in like, black and like, white? Yeah, colorblind. Yeah, oh, that'd be cool, man. Yeah. Actually, that's a good fucking point. Yeah, that's, we do that's it actually all really the time. Cool. <laughs> we always they're going to steal this shit. Ideas. You know, you know, fucking, you know, Landis' son is listening to the show right now. He's going, <laughs> "Yep," and he's writing everything down. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. All right. Son so, um, moving on Horror here. Pack. Horror pack all over again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> moving along here, that we have our... uh, Rampage. Uh, those of you who ever played the old. Uh, arcade game with the werewolf lizard guy uh, and the gorilla king Kong yeah, yeah. looking gorilla thing uh, apparently it's being made into a movie um <laughs> it's going to be starring uh the homie dwayne the rock johnson 
and it's supposed to come out April 20th of 2018. Um, it could be fun. It, you know, it, it'll definitely just be, you know, CGI, Monster Mash, like, like probably, P, probably PG-13. Um, Why is every time I hear about a movie coming out, it always starring The Rock? Like, the <laughs> other day, it was like, okay, they're rebooting Rambo. And all I hear is, well, I heard that the they've, they've approached The Rock to play Rambo. I'm like, fuck, man, seriously? Like, th- doesn't that seem like it would be a good idea to have, like, an unknown to play that role? I don't know. I mean, The, hey, Rock, the is... Rock is a star, well, dude. I think yeah, Jeremy he, he actually sells, right? argued with me on the show about him being the biggest star in Hollywood. Yeah. I said he wasn't. Well, no, The Rock, the Rock is. is a decent actor. I have nothing. I have no problems with The Rock whatsoever. I think he's actually legitimately a decent actor. He he pulls it off, man. He's not bad. Um, but like you know, if you're rebooting a franchise like Rambo, it's very very recognizable and stuff. I mean, I mean, I guess Stallone was pretty well known. You know, he was. Rocky, but you know, when he started in that, you know, yeah, because he had just done Rocky oh, yeah. a couple years before and stuff, and you know, he was pretty well known. But I mean, The Rock is like, but I mean, but see, he wasn't but like he wasn't like rock that we don't. But uh, these are like action movies, though. Those mm-hmm. typically are about the leading man, like the one man show, like getting a uh, action star. So it it kind of makes sense that they would. I think it's because I'm always routing. I'm always routing. I'm always routing. I'm always rooting for, uh, you know, I, I like to see unknown actors in those roles because I, I, I just, I, then I have no preconception of the actor and I, it just seems a little bit more believable to me. I'm always rooting oh, come for on. those films, are you know, never that believable actor in, in, in all period anyway. <laughs> no, not believable in that aspect of the action per se. I'm talking about the actor. You know, like when you see, so, you know, sometimes you ever watch a film, you're like, man, this movie's totally miscasted. You know, like, like this yeah. guy playing this role type thing. I, I you know, it, with Rambo, I just want to go in not thinking that, wow, this guy, you know, the Rock, he's, he's not playing fucking Stallone. You know, I don't know. I just, I, I'm weird like that. I would just rather have someone fresh and then just kind of take the film for what it is. And like Liam Hemsworth. I'm, I'm strange like that. Yeah. You know, like you see some of these films, uh, uh, I don't even know. I, I guess the odd Marvel film and stuff like that. I guess they have mostly big stars, but I don't know. Maybe it's a bad example, but you know what I'm saying? You guys, you, do you guys understand what I'm saying? Like, I just kind of want to go. I understand what you're saying. And I'm with that on films, but not mm-hmm. action films. Like uh, one, I yeah. could care less about action movies. Yeah. For the and most two, part, I think oh, the right. only reason that I watch an action film usually is either it has something really crazy in it that is like really you know over the top like shit crashing or something that somebody told me about or because it has an actor in it i like and that's mm-hmm. the only reason i watch it i i don't even i really don't like action movies I, I i can't get on board with most of them so um me personally the odd the odd person in the world the minority like i would prefer to see somebody that i know because at least there's that Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fair enough, right? Fair enough. I just, I always look at it like completely different. I guess it's just because I want you a also total like fresh action face. movies too, and you probably yeah, I, like I, I, Rambo, I, I, so you don't want to be oh, thinking dude. of like Rock is like, oh, you're just this is Stallone, like this is your interpretation dude. of Sylvester Stallone, right? So I, I understand yeah. that. It's actually, filmed actually Ram, the original Rambo film was actually filmed just about where I live, you know, just a little bit south where I lived and stuff, but. Um, which is kind of cool because when you watch the film, I'm like, oh, I recognize I drive through all there. I've drove through that area like a thousand times. It's fucking cool, man. <laughs> I'm, but, I'm, uh, I'm kind of the same way with, with moods the same with like people being miscast in roles. But either way, we're just 
judging it before it actually made in the product, and he's just been approached, so we don't actually know if he's actually taken the role too. Oh, for sure, it's just totally an example, right? Yeah, um, and the way that uh, when you even saying, though it makes sense to cast somebody like The Rock because because he you know, he sells like, tickets too. Well, no, oh, he's yeah. he's fucking huge and he's buff and he's kind of like it kind of makes sense that he'd be that fucking big rugged kind of Rambo character, right? Because he's all built. Well, he's our action shit. star of today, right? Yeah, yeah and, and that's exactly what I'm saying. Too, he even too, has right? his own show on HBO. He's big. He's doing big things. I can't believe the range that the rock has been in like he's been in like these little shitty kid films to like you know remakes of what was he in walking tall what did he do yeah the remake of walking tall and like and it does like serious role like it's crazy the range that this guy is in it just fucking blows my mind because like when i think of the rock i think of the people's eye from wwe and it just cracks me up (laughs) hilarious man (laughs) that's the longest conversation about the rock we've ever had it's awesome jeremy be very proud jeremy you were right for once he's a big star yeah, yeah, I was wrong about that. Um, so yeah, uh, after that we have uh, Scream Factory announced Anti-Birth. Uh, pretty cool mm. cover, honestly. It's one of those IFC oh, did... titles. Damn, I didn't even know about that. Yeah, this is why I love doing the either. show. This is why I love doing the show, because I just find out shit. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's fucking awesome. That's legitimately a real reaction. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't, even know. I didn't even know about this. Yeah. Um, when did that come out? It's not out. It's coming out. No, no, no! Like, like, when did the news come out for that? Uh, the ninth. Oh, wow, I totally missed that completely. Because it's funny because I even have anti-birth written on the films I need to watch for this year. Because someone had mentioned it or something that it was pretty good. I, I don't know. I think maybe it was listening to a cast. Maybe it was in the film festivals or something like that. Is that what it was? Uh, I'm not sure, but I'm I'm pretty interested in it just because the cover looks cool. It looks like maybe it's some body horror. Um, actually, you uh-huh. know what? Hard drinking, pill popping, bong ripping, Lou and her best friend Sadie <laughs> spend their days adrift in a druggy haze, but one wild night out becomes a bad trip that never ends when Lou wakes up with the symptoms of an unexplained, highly abnormal pregnancy. Who or what is growing inside her? As her due date approaches with alarming swiftness, the fear, paranoia, conspiracy theories begin to pile up, spiked with blasts of hallucin- halluc- hallucinatory color, surreal shocks, and subrasive comedy. The audacious feature debut from Danny Perez is a no hold barred descent. You know what we have here? You know what we have here? We have, an alien like... rape. we have an alien rape film. Hopefully. <laughs> that sounds, that's that's like, amazing. That it sounds, sounds amazing. It sounds like the after effects of Election Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I kind of fell off on my watching of new films because I've been so occupied with Italian Horror Month and the new Call of Duty came out took up a lot of my time and shit and I but I need to actually finish up my 31 days of horror <laughs> so um, <laughs> you know that I'm, I'm actually starting to pay attention to the films coming out in this little late portion of the year here yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I didn't mention off the top of the show you know, I said nothing exciting happened to me this week man I actually got my hands on one of the NES uh, mini classics that just came out the classic editions uh, went yeah. and waited in line for a couple hours and I kind of got a little bit of intel because I delivered to these EB games and stuff and and the one guy at this one store he said man we're only getting like 12 and I'm like are you fucking serious and he goes well I can't give you exact numbers but the store in the mall is getting way more and I said well shit man I mean the way the way the place where the uh, one EB games is like up in this rich neighborhood and I was like well there's gonna be like a thousand people and I'm sure shit there was so I just like fucking went down to the EB I'm like you know they're open at 11 I went down to 10 got in line I was like eh, there's not that many people in line here it's pretty crazy 
Uh, and then about 45 minutes later, a girl that was working, she came out and she started handing out these numbers, right? And she was asking for ID and stuff because apparently you could only buy one per household. And uh, I got number 19. I was number 19 in line. And they only had 25 for sale. <laughs> so Jesus like, total Christ. Bonus. Total bonus. I literally heard. I didn't even know because I didn't ask, right? And uh, all of a sudden, the last guy in line, she's like, yeah, you got the last one. And well, the guy behind him was like, what the fuck? Could you imagine being on the bubble on that one? Oh. But I shit you not. I was home in an hour. And I got a text from my buddy. And he said, check this out, man. And it was a posting on Kijiji. And it was there was one on Kijiji already for $650. I was like, man, I people are totally just taking advantage mine. of that. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's crazy, dude. Like, I was reading, I was watching a couple of videos today, and I was reading about people, you know, totally raving about these things. And there's a lot of pissed off people because, like, what the hell's up with Nintendo only releasing such a limited quantity? And I said, well, they did say that the, the original pressing was going to be rather small, and then they are going to repress, right? It's not like it's limited, limited. They said it was limited on the first pressing. So I'm sure within a couple months, or even by Christmas time, I bet you there's enough to run of them. So I wouldn't go out and pay 350 or $650 for this NES mm-hmm. Mini because there is definitely more coming. So don't worry, folks. If you didn't get one right now, I'm sure they're coming. But to be honest, the thing is so tiny. It fits in my hand. It's so cool. <laughs> it's so rad. The biggest downfall is the short-ass cord because they didn't make them wireless. They're actually plugged in, and the cord is literally like, two and a half feet it's so short it's ridiculous so like i'm like playing this thing looking up at my tv going fuck my head my neck hurts uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the, thing, the thing that i i don't like about it is that they don't have an expansion um mm-hmm. to where you can buy more more games like what the hell yeah i know i know that was kind of a that was kind of a down thing too but you know what the, the selling point for me was this one actually had two my two favorite nes games in it anyways which was punch out and mario 3 so I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Plus, it has Double Dragon and you know Super Contra and Contra and shit like that. So I was like, that's mm-hmm. yeah. It, I mean, it's got some selling games. Is definitely good. Does it have? Yeah. Uh, it has Legend of Zelda, correct? Mm-hmm. It does. It has Zelda one and two, which was another huge thing for me too. I'm like, that's pretty rad, man. So I mean, I own two NESs and most of those games. Well, not anymore. Most of the games, but I, I definitely own like Zelda, uh, Mario three couple other ones uh, yeah ninja guide and stuff like that but oh yeah mm-hmm. i ninja just Gate, wasn't super that, interested in in this thing because of uh i own an nes for one and it actually is hooked up in my house so i could play it whenever um and two uh it didn't if it had the expansion i would be like oh i'll just sell my regular nes and like you know i'll be able to eventually just get all the games on this thing or whatever you know so mm. uh, but yeah mm-hmm. I, I imagine they do that i imagine that when they do the NES Mini 2, it has an expansion port or something like that. Probably. Probably. I mean, the price was right, though. It was like seventy nine ninety nine. You got 30 games. It came with the HDMI cable, everything. So, I mean, it's not really that bad of a deal or anything. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if it was like $200, I probably never would have went out and stood in line. You know, it's like I always yeah. told myself, too, it was kind of funny because I always said I was like, I never wanted to be one of those dorks that went out and went out of his way and fucking stood in line for like a game or, a, you know, a movie. Like, I just like, oh, fuck it. I'm so laid back. I'm just like, eh, whatever, man. I'll just catch it on the I'll catch it on the next production or whatever, you know, kind of thing. The but next episode. That's exactly right. And I was just like. I was so enthralled by this thing. I was like, man, because it has my favorite games. Like, screw it. I'm going to wait in line. I'm leaving my house. My sister shows up. She's like, you're such a fucking dork. (laughs) That's what she says to me. And I'm like, whatever, man. I got one. You know what, man? We are pissing the fuck off of Dave right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> Why? Because I brought up MMA at the beginning, and now we're talking about the NES console. I remember recently he said, like, if the fuck it, I hate when horror podcasts start talking about non horror stuff. It pisses oh, me off so much. About He's probably like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I had to say on that. I just, I, I just. No, it's a good topic. Sometimes on... I wish we had a second podcast for regular life stuff because I, I sometimes <laughs> I do just need to talk about regular life stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I hate man. But uh, continuing along here with the news. Uh, what did we just finish on? Uh, Anti-Birth. Oh, okay. So, yeah, uh, The Witch, the director of The Witch, uh, is remaking Nosferatu, apparently. This is from Cinema Blend, and they basically said that uh, during a recent appearance at the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast, uh, Robert Edgers officially revealed that he has been tapped to tackle a remake of Nosferatu as his next big project. The remake has actually been in development for quite some time, and although Eggers had not initially intended on taking the project in the near future, he felt compelled to uh, to do it in order to ensure that another filmmaker wouldn't mishandle the material. Speaking out about the project, wow. Eggers emits a mm. deep-seated love for the original Nosferatu, and he intends to do something different with the material, something that will not <laughs> impede upon the work by F.W. Monroe and Max Schreck. Um... Dude, I don't think you can really say that film. any better than he just did. <laughs> but it's crazy that he even he, like. I mean, I respect him for his honesty and his. Uh, you know, it, it's, he sounds very. The conviction in his words is is definitely uh, prevalent there. Um, but, you know, I do have thoughts on this. I have no problems. Like, I'm really trying to keep an open mind. You know, like whatever. If you want to remake Nosferatu, that's fine. Uh-huh. It's been remade a couple times, you know, of course, from, what, 79? Werner Herzog, yeah. Werner Herzog's film. Then we got Shadow of the Vampire. It's not really a remake, but it's kind of based on Loss of Raw 2 and stuff. And then, yeah. But, you know, the thing that the thing that kind of a little bit annoyed me about this announcement was the director of The Witch. And, you know, I had said this right after I watched The Witch. I said, wow, I can't wait to see what this guy does next. And if his next project is a remake, I'm just like, well, you know, it's not 100% original, even though he might try something completely different. It just, to me, it seems a little counterproductive. You know, I understand it's a big paycheck for him, and, you know, maybe this is what he feels might further his career um, by doing this film and stuff. Um, I really like the way he says it. You know, he didn't want someone else to handle it because he didn't want to fuck up the source material. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Um, but to me, it seems a little counterproductive because I think The Witch is one of the better films of the year. And uh, I just wanted to see something, you know, fully original from this director because i was really excited like i was like this is a really well done film and um uh, i don't know that that that's my thoughts on it anyways so yeah. it could be interesting to see what he would do with it though with the story I, I think that one thing that gets me kind of excited is the fact that um if there's one thing about the witch that he nails its visuals and sound and yeah. uh nosferatu's core success like the entire success of that film is on visuals mm-hmm. yeah the original film is well yeah the original film is of course it is all visual and sound because it was silent right yeah. <laughs> so um but yeah you know i think herzog did a good job with his remake too i thought it was really good yeah film. yeah i've never um, seen it i, I don't know i'm you curious seen to shadow see the vampire no that's a, that's a really interesting I've, film yeah, well, yeah yeah, William Defoe and stuff is came on like I think two thousand three or so, one or something. I don't know, 
around that time. But uh, yeah, so I don't know, man. Uh, With this guy's style making a very stylistic type visual film, I think there's probably no nobody better for the project than than the guy. I, the, his name escapes me. Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers. Yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, I get I, I have total faith in him. He's going to make a good film. I just honestly, honest to God, I just wanted to see something just flat out original from him. You know, like The Witch. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, moving along here, uh, we just have a um, one other little piece of news. And uh, I, w- I, I got to say, man, I, I don't know if I was disappointed or just um, just maybe it's because I don't really know what any of this stuff is. Uh, but Arrow Video made a couple announcements and... Uh, I wasn't really blown away by them, but it, it's possible that it's just because I've never heard of these films. So, um, they announced a few titles uh, for the UK and the US. So, uh, they announced Tower of London for the UK, which is a Vincent Price film. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't really get excited for their UK releases because I don't typically get them. So, um, mm-hmm. that's one mm-hmm. reason. Uh, then, Willie Dynamite. Um, this is the the one that I was excited for. It's uh, Psychomania, which is yep. uh, U.S. Mm-hmm. and Canada release. Uh, did you guys notice that Arrow now puts the Canadian flag on their releases too, instead of just the U.S.? <laughs> I did not notice that. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Interesting. And then we are, uh, what is it? We are the flesh. We are the flesh. Yeah, what is that? That. That looks cool, but I, don't, a, I have no idea what it is. Is it new? Apparently, or it's like a, a Mexican, it, it, Mexican art house film or something like that. Yeah, it's a 2016 film. Oh, okay. Oh, it, it's 2016. Okay, that's kind of that's kind of interesting. But yeah, I didn't really know much so about it is that. A new film. I wasn't like overly blown away by the, the announcements either. Even though London or Tower London and uh, uh, Psychomania are cool. Um, you know, Holy Diamond. <laughs> hilarious yeah willie died that's kind of a funny that's kind of an oddball announcement to be honest but uh uh but yeah psychomania was fun it was actually like i I mentioned i think in the chat or whatever i said that psychomania was actually one of the very first reviews i ever did on youtube actually i think it was like literally one of like it was either the first or second one i ever did or something like that but Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting so very odd that everyone rushed out to grab that severin dvd and then this happened Oh fuck! This is happening to every. This is like this the most like notorious thing that happens to collectors. Many, you know, you finally you put off something forever, and then you go, "Oh fuck! I'll grab the DVD on the sale." <laughs> and then, like the next day, it gets an end. Like kind of like Matt, right? Matt goes out and grabs uh, yeah. Blue Sunshine. Blue Ray gets announced, and he's like, "Fuck sakes, man!" <laughs> but you know, it's the way it goes, man, in the collector's realm. Yep. Yeah, Psychomania is a good film. It is fun, man. I don't think it's for everybody. I think some people. I've heard some people say they don't really care for it, but I think it's a really interesting yeah. film. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's very original. It is. But all right, so that is the news. Q. Oh, all right. Ooh. All right. So moving along, uh, we'll jump into mood swings here. And first up in mood swings, we got the DVD and Blu-ray releases for. Uh, November 15, 2016, and again, it is very, very scrawny. Like, I looked around, and I'm like, this can't be all the releases, but apparently it kind of is. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck, man. What's going on here? It's like, 
you guys have any input? In, like, why is it so dead with releases lately? I know. It's I have back. no idea, man. Even came out and said they're like, yeah, you know, we kind of slowed down a little bit, blah blah blah, and stuff, and you know, which is kind of a good thing because they were just releasing way too much shit. But mm-hmm. um, it's interesting, though. It's just it seems like everybody is kind of really really slow. I think we're right in, in probably December for Christmas time, right? Um, but yeah, first up here from uh, Twilight Time, favorite company in the world. Uh, we've got uh, <laughs> the Boston Strangler. Um, yeah, this was. I think this was actually a movie about Derek's dad, I believe, or something. Not sure. <laughs> no, <I don't> know. <laughs> but no, this is the uh, the 1968 version of the Boston Strangler. I believe there is a remake to this. I can't fully remember, but I think mm-hmm. it was. Remake. But yeah, the original Boston Strangler from 1968, which is actually a pretty cool film. Seen it with, before. with Jamie Lee's dad, Tony Curtis. Is Tony Curtis in that? No, oh, shit, I haven't seen yeah. it in a long time. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Uh, so that's, you know, kind of cool. I mean, if you support Twilight Times, I guess, but. Uh, next up here from Arrow, we got, uh, you know, probably a very, very sought out release by, I know a lot of collectors and a lot of fans wanted this, uh, film on Blu-ray and it's here. It's, it's finally here. And that's uh, Chud, uh, coming from, of course, Arrow Video. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, man, I, I'm really, I'm really stoked for this, man. This is really, this is a cool release. Uh, it's cool because also Chud 2's on the way from Vestron, which is neat. Like, like both you know, I didn't even films. think of it like that, but that's cool though. Yeah. So both films are dropping relatively quick here on uh yeah. on blu-ray i'm, so. I'm interested to see the uncut version of this because there's like a new version of the film on this oh of God. yeah yeah that's right yeah. that's right so there is i don't know if you guys knew this but um on the dvd there's like a hidden thing where there's a nude scene that was uh, not yeah. in the film yeah there's <laughs> really? like um yeah i've I'm pretty sure it's on the menu. Like if you like hit left or something. It, oh, you know, it's it like an Easter, little... egg. Easter yeah, egg. Yeah, yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's a nude scene with the uh, lead actress. Really? Um, I'm gonna go look for that. Pretty sure. Man. Don't don't quote me on that. So the Anchor like, Bay. Not... Yeah, I was gonna say Anchor Bay or the Elite re-release from the Midnight uh, Madness. I have the Anchor Bay. Okay, okay so I'm gonna search for that. No. Oddly enough, I actually have both DVDs. Don't ask me why. I'm just. A hoarder. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but I don't know why I both. It's so weird. Um, I think I, I don't know. Honestly, it's so strange. Uh, next up here from um, Screen Factory is uh, the release of David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers from, uh, I believe it came out in '88. Um, with, with its great cover. Oh, with the most misleading. You know, in a, in a way, it's kind of misleading. I mean, it's kind of, but not really. But uh, when you look at this cover art, it just you automatically assume it's like a creature feature, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Like it just looks like it makes it look like a creature feature. And, and if you did yeah. see the film, it is kind of a spoiler of what actually don't happens. Don't say to... anything. Yeah, that's the gonna... thing, and that's the other thing I was getting to, and it's kind of a spoiler too. So, well, well man, that, not, like I said sure. before, assholes. Nobody knows that unless assholes say it. Because yeah. when you see the, when you see a cover, you don't know it's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? What? So but you, until you, somebody you says like, "Oh, the cover's a spoiler," so then now I know. But you don't know what it's a spoiler. Well, you know what it's a spoiler too. No, but now I'm gonna be the... fucking knowing that that's something to do with the end of the film or whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it, like, for example, the quarantine cover, right? Like, that's the one where it has. It's like that's the end of the movie, the end scene. Well, it's not a spoiler because you didn't know that was the end. <laughs> Right? I mean, think about it. <laughs> true, that. So, true that. Yeah, true that. 
Um, and uh, yeah, last up here for the releases, I know, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, we have the release of um, Phenomena, Argento's Ooh. Phenomena, on Steelbook from Synapse Films. Fuck you, Synapse uh, Films. You know, this is limited to 3,000, and mm-hmm. you know, of course, this is, I think this is three discs, I believe, or something. I, I don't, I think it's three discs. I don't well, know. At um, least but they, we know but... this time. You know, I'm not going to hate on that release because we at least know now that they'll release a standard edition. So I'm yeah. fine with limiting things if you're going to release a standard edition. I'm not fine with lying about it, which is what they did with uh, Tenebrae. Oh, they lied so... through their fucking teeth because they specifically said in a post, we are not releasing a standard. Yeah. So, they, yeah, I mean, knowing that, yeah, it is a three-disc, actually. This is actually a really interesting release from synapse because it actually has three different cuts of the film it's got the 160 mm-hmm. minute cut the 110 and the fully cut version the 83 minute version creepers uh, which is known as creepers um so that's a pretty that's pretty cool man you got all three cuts i don't know why you'd want to watch the 83 minute cut that makes absolutely no sense to me but um, yeah, I'll, I'll but i guess it, well, i mean it sometimes um i like the inclusion because sometimes like if you've seen it as creepers which I believe wasn't that how it was released in the U.S. Yes, it was, and that's actually the very the very first time I watched this film. It was the U, uh, the U.S. version, which so was maybe for like nostalgic reasons or something, you know. Yeah, uh, first time I seen it was the Anchor Bay like uh, phenomenon of cut. I don't know which one that one is, but it was longer than uh, the eighty three minutes. I, know. I, I believe. Really... The Anchor Bay one is, I think it's the full version. I think it's the 116. I can't remember, actually, to be honest. Um, I don't know. Well, but, sure I like the artwork on it. It's actually the VHS I used to own, too, the Anchor Bay VHS art. Yeah, it's fucking awesome, man. Pretty awesome shit. Third disc being Blu-ray, DVD combo, and the soundtrack, sure. which is which is awesome because there's, there's nothing cooler than getting these Italian releases that have the soundtracks because generally the soundtracks are fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, and this one's really good. It's actually one of my favorite Argento films. <laughs> me, me too, man. I love the soundtrack. You know, it's uh, uh, a soundtrack cool. done by Goblin, um, Claudio Simone. Yeah, it's yeah, like God. awesome. It's really, really good shit. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if I would recommend for everyone to run out and try to grab this because it is super expensive. I mean, this this uh, Steelbook edition, I don't know why Synapse is doing this, man. It just seems overkill. Um, it's listed on their website as forty five ninety five. Plus, I think uh, you have to pay in the U.S., I think there's $6 shipping. So, no, it's included. Oh, it's included. So you're paying $46 for this thing. So $40, yeah, $60 shipping. Um, I don't know. If it's worth it to you to pick it up, yeah, then go ahead and grab it. But I think most people, honestly, are going to wait for the uh, the standard edition, which is the same version, just with less... doesn't have the sound. Yeah, if it's, a, if it's a film you haven't seen, I wouldn't blind buy it for $46. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you wait for the standard, you're just not getting the soundtrack. But, uh, you know, I mean, it is what it is, but still, you know, $46, man, it's crazy. Crazy mm-hmm. shit. I so, still don't, I, I just I can never bring myself to understand why they would charge that much. I mean, because the standard edition of the film is going to be what, like eighteen dollars, and all that is is just in a normal Amory case minus the soundtrack. Uh, of course, not the steelbook packaging, but where's all that? Like, that's well, that's a big difference. The value is not the steel. It's the, value the limit. Is not the yes. It's, yeah, the, it's the value is the limit. 
uh-huh. what the value is, which is sad. again coming down to this. This is a very this is a conversation that gets uh, very heated because that just makes no sense to me. It's way too much to pay for. Like, I don't I don't care about that shit too much. So, um, but yeah, for the the release of the week here. Wow, Before you know. Before you mentioned the release of the week, a little bit of an update. Uh, Charlene was able to go back and document all of the release of the weeks and put it in a nice little chart for me which wow. thank you so much like it's beautiful uh she uh started with episode 53 and worked which, her way all the yep. way up to 92 yep i found i gave her the episode where you started that's the release. Awesome. that's good yeah. so um just just very interesting little thing here there was only between episode 53 and 92 there was only six episodes that did not have a release of the week um, those episodes were the Children of the Corn franchise, top ten of fifteen; the Howling franchise, top ten of two thousand two; Henry Lee Lucas uh, show, and top ten of ninety six. How come so, we didn't have a release of the week during the uh, the serial killers episode? I Did we think not do- because we were recording it two or three weeks before we were releasing it. Oh, I think that yeah. I th- okay, yeah. All the other ones make sense because we generally don't do this whole mood swings. Uh, section of, well, the, of the show during like giant franchises or like top 10 shows well i think with the i'm pretty sure with the children of the corn one didn't we do like a little bit of intros and then just get into the show you did <laughs> like, like some did. emails and then right went right into it because nine films man you had to <laughs> well thanks uh charlene for you know doing that that's really, yeah. really it's, amazing it's, it's actually interesting because she gave us the episode number the title of the episode the time code Mm. Oh, really? The release of the week and the releasing company. Wow. So, uh, for example, episode 62, Lucio Falci. uh, The time is an hour, 12 minutes, and 51 seconds. And the release of the week was Cinco de Mayo from all of films. Nice. Wow, Cinco de Mayo. It must have been a slow week. <laughs> it's a it's a fun film. It's a fun film, but you know, it must have been a whole lot of wild eye that week. <laughs> Probably. You know, that's the other thing that I've been noticing too. Like lots, uh, like less and less wild eye every week. It's kind of interesting. Maybe no one's yeah. buying their shit. They can't release anything anymore. <laughs> I don't know because I know they're releasing Wing Wing. I don't know when that's coming out. But... Oh, Here's a little little interesting fact as well. Episode. Number 61, Dario Argento Director's Spotlight. The release of the week was Bound to Vengeance. I see Midnight. Bound to Vengeance, wow. And yeah. Moods didn't like that. <laughs> That's yeah, kind of funny. If you, just, if you just move forward to episode 65, where we covered Bound to Vengeance. <laughs> you see yeah, we argued about that. JT really enjoyed it. I didn't really care for it, mm-hmm. which yeah. is very surprising because I generally like those type of movies a lot. But yeah. that one just flaws. Yeah. So itself. Um, I'll just I'll just give a little little bit of I'll just go through these. Okay, episode fifty three was Madhouse by Kino. Episode fifty four, The People Under the Stairs, Scream Factory. Episode fifty five, Metamorphosis and Beyond Darkness, Scream Factory. Hell yeah. Episode fifty seven was Christine by Sony. Episode 58 was Horror Classics Volume 1. That's Warner. Uh, Episode 59, Black Cat's Box Set, Arrow. Episode 60, Charlie's Farm from Alchemy. 
uh, then Bound of Vengeance by IFC. After that, we had Cinco de Mayo from all of films, Blood and Black Lace from Arrow Video. Uh, then we had Walking Dead Limited Edition Season 5 from Anchor Bay. Uh, Women's Prisoner Massacre from Scream Factory. Yes. from Arrow. Nightmares from Scream Factory. The Guardian from Scream Factory. Sunny Boy from Scream Factory. Giant Spider Invasion from VCI. Vincent Price Collection from Scream Factory. And then we had three arrows in a row. Death Walks Twice Box Set. Your Vice is a Locked Room and I Only Have a Key. Brighter Reanimator. And then we move back to Scream Factory for Chainsaw 2, back to Arrow for the Zero Boys, Emily from Dark Sky Films, Symptoms from Wanda Macabro, Ray Harryhausen Special Effects from Arrow, The Boy Who Cried Werewolf from Scream Factory, Atroz from Unearthed, The Bloodstained Butterfly from Arrow, Chopping Mall from Vestron, Waxwork from Vestron, The Exorcist from Scream Factory, Carnage Park from Midnight, and The Inv- Initiation from Arrow Video. So, Wow. Wow. So back wow, memories. Lots, lots of arrows yeah. and screen factories. Yeah, because they released so much stuff, man. I mean what 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 do you think the chances would be that like a wild eye release would be recently <laughs> released the week, I guess, if there was like nothing else released that week? I guess. I don't maybe, know. Maybe. Uh, but uh release of the week this one. Now this is where I kinda get torn, man, because I mean, let's face it, the phenomena re or release by Synapse is pretty cool. You know. Is it practical at the price? I mean, this is the these are the type of things that I think you got to throw into consideration when you're when you, if you were at a store and you saw the Boston Strangler, Chud, Dead Ringers, or Phenomena, you know, you kind of kind of put yourself into this situation and you, and you go, well, there's various factors here of what the selling points is. Obviously, love for the film or you know, first I think time the release, thing- special features, price. Exactly cover art, I, think, I mean, I all think, of it goes into play. I think essentially price is probably the big one. I think when a lot of people look at the $46 price tag on Phenomenon, they'd be like, wow, you know, um, I know there's a lot of people out there that are big steelbook collectors, and they would probably just instantly, you know, go to that release, and that would be the one I picked up, but, I mean, for myself, and this is kind of how I look at it, I mean, it's not really the one, I'm not a big steelbook collector, uh, I can deal without the soundtrack, because you can get it separately anyways, I believe, and, uh, you know, price man price you know I, I think it's crazy release of the week i'm going with chud first time on blu-ray you know um released nice. by arrow we're getting a new cut here of the film and uh i think that's the one that you should grab this week you know so and now yeah that's uh, that Give actually puts arrow in the lead with 11 to 10 against Scream Factory for release of the week. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I can't that crazy. crazy. <laughs> so yeah, that was plus, the release of the week. To be honest, coming back to the whole artwork thing, man, the uh, the Dead Ringers cover art is atrocious. Right? Yeah. It's the, only, the only other film that's really interesting to get out this week is not even really a horror film. That's being released by Criterion. Uh, with Dreams, Kara Kurosawa. First time release on Blu-ray. It's in my top ten favorite films of all time. <clears throat> there you go. There you go. Right. You can never really go wrong with Criterion. I mean, you can yeah. buy any Criterion and probably Co- enjoy it. Plus, it's co-directed by Ashiro Honda, director of Godzilla, so that's even awesome. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so let's move along here. Uh, do we got some voicemails and questions for this episode? Uh, just voicemails. We just have voicemails. So 
Uh, we have one from Matt, and we have one from Tyler from LA. Uh, but <clears throat> if you guys do want to send in a voicemail or a question, uh, people often ask, where can I do this at? Well, if you look in the description, all the links are always there. I always find it funny that people ask that. You know, I'm not, I'm not being a dick either because – Let's face it, you know, they, they don't know everything about us, right? I mean, it's very mm-hmm. possible that you don't know that. But, but it, it's funny because we do keep the links all together in the description. So uh, if you were yeah. on iTunes, if you're on YouTube, mm-hmm. if you're on the 22 Shots website, if you're on Horophilia, Are you on the if Facebook you're on group? some third-party site that steals our content, <laughs> the description is still the same, and it mm-hmm. usually has, barring me being lazy which is very very rarely happens uh we'll have the voicemail number as well as the email uh that you can send us an email so there i've had that question so many times like where can i you know where you know you know certain questions about the show and i'm like there's a description box in the video just press that it'll it's a drop down box there's so many people that don't even realize that you can actually press that description i swear yeah it's like it's there so i mean all these all these places very very easy to find you'll find the voicemail number and various emails and other links it's all there it's all there peeps all right so what we have here is one from matt we'll play that one first yes yes y'all it's going down right now what's up guys it's matt the horror goddess a question i had for you guys this time was uh, I want you to think about your favorite horror movie of all time and your least favorite horror movie of all time. And then think about what would happen if you switched the directors for those films, mm-hmm. if you swapped them. So let's say, like, um, each director from your favorite horror movie of all time, so for me, kind of like Dawn of Dead. So if you took Romero and had him direct your, the worst horror movie you've ever seen, do you think that, that would make it a better film? Or is the film just doomed because the actors in there are terrible? Or do the story's just shit, it's really badly written? Mississippi, worst film I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a shitty, shitty <coughs> movie. Yeah. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre is my favorite film. It's also probably the best horror film I've ever seen. So if I swap good old Tobe Hooper with random guy number A, um, <laughs> <laughs> Chainsaw for one would have been a like i'm pretty sure that he would have filmed the entire movie without film in the in the camera so uh, we <laughs> so probably wouldn't have actually a movie. never got the film <laughs> yeah because uh that's that's the type of mistakes that are happening on this beneath the mississippi film and if we took toby hooper and had him direct beneath the mississippi i'm sure it would have been just just better but still a complete 
shitty film because there's nothing there. There's no movie. Uh, you have to have a movie to to make, and there was nothing to make out of that nonsense. It was just like, and I assume that Toby Hooper would have the same equipment. Uh, maybe we'd actually get proper sound uh, because he would be like, "Hey, we can't use this five dollar equipment. Like, you know, we need ten dollar equipment." <laughs> so um, I don't know, man. I think Beneath the Mississippi would be uh, a little bit better, but probably still shitty because there's there's no movie there to save. <laughs> As for Chainsaw, we would have not even got a movie. We never would have heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine's actually very interesting because, of course, you know my favorite horror film of all time is Zombie by Fulci. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking of like one of my least favorite watches, and I'm going to have to go with House of the Dead by Uli Bull. So yeah. imagine if you switch Fulci to direct House of the Dead it would be kind of like maybe turn into like zombie three-ish kind of territory would it without like the shitty like uh, cutaways with like the video game footage <laughs> but it would be like cool because it might have like some atmosphere and shit like to with the boat and stuff and maybe like change some of the cast and maybe change the soundtrack to like Fabio Frizzi score so it might work it might be like some weird like zombie three shit that comes out of that and if you have, like, Uli Bull directing Zombie, it might turn to something like Zombie Holocaust. It won't be as good, in my opinion, but it would be, like, kind of like a schlocky, like, Bruno Mattei-style, like, zombie film. I think what but, you did there is you elevated one movie from a below average to a slightly above average, and another movie from a really good movie to a slightly below average. So you kind of just met in the middle there. Like, I think that both movies would be watchable though, honestly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would work because Uli Bull, I kind of like put him in that tech category with like Matai's like, uh, and stuff. And he would like make like a hell of a living dead type, like zombie film. <laughs> so, so, so bad. So you good. put a lot of stock footage in there then? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would work if it was like if Uli Bull was working like the seventies and stuff. That's what he would probably do, and it would work for his advantage. I seen House of the Dead one time when it came out, and I didn't. I didn't mind it. So I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I've never seen it. I have honestly. Oh my! It actually has some fun things in it, but it's like it was just the whole like thing with like him like he actually adds like actual footage from the actual fucking video game into the film. Yeah, no, but the actual game game like uh, like. Yeah, I know. I like that. <laughs> That's crazy. That's good. It's just, was, it's, uh, you, you, you'll watch a movie. You'll see what I'm, we're talking about. It's fucking you know, at, at the end of the, the day, of the game. at the end of the day, Uwe Bull would still tell you that both films would be the two best films ever made. <laughs> yeah. And then he would beat sorry. you up if you disagreed. Yeah, no, and then he'd puss out and fucking retire like he just did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> You couldn't take the criticism, man. It's crazy. It's like, dude, yeah. you're a filmmaker, man. That you put your shit out there, you're gonna get criticized, either good or bad. I mean, you got to deal with. It. I actually liked a few of his films, like Rampage. I really liked and uh, Static. Yeah, those those two films are actually really good. Like those are surprising. I I've honestly never seen a whole pile of Way Bull films. I've seen those two. I haven't really had a lot of bad experiences with this film. Oh, before. the end of the name of the kings are fucking terrible. Never seen it. Oh my I god! I think I've man. only ever seen Stodic and uh, and Rampage. I haven't seen the sequel to Rampage. But he, direct, he directed three in the name of the Kings and had like a different like one was with Jason Statham, the other was with Dolph Lundgren. 
Crazy. <laughs> yeah, what about awesome. what about you, Moods? Uh, you know, well, my favorite film of all time is Dawn of the Dead, so Romero. Romero. Um, and then I, one of my least favorite, I don't really know what my, my least favorite film of all time, but I, one that we did review on the show that actually Derek had mentioned right off the top of our pregame was uh, The Howling 7. Man, dude, this movie is just such, it's such a fucking mess. It's like, it's honestly just unbelievable that it actually got made, <laughs> you know, on like so many levels. Because to me, it doesn't even feel like a movie. It just feels like one long country music video. It's really strange how the film is. So... Do you take that director, who I believe starred in that film, and you put him on Dawn of the Dead? Uh, I think oh. the script is honestly strong enough that I, I think it'd be hard enough to. I think it'd be pretty much, you know, it'd be hard to fuck that one up completely. But you put Romero into that shitty situation, there's really nothing to go on. There's like no script to that film. There's really no story, nothing. I don't think Romero could possibly save that. To be honest, I think it would still turn out to be a complete abomination. Um, because like I said, there's literally nothing going on. Like what, like, how did this film ever get done? Like, it's amazing. It even got distributed. It's fucking blows my mind. Uh, but like I said, with Dawn of the Dead, man, I mean, if you just switch directors and you still had the cast, the special effects, you know, you still got Tom Savini working on the film, things like that. Uh, obviously the film would probably come out different and who knows, it might not turn out to be my favorite film of all time. Uh, just based on certain ideas maybe changes the ending or something like that but i still think dawn of the dead would still be a good film and the howling seven at the end of the day romero would be like fuck this shit man and you just sit in the corner and smoke all day you know because <laughs> i honestly I, I honestly think that romero this couldn't save a country music video because he's like dude i don't i fucking hate country music man country music sucks <laughs> so he'd be like screw this project and all these non-actors in the film i mean let's face it man he was literally making a movie in a real bar with real people, not actors, and it shows. It's then, not a movie. Then he remembers How, that time when he worked it with Ed Harris. He's like, what could have been? <laughs> the Howling 7 is not even a movie. <laughs> it's just an unbelievable spectacle. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I think that that one is a pretty good one because I I think that Romero would have been able to figure something out with Howling. And I, I honestly don't think that Dawn of the Dead would have ended up that bad. I think you got... I think you have potential to have two solid movies out of that one. You think so? Like if you, if you, so if Romero just stepped onto the onto the set and he's given this script and it's like, okay, there's barely any dialogue here because a lot of the dialogue that was spit in the film was just kind of ad-libbed at the times. Mm -hmm. And they didn't really have much of a script to work with. So there was really no story at all. So if Romero came in, does he go in and just, you know, kind of rewrite the whole thing? Or are we talking like he just takes what he has and then kind of goes from there and well i, See, I think, think he will at least call his boy tom up and be like yo can you get me some werewolf effects because <laughs> i got nothing to work with here buddy <laughs> true that true that i mean you know at the end of the day it's kind of like you know i, I remember dave uh, earlier today was talking in the in the chat about i uh, kind of scrolled through and read it a little bit and he said you know i think that even like the best director couldn't even save like you know kind of the worst film and things like that i can't remember the whole thing that he was talking about but he doesn't you know, put I, much stock into directors is what he's saying see i i completely i don't completely disagree i i do disagree with that statement though because i believe that i've read that you know even working with guys like um like stanley kubrick and things like that i've, I've read with certain interviews with actors and things like that they've worked with directors that kind of brought out the best in them it's a way they approached them it's like when you're directing a film, you're almost coaching 
your actors. You want to bring out the characters in the script out of these actors the best way you can. So if you know exactly what you want to do as a director and you have these visions and these ideas and you have these actors that are, you know, they're decent actors, but you know, who knows, maybe the range isn't there. I think that certain directors can possibly make you come out of your shell and, and do certain things. Like I've heard with Stanley Kubrick, like he made people do things like, you know, maybe because he was, you know, he was just kind of an oddball guy to work with and he just kind of, you were almost intimidated by him. Who knows? But the point is that I've heard of directors actually bringing out the best and, you know, actors saying, I, I didn't know I could honestly do that, you know, until I got, um, you know, working with this director. And it, kind of brought it's up, not only and that he just tells them what to do. Like, it, it's not like he, like, like, Oh, He's just going to tell this person to act this way. No. Half of directing is explaining, finding an angle with each little fucking actor who is a different person and has different ideas and their brain works a different way. And it's about manipulating that, not in a negative way, but manipulating it into a way that they can understand what's in your head. And and also, you know, it's not just... It's about decision making too, right? Like I, that's why I do put a lot of stock in directors. I do think that films end up completely shit if they don't have somebody leading correctly. Okay, you know what's a great example is I always thought that it was. I'll never fucking forget the first time I seen the cast for From Dust Till Dawn, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and, and you know, Tarantino's one of those guys where I think that he manages to bring out the best in, in actors, man. Oh, 100%. Like hundred percent. Because he's he, you know, he understands that aspect of filmmaking. He understands that these characters need to come out on screen the way they're written. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the writer of the scripts, and he writes his characters a certain way. He has certain people in mind, and he's like, well, you know, they might not might might not be a hundred percent for the part, but we can bring out the best in that person. You know, you take John Travolta and stuff. Like, I mean, Travolta had never done really anything like that in Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you know, and then he he kind of like he brought out this this character this this vincent character out of fucking john travolta and just it was so good that you know he just brings out these awesome he writes these awesome characters and he he basically coaches you and tells you works with you on the set and he says this is what i want you to do i know you can do this you need to approach it like this everything from mannerisms to the way you approach and everything that's a fucking director and i truly believe directors have a big influence on how films turn out if you're you're a director so good in his films yeah like if you're one of those directors that's just you know always screaming and yelling but you're not really giving a lot of input into the actor you know trying to bring out that character from the script you know, things might be tough, might be really, really tough. I heard that Wes Craven was kind of a difficult one to work with because he was so laid back. He mm-hmm. wouldn't give a lot of direction. Uh, Wes Craven was one of those directors that would sit there and he had a vision, but he would never let you know what the fuck it was. Like, I've heard lots of people say that he was very, very tough to work with because they didn't know exactly what he wanted. Because you're like, you go and do a take and be like, awesome, perfect. Let's do it again. Awesome, mm-hmm. perfect. Let's do it again. And he was just, well, what, it was it good or was it bad? Are you just saying that like... I think Tarantino's the type of director that's why that Shocker would ended go, up so would... shitty. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Tarantino's that director that would be like, God damn, that was fucking horrible. Let's nah, do it again. I think, I, want you to... I, I think he has sort of just a – he's just good at explaining shit. Because like, he's like, well, he gets buddy-buddy with all these guy guy actors too because he's like, seen all his want... movies too. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't want you to do something in the film. He'd be like, hey, man, like seriously, that's not how I wrote the part. Because I know Tarantino doesn't allow people to, to improvise with his scripts. Right. Like what he writes is what you say. you right. Because he's he takes a lot of stock in what he's writing in the scripts. And I, I like that because that's it's a very 
I, I don't know really what the appropriate word is for, but it's he very. He knows um, what he's doing. The end well, of the, the day, thing, he, just has, he has it all like yeah. because one of the visionary. One of the best is, He believes this is how it should come out and stuff. And mm-hmm. so, going back to the, the original topic, Dave, I, I honestly truly disagree with you about how directors don't have a lot of stock in their films. I think they can change the game quite a bit. I don't really, think that really he can. meant a hundred percent that they don't they can't change the game. I think that he, he was did, just yeah, saying he put a lot of stock that, into to directors that change a film. And I mean. These are interesting questions when we come full circle. It's like, you like, know, if you took this director and you put him on Dawn of the Dead or, you know, this and that, and, like, it's it's all hypothetical conversation, but at the end of the day, it's still interesting. Mm-hmm. Because when you think about it, like, wow, that would be really interesting mm-hmm. to, to find out exactly what would happen. You know, it's it, it's I think it's cool. All right. So let's move on here. We have another voicemail from Tyler. Hey, guys. This is Tyler from L.A. I have a question for you guys. And that is, like, if you could change a, a movie ending to anything but it, uh, excuse me. If you can change a movie's ending to anything that you want it to be, what movie would it be? And why would you change it? Something it work? Yeah. Alright, so Tyler also voicemailed in another. Uh, a little follow-up to that where he said he would change High Tension's ending because uh, it didn't really make sense. Um, that's a whole other can of worms that I'm not going to open. <laughs> Watch the movie again, pay yeah. attention the first 30 seconds, it makes sense. Um, but that yeah, yeah. voicemail was, it was like staticky. It, it wasn't like coming through clear. So I, yeah. I follow up with that one. But uh, the first film that I thought of was just because I had talked about it on the show a few times. Um Mockingbird Lane? Is that mm-hmm. Mockingbird Lane? I think that's what it was. Uh, the director of The Strangers. Um, man, dude, that is one of the most stupidest endings I've ever seen in my life. I would just make it not bad. That's how I would change it. I would just not do that. <laughs> like, it's not bad. Instead of making like the worst ending of all time, I would just do not the worst ending of all time. Just not do that, that ending, which was the worst ending of all time. So... Basically, all I'm doing is not doing the worst ending of all time. It doesn't seem that hard. Just don't do the worst ending of all time. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair okay. Enough. Okay. Uh, mine is actually a film I actually reviewed, and I think Moods reviewed it too. I don't know if you've seen it yet, JP. So I'm oh. not going to. And it's Kill Billies. Oh, so I guess we'll do a dual one here because that was kind of my choice too. Because <laughs> I was like, I just recently did this one, and that was one thing that I mentioned in my review was. Um, the ending was completely out of sorts. It just mm-hmm. was completely out of sorts, man. It's crazy. Yeah. It, like, I was into the film and stuff, but that brought down my rating a lot, what actually went down in it. You know, I think with a film like that, I I truly believe that they just, they wanted to be kind of shocking and... Um, you know, kind of do something that would be like, oh, wow, that's crazy. But the the actual approach on the ending was awful because the way they set it up was our final girl in this film, she was really, really awesome. She was a very yeah. strong character. She mm-hmm. fucking fought for her life the whole time. You know, she really did a great job. Like, she was not a pussy, man. Like, she was battling. She did everything in her will to stay alive. And yeah. I think the end is a total cop-out because it doesn't even make fucking sense. Because what happens to her isn't even relative to the actual film. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, in a sense. Like, it's like they wrote it and they're just like, oh, that'll probably shock people. But not thinking that, you know, 
the the actual consequences of doing an ending like that, you can you 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 did something that just totally made everyone go, "Are you fucking kidding me?" That wow. is, yeah, yeah. So I know I said the same thing. I was like, "Man, the ending was was not good." Because to be honest, I really enjoyed the whole film. I thought it was a very very beautiful film. You know, it yeah, had, I, the I, hillbillies I, were the most disgusting motherfuckers ever on on film. They were nasty, dude. The dude, effects were really good. I thought the idea of why they were, up. yeah, like the idea of why they were abducting these people. I thought that was kind of weird and interesting. Like that was strange. Yeah, yeah. That was strange and unique and kind of original. And uh, so they had a lot of things going for. It, but man, did they? Yeah, I can see why a lot of people would be like, "Holy fuck, what's with the ending?" Doesn't make any sense. So. But again, what I would do with that one is just the complete opposite. Yeah, you know, exactly. I, I generally like, I generally love, you know, very, very downbeat. And I love, you know, like shit like The Mist. I love endings like The Mist. It just, it brings a smile to my face. I know that sounds very morbid and, and probably kind of questionable. You know, mm-hmm. to some people listen out there, it's like, but whatever, fuck you. I don't care. But I, I really enjoy shit it like It depends the on the scenario, that, too. Yeah, I think you know, exactly, exactly. And this is this Kill Billy's was set up to be like a so, more of like more a TCM a, like Hills Have Eyes type storyline. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. They just they kind of missed the fucking they missed the uh, the mark on that one. So, mm-hmm. alrighty. So I believe that we got a knowledge subject for this week. I don't know why that came out so slow, <laughs> <laughs> like a brain fart or something. Uh, yeah, we got some knowledge this week. Yes. What do we got? Um, so this is just something a little bit different. I I tempted on doing a little segment um, for knowledge, or creating its own segment, and I haven't decided if I want to do it on my YouTube channel or here on the podcast. So maybe I'll ask the listeners like if you guys would like this to be like either its own segment, a special little part of knowledge where we do it every once in a while for knowledge, but it's essentially like. Uh, unmade sequels and like, mm-hmm. just a little brief history on what it is and then just our thoughts on what it could have been or maybe we're glad that it didn't happen or whatever but um i don't know I, I don't know if i would want to do that as part of knowledge or its own segment or not at all so maybe the listeners can let me know but what i have here today for knowledge is coming to us from comingsoon.net, which is formerly, I believe, Shock to You Drop. So Shock to You Drop is no more, um, which I, I don't know when they made the change because I haven't been on Shock to You Drop in a while. Mm-hmm. Jesus, I didn't even know that. Me neither. <laughs> but Shock to You Drop for a while was my favorite horror site, so that's a little disappointing. But uh, this was an article written at the beginning of the month by Max Avery, and I didn't even look at this article. I didn't even like go through it and... And, uh, like, pre-see if it was going to fit on the show or not. I figured we'd just do it like this. Uh, anyway, it's titled The Nine Levels of Horror Fandom. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to see what his nine levels were and see where we fit into these nine levels. So, uh, this was my year of horror, he says. Uh, and basically, he goes down and he talks about, you know, his experiences with horror, um, seeing different things, Alamo Drafthouse, uh, his Blu-ray collection is becoming a mini library, blah, 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 blah. Um, but let's get into the nine levels. So level one, the tourist has seen of the touchstone movies, the exorcist, the shining, Rosemary's baby, the hybrids, alien, the sixth sense. 
in any new horror film that comes <laughs> that out that gets sense. approved by the <laughs> mainstream critically uh, community, let the right one in, the Babadook, it follows the witch. Although they don't always care for them, not particularly interested in the genres, but see the value in it, as opposed to someone who outright shuns it, thinks Guillermo's del Toro should only make Hellboy movies. So that's level one, kind of just the the person who might know the classics <laughs> and pay that's attention great. to the new uh, important movies coming out like Babadook, It Follows, stuff like that. Um, I think, I think, do you think there's any level ones that listen to us? God, I hope not. <laughs> they must they must be like vastly under, not entertained at all. I mean, a lot of a lot of the news has to do with a little more mainstream stuff and things like that, but Yeah, like yeah, Friday the 13th and stuff. And stuff. The bigger part of the show is probably not pertaining to their liking. <laughs> so, I'm sure there's a few though. Maybe it elevated them. Maybe it made them kind of go, shit, man, maybe I, I need to check out this Dario Argento film or this uh, Lucio Fulci or the, film. Or, or this Ausploitation films. Yeah, or the Howling 7, if, if you're just crazy enough to go. Well, I give it a half out of ten, so I'll check that out. <laughs> I, th- I think the, the level one is like the majority of the mainstream audience who will go see a horror film when it comes out, but are not mm-hmm. specifically into the genre specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, level two, the dabbler. Mm. This is perhaps the most common horror fan. The one that grew up on the big boys, Freddy, Jason, Chucky, Leatherface, yet has no real interest in chiseling any deeper into the nuanced crust of horror They'll happily watch whatever new mainstream studio offering is presented, Final Destination, Conjuring, Don't Breathe, Lights Out, and then joke about how dumb it was with their friends afterwards. They own all three Evil Dead movies, as well as that VHS copy of Leprechaun in the Hood they got really high to and laughed that one time. Blockbuster Video used to be a shit, man. <laughs> so, Postmaster um, P. So yeah, I mean, I guess that is... I've seen a lot of those when YouTube first came around. A lot of the guys who were Freddy, Jason, Chucky, Leatherface, and that's all they really knew. Maybe they knew Psycho, and maybe they knew they owned the three Evil Dead movies. Like This is kind of a pretty good description of those guys. I think most of those guys are gone now, but there was a lot of those guys. Um, yeah, the franchise few... guys, the more popular, you know, accessible films. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, there's definitely still a few of them there, but I think that uh, for the most part, they kind of got bored with the YouTube thing. But um, mm. I, I find it interesting when I see one of those people who know a lot about Freddy and Jason, um, but they've never seen you know something like Chud or something. You know what I mean? Uh, or even mm-hmm. even yeah. even a lot of like more like there's a lot of popular movies that they that they've never seen too. Maybe it took him thirty years to watch Fright Night, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think Dave is le- level two. I think he's better, <laughs> more into it than level two. But I mean, it I took just me, thought opening. I had to throw it in there. It took me like twenty years to see Fright Night, and honestly, it could have took me another twenty. I didn't miss like a whole lot. Oh my god! Fucked, <laughs> 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 man. All right, we have level three here. Grandpa Monster, typically age fifty plus, is an old timer. 
Remember exactly. the good old days when horror movies relied more on atmosphere than tits and gore. He'll rewatch Todd Browning's Dracula or James Wells' Bride of Frankenstein over and over. Love the slow, subtle chills of The Haunting and the cheap but innocent flavor of the 60s-era Roger Poe Corman films. It's uh, still yeah. gets scared by Return of the Witch from Witch Mountain. For some reason, he refers to all modern horror day with different, uh, with indifference at best, contempt and disgust at worst. Wears Svengoli t-shirts at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's that guy who detests like modern horror films, but hasn't seen any of them because he's so stuck in his ways. And he's like, "Yo, man, if it's not Todd Browning's Freaks, I'm not watching it, man." <laughs> no, there was definitely a lot of those guys that came on YouTube too. That were, that mm-hmm. were really, really, like it's almost weird because that person, the, the 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 person who grew up watching those, is kind of fading out, and it's now the new person is the guy who is all about the '80s and the '70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's kind of repeating itself and and hates anything new. Um, I, I think <clears> that nowadays both of those are sort of fading out a bit. It seems like people are just interested in you know not so interested in like picking an arrow or whatever but um yeah it, it's these are kind of kind of in, little interesting um mm-hmm. little levels here uh as i say that the fucking page freezes up so <laughs> while we reload the page here give me a second zach is grandpa yeah. uh we have <laughs> yeah. level four here the gore bro these grand guys are obsessed with horror movies not just for the cheap thrills but a kind of transgressive secret handshake if you can carry a conversation about how crazy and amazing the gut vomit scene in lucio falci's city of the living dead is then realize you both go to the same gym you are like flynn in them with them the you're in like flynn with them the foot slay scene from audition is in the background on their imax desktop this sounds like kyle <laughs> their Facebook profile pics typically feature Betty Page lookalike girlfriend or a posted snapshot of them drinking Plaps Blue Ribbon with Ty Wester Adam Wingard <laughs> at a premiere party. An appreciation of heavy metal bands goes hand in hand with these guys, not the Rob Zombie ring. <laughs> Note the Rob Zombie ringtone on their phone. I think they described Kyle. I'm serious. <laughs> Man, Derek, there was an update I did a while back. Remember when I fucking put that excessively long, that whole scene? From, uh, the, from, the, uh, the of the Living Dead? Yeah, City of the Living Dead, the puking scene. I put it like in the middle of my video. I think it was like in the uh, interlude or something like that. I it was put, in like, the, the middle whole... of a tampon video commercial. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I, I put a tampon commercial in the middle of the video and then, and then showed the puking scene after <laughs> But it was like the whole thing that goes on for like a fucking minute. It was so excessive. <laughs> I don't know if I fall into this category, but, you know, I was just making jokes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, next up, we have level five, the aficionado. They've seen all the Friday the 13th, all the Nightmare on Elm Streets, all the Texas Chainsaws, all the Halloweens, especially three, and all seven saws. They own at least two different editions of each Evil Dead film in the trilogy. And... Then they dug deeper. The Last House on the Left, The Sentinel, Phantom of the Paradise, both TV versions of Salem's Lot, and everything Charles Band ever produced. They even enjoy the older classics like Creature from the Black Lagoon and its two lesser but fascinating sequels uh, or any random cheeseball 80s slasher flick they saw on the USA Network at 2am as a child. They read books about horror films 
and are card-carrying Fangoria subscribers since age 13, own an extra They Live a Beat Bay t-shirt in case one is <laughs> messed up. <laughs> I, th- I think that describes most, uh, like, hardcores, right? Yeah, in a sense. Yeah. I, I don't know about having two Obey shirts, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy's obviously being a little silly, you know? Like, no, that's funny. That's, that's fucking awesome to me. Um, uh, so, level six, the Criterion Erection. Ah, the foreign horror fan. These peeps are not afraid to read some subtitles. They worship and at the altar of eyes without a face, Anababa, Hour of the Wolf, Martyrs, and the Vanishing. There isn't an Italian giallo entry they've not seen or at least read a film or journal essay about. They also love them some Val Luton, David Cronenberg, or any film cushioned by the Cinematic Illuminati that is the Criterion Collection. They seek out the latest South Korean masterpiece at festivals and the new French extremity. I uh, can't get extreme enough for their tastes. Ever met a Takashi Miki completist? completist? Mm-hmm. Now you have. They also have a good argument about why Donnie Darko or Dario Argento's edit of Dawn of Dead is better than Romero version, although you still think they're full of shit. Uh, Ringu is better than Ring the Ring. Um, that sounds like Jeremy, more or less, you know, maybe not on the Italian side of things, but that sounds well, like honestly, it Honestly, it describes me quite well, except yeah? for the whole Argento cut being a little better of uh, Dawn of the Dead. Honestly, man, I, I go, I honestly lately been really going out of my way to find so much foreign stuff. And, and but I, you know, if you watch my videos regularly, if I review something with subtitles, I'm always like, dude, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid <laughs> of the film because you have to read it. The <laughs> I literally say that in like every video. Let's be honest, yeah. Jeremy's not gonna search for South Korean films either. <laughs> I feel like he he's kind of weird like I that. He definitely Jeremy would. really he he's uh, Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy's he likes, will, he likes his French cinema. Jeremy's um, like, if it's not expression. French, it's not gonna be for me. <laughs> if it's not German expression yeah. or French, you know, I, I think it's. Right. I mean, he, he in a way kind of almost detests Italian films a little bit. It seems like. Alright, uh, oh, sorry, I'm like, let's but, uh, move on to level seven. What the fuck is up with these phone calls tonight, man? Seven days. <laughs> anyway, level seven autograph hound. You'll see this Voicemail's guy or down. gal at the horror convention sporting a Christopher Lee tattoo or a vintage Dawn Post mask. They'll stand in line for two hours and pay $50 to get a signed photo from Sid Haig or, or Linnea Quigley and buy bootlegs <laughs> of the Toho Godzilla movies on eBay. Their home apartment trailer is filled from the floor to the ceiling with horror posters, toys, and autographed collectibles, busts of Michael Myers, and the like. Has attended every one of Universal's Halloween Horror Nights since the mid-90s. Dressed up as Bub from Day of the Dead, prefer the direct-to-video Hellraiser sequels to the original. <laughs> they have not seen the sunlight in a very long time, and That's bear a passing far. resemblance to the vampire from the Misfits patches on their, its jacket. <laughs> <laughs> prefers straight to straight to media Hellraiser films over the original. <laughs> I like this guy; it's funny. Yeah. Bootleg Godzilla films. <laughs> yeah, um, there are a few of those. The autograph guys, right? The people who who are all about the convention lifestyle and almost seem like they're more interested in the the history of the movie than than being a, a continuing horror fan right like the ones that like we uh-huh. watch everything we watch new shit too as well as old shit like there's certain yeah. people that just live in that old shit era which is um mm-hmm. i think the autograph hound mm-hmm. uh so yeah yeah next up level eight the obsessive 
Pasty skin, check. Thousand yard stare, check. Publish a poorly Xerox zine, check. <laughs> These half human, half celluloid sprockets beings literally live every waking moment of their life in service to horror. They grew past their gore bro, aficionado, and autograph hound phase at their fairly, at fairly young age, now dig frantically through cult movie mags and the internet again uh, to gain awareness of a f- film. They may not have already seen with cult fetish objects like the Gore Girl Girls or Necromantic now too mainstream for their taste. They've dug into the molten <laughs> gore, obscure splatter directors like Andy Milligan, Jim Van Bieber, Fred Vogel, and nice. a few form. German yeah. mail order yeah. catalogs we don't know about. Reviews movie m- reviews movies solely based on kills, nudity, and musical score. Owns four different books on Ed Gein. <laughs> And once tried to get a job at the funeral home. <laughs> right, uh, level nine, the like- professor. The fine fellow had to rent out two storage units, one for his VHS collection and the other for his memorabilia, which includes complete runs of famous fam- f- famous monsters of Filmland, Starlog, Fangoria, Gorezone, Twilight Zone magazine, Rue Morgue, Scarlet Street. Etc. His DVDs and Blu-rays take up the whole basement of his suburban house, has seen all 1,245 episodes of Dark Shadows twice, owns a slipcase <laughs> edition for every EC comic. He corresponds with Stephen King as a teenager, <laughs> teaches a class in horror fiction and film at learning at the Learning Annex, and is on voting committee for the Rondo Awards each year. Wrote a self-published book on Wes Craven and whenever Toby Hooper or Bill Lustig does a Q&A guess who moderates it? On a first name <laughs> basis with most of these members of Los Angeles and New York horror community and is sporadically invited to Mick Garris's Master Horror Dinners recorded an audio commentary for Cannibal Ferox is rejected by the DVD <laughs> label for being too academic <laughs> has a wife, two ex-wives three grown children and volunteers <laughs> to read H.P. Lovecraft but this is actually really funny he's a really good guy so that's uh, level 9 there um, dude that's man, good man that is funny I-, I think that I would mainly fit in the aficionado section what about what you? number was that? that was uh, number 5 which was they've seen Friday the 13th Elm Street Texas Chainsaw Halloween's uh, two copies of Evil Dead dug deeper into the last house on the left Sentinel Pen of Paradise um, owns all these Charles bands I think it's I think it's like your kind of average horror fan that's hardcore I think honestly I would I I, I think I would have to f- uh, fit into the uh, into the foreign one a little bit I think that would probably best describe me level six um, the criteria I think level direction. six. The criteria, which is kind of funny, it, that's a that's a weird header for me because I'm I'm generally not like, you know, so I, I don't get a stiffy over just like straight up Criterion releases, but uh, <laughs> like no. Mm. What about you, Derek? I probably had to be like a level. Which one was the gore one? Uh, the gore one that I said Kyle was is level four. The gore bro. Hmm. I'd probably be like a no. The other one with the splatter directors. The oh, um, that is the level eight, the obsessive. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I like that. That was a cool little article. You know, obviously he was playing, playing around with it, having fun with it. 
um, making up funny shit. But um, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool idea there. I think there's more levels, man. I think there really is. Um, I think that there's more archetypes that and stereotypes that horror fans can fit into. That uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, I like, think so like, too, man. Like the VHS collector, right? Like that's an archetype that um, you know they don't really care. Like they love horror, but they they forgot horror exists after the nineties. Like they just don't even know. No, they, they don't they even know that any film that came out after horror. the nineties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like VHS. Yeah, that's that's what it is, man. <laughs> VHS and skinny shorts. Let's do this. That'll uh, wrap up a little knowledge segment there. Um, (laughs) Moods. All right. Um, Well, instead of doing a morbid fact this week, because I'm still kind of I'm still kind of pissed off at Rue Morgan right now. (laughs) (laughs) Last week. Um, But uh, I just I just wanted to, you know, this is more of like a moods rant type deal. I just wanted to mention this because this actually happened today to me. And it just kind of got me thinking that, you know, this could be partially my fault. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I know, JP, this has happened to you before. I'm not so much. I don't know about you, Derek, so much. But um, because we've been on YouTube a lot longer and things like that. So this is more of like a collecting YouTube type rant thing um, for the people mm-hmm. out there that are interested. But um Anyways, I was sitting there doing my thing today, and I get this up, or I, I get this comment email, and it's and it's on a video that I done probably three or four years ago. It was an old, old video, and it was like um, it was the Blu-ray collection overview type video, and it, you know my my collection back in those days, it was really my Blu-ray collection was quite small because I was, you know, I, I didn't buy a lot of Blu-rays at the time. Anyways, the mm-hmm. point is. You know, it was mostly Scream Factory and, you know, just when Scream Factory started out and things like that. And anyways, the comment was, you call that a horror collection? Where's the Friday the 13th? And I fucking bursted out laughing. I was like, dude, this is exactly the shit that makes me laugh. Because if you look at the published date on this, that video was published, like, what, two years before the Friday the 13th box that even came out. Mm-hmm. There was no Friday Blu-rays at the time. And it was a it was a Blu-ray horror, you know, collection video type thing. I'm like, dude, I have, honestly, uh, a couple boxes. I have the Friday the 13th films three, four times over. At the time this was published, hence being Blu-ray, they hadn't been released yet. You know, so my 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 gripe here is when people watch videos, I know that, you know, it's probably like a really small thing that you're ever going to notice. But obviously these older videos pop up and they click on them and things like that. But I, a lot of these viewers just assume all these videos that they're watching are, are present. Like, they're very, very modern, you know, videos. And I'm like, no, a lot of these ones are older. Look at the published date on videos before you mm-hmm. comment. That's all I'm saying because I've had so many fucking comments on videos like blah, 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 this and that. And like, why this and that? I'm like, dude, this shit is like three, four years old. Like, for fuck's sakes, look at the published date before you comment because – you know, a lot of the shit that happened or maybe it was released after, hence this Friday the 13th thing, happened after this was – I never had a chance to have it. <laughs> I'm fucking weird. It's like – I just – it makes me laugh. So I just respond to him like, dude, it, it, it hadn't dropped yet. It hadn't dropped yet. So, you know. But again, what I mean by it's kind of partially my fault is, you know, should I be deleting these older collection videos just to save myself the hassle of even – you know, because there's a part of me that doesn't want – to even respond to that guy because he's an idiot and he doesn't check the published date on those things. You know, but part of me just kind of makes me laugh and I'm like, well, maybe I should just say something like, dude, check the published date, 2013. 
that box that didn't drop until what 2015 or something like that like this is clearly way before that so hence no friday the 13th on blu-ray at the time (laughs) (laughs) so i don't know man i don't know if it happens to you jerry i know it happens to jp because he's had questions people comment on reviews or videos i get questions i'm like oh why do you fucking say that blah 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 And, and i know jp has piped up and said Dude, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I made that video in 2012. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I mean... Check the goddamn publish date on fucking videos. For anybody out there listening, just check the publish date before you make a comment that might make you look a little stupid. That's all I'm I, saying. I get random like comments. Like, uh, There's one where I was doing an unboxing for a package Andy sent me. And it was mostly DVDs. There was like maybe like a few Blu-rays and then one comment was like... Come on, guy. What's up? Why is it only sending you DVDs? Why can't you get Blu-rays? And like, because uh, that's all he could afford. It's no big deal. Yeah, so I, yeah coming coming from your strictly uh, your your Blu-ray dude. Yeah, yeah, I get shit like that too. I get yeah. I get them all the time on my old ones for some reason, and like sometimes it's just like, hey, like good job on this review that I like how you said this, and like I won't remember anything, and I'll just be like, thanks. <laughs> And then, like, other times, like, I got one the other day on on a video, and it's like, you talk too much. Fucking talk, 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 and talk. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) I was like, I don't know, like, like, what you expected when you clicked on a video on my channel, but if you expected me to sit there silently, like, I I don't know, dude. Like, I don't know what the fuck that, um... Yeah, dude, that that's uh, fucking ridiculous. This actually, it's actually funny because uh, I did actually get a comment, like a this is actually a little older comment, but it was actually a comment I got like a few months ago. My actually my first video I ever did on YouTube, uh, top ten Tuesday Asian horror, and it was like this Asian. Well, it's an Asian chick in the picture, and she's like, "You need serious help." <laughs> what? That's pretty awesome. I just just did LOL and like dying laughing. Like <laughs> I, I got a comment on a Halloween video that I did on like the second year of uh, Thirty One Days of Horror. Actually, it might have been the first year, two thousand twelve, I believe. And it was like you could not have uploaded this video at a better time, exactly thirty years from when the film was released. And I was like, huh, like thirty years from. Like, when I made that video, or, like, are you seeing it now, like, 30 years from, like, today? <laughs> Again, check the damn fucking publish date, man. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually had a funny, funny one. I mean, I mean, they happen all the time, where, especially yeah. when they ask me a question, like, why did you say this about this movie? And I'm like, I don't fucking remember. It's been four years, dude. <laughs> Yeah, man, yeah. So I had one the other day, and it was an old review I'd done, I believe, on... No, I, I, I don't even know what the fucking the movie was. But anyways, I was wearing a gate shirt. The gate uh, yeah, shirt yeah. in the video. And um, some dude had asked me, he's like, yo, man, he's like, what shirt are you wearing? I want that, bro. Get back to me. And so I commented back to him, and I said, hey, man, I don't mean to be rude or anything, but the dude that commented just before you that's right on top of yours asked the same question and i answered it it's the gate <laughs> right i'm like dude you like you were writing it it was right there it was literally right there i'm one of the people that if i am going to ask a question in a video i do scroll through the video to make sure someone else hasn't asked it and it's already been answered so you don't look like an asshole right yeah you know just like dude what the fuck it was literally right there he's like oh sorry man i see that <laughs> 
man. It's fucking awesome. I love when people have arguments on my videos too. Like I, I get comments all the time on my ranking videos that I did like fucking coons age ago. Like I, I don't know, like four years ago, you know, Halloween and, um, fucking at Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday 13th and things and people get into arguments like oh you're a fucking idiot this, this is the way it should be ranked and shit like that and they're talking to other people <laughs> it's like okay it's pretty awesome I, I really need to I, I meant to redo that actually um, that video because my ranking of Halloween is so different than it was four or five years ago and I, that's what I love about this is that your views change so much over years and time and stuff I'm like you know oh why the fuck are you doing that video again well because it changed it's changed. The, the order's literally changed. I mean, you know, I seem to have liked part five, four or five years ago, you know, a lot more than I do now. I don't really care for it. Mm-hmm. In matter of fact, I don't really care too much for five, six, seven, and eight in the original franchise. I mean, I don't ever revisit them, but, you know, I seem to like them a little bit more back then. It's just multiple watches and talking about them on the podcast and things like that. It's like you have the whole point of this, this rant, look at publication dates. Those views mm. might not be exactly what you're, what you're uh, you know, what you're saying now and things like that. So that just cracked me up today. I was like, fuck. Yeah, oh like we change as people, like 100%. Like uh-huh. there's films that I didn't like that I like now, films that I, you know, liked and don't like now. And and there's, you know, fucking just thoughts in general have changed. Like, I, like maybe I liked fucking Creature Features a ton back in 2012. And maybe I yep. don't now. Like, maybe I fucking can't stand Sharknado-type movies, <laughs> you know? Um, mm-hmm. People's opinions, thoughts, feelings towards things change all the time. So, mm-hmm. especially if you're if you're saying something like, oh, you said that you didn't like this, and but four years later you said that you do. And it's like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, okay. I guess my thoughts have changed. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. it's funny man it's funny but it's weird having a documentation of of things that you've said <laughs> that normally doesn't happen right like like there's not usually like a it's history like history in the things that you, you know I, this show's been going on so, so long that i bet you there's things that we said in in the first bunch of episodes that we maybe don't even agree with ourselves to be I mean, honest sure. too like my first video was that top 10 i wouldn't even mind like redoing that top 10 because that was actually just a put together video kind of deal. I wasn't really prepared. Kind of just wanted to start making videos and stuff. I kind of actually want to really... remember though too. Top ten videos are you know for the time that's what you were feeling or what whatever you did or whatever. But yeah. you have to remember as time goes on, you see a lot more films that could be into that that would yeah, fit like, into the video. A- so I've seen a lot of Asian horror listen, films. I'll too. tell you guys a little story real quick. So when I first started YouTube, there was a. And a video I did, I don't remember um, how many it was, but I think it was like top 20 um, favorite horror films of all time. And what I did was I took little pieces of paper that I cut out into squares and I wrote, you know, 19, 18, 17 on each of the paper. And then I put them in the sleeve of the DVD on the back so that I that's how I would remember which number I was on. and i never took them out (laughs) so (laughs) like the other day i I pulled out i can't remember what film it was but i seen it had one of those little square pieces of paper it was like number eight (laughs) or something you know and i'm like jesus christ i would not even put this in my top 20 now or something you know really yeah so it's like yeah it's it's stuff like that where you know 
you see a lot more movies and you just don't you don't have love that you had for certain movies like gremlins was my one of my favorite movies like top five like i'm not sure if gremlins would make my top 20 now you know what i mean yeah I mean, especially since we've been doing this podcast, you know, kind of branched out on like you, you weren't really overly familiar with Italian films and maybe just a lot of foreign stuff because you said you, you like to watch your American films, which is totally fine and stuff. But like you, you've gained that appreciation for those type of films and, you know, just kind of branched out in the world. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe some of those films will make other lists and things that they wouldn't have done or they wouldn't have made, you know, three, four years ago and stuff. So everything is always evolving. That's the thing. And I just come back to the old thing, you know, check those publication dates. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. It's just, it, it, it fucking never fails me, man. It never fails me. Like, yeah. And you know, uh, something, dude, like I've watched hundreds of movies on this since we've been recording this show. Hundreds. And you have yeah. too, but I've watched hundreds that I've never seen before. <laughs> you know, hmm. like, I mean, since I've been doing this show, I, I have near seven, 800 movies watched. I keep a list. People think I'm shit. Like, mm-hmm. I actually have a list for this stuff. But, no, no, he's not <laughs> bullshit. He literally has a legitimate list. list. <laughs> yeah. So, with ratings, and I think everything that's not on there is the exact date you watched it in time. No, but the you, year yeah. that I watched it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, right now, Ticks. I watched it in 2013. I gave it an 8 out of 10. See, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of cool that you can reference that, too. So, if you watched ticks you know say next year we were doing a show about killer bug killer bug show killer bug show you know maybe it's like some random type that's actually not a bad idea (laughs) slugs and ticks and you know one word title creature feature things ticks slugs and fucking mosquitoes and mosquito Mosquito. yeah that'd be a fucking awesome show (laughs) that actually would be a good show (laughs) we just made up a really great show but who knows like all three of those movies we watch we watch that or, you, you know, you rewatch Ticks and is it an 8 again? Who fucking knows? At least you have that reference. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I do two in my videos, but to be honest, I, I can't be I, I can't be bothered to go back and, like, scroll through and yeah, at the 7-minute mark and find my fucking rating on my, on my video and stuff. And I, I actually have done that in the past, like, for this show. I went back into my videos because I know we've reviewed some films I'd reviewed on other series, like my 81 and my 88 series uh-huh. and things like that. And went back and my rating had changed. And, you know, and there were things I didn't even mention, like th- there's one video that I-, I wish I could redo now, which is um, uh, final exam, because I think when I reviewed it, I'd never mentioned and I thought about it after I'd reviewed it and stuff. And I was like, because, you know, final exam is one of those films that I think people kind of miss the point of the film. Mm-hmm. Like, man, this, this movie is so fucking pointless. And I'm like, well, you were kind of halfway there because final exam is literally about pointless violence. It's said throughout the film and stuff and that's why there's no background to the killer and it appears that this killer is just killing at random and things like that the whole point of the film is about pointless violence mm-hmm. he's just killing for the sake of killing that that's what the whole fucking thing is about the main geek in the film talks about it and stuff and i think it's kind of overlooked and things and i don't think i don't know if i ever mentioned that in my original review you mentioned kind of it on this asked. podcast yeah, I, it's always it's it's always one video I always think about, and I'm just like, ah, I kind of regret it because now when people watch it, they're like, oh, this guy doesn't really fucking talking more stuff. But that's really what the point of the film is, you know. But you know, hence again, it's older. Who knows? But then again, people aren't gonna be like, well, what are your thoughts on this film now? Like, who comments like that, right? So, yeah. well, so well, there's, there's one example, like like when we were talking about the ratings, like during the Halloween show, you uh, gave Trick our 
trick or treats a six out of ten now, and you would rate it completely different now. <laughs> oh yeah, that's fucking, that, like I said, man. You know, shit like that. It's like I don't know what I was thinking. I, I know, must have been high dude, on crack. I, listen, whenever I told you before that you used to go easy on ratings, like I actually meant it. Like, like you were you graded on like a bigger curve back then. Like, you, yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. a lot of movies that you, I bet you would feel differently about now, um, which is interesting because I find that I used to rate too easy as well. Like I go back and like, like, dude, there's movies that in old way back on my YouTube channel, like, like forever ago, like I was given shit like crazy ratings, like, <laughs> like, like, shit, like, like completely bad movies, like good ratings. Like, yeah, I mean, know. even like my first started rating, I'm like. Eight out of ten. I'm like watching it now. I'm like fucking five out of ten. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, it's I, got, a... I got I got more hesitant with my ratings too in certain films, especially newer films. I still remember. I, think the I mo- gave Slumber Party Massacre two a B plus. You're rating in in letters. Yeah, I initially <laughs> started rating in re- letters, and then I moved to one out of five, and then I finally sat on one out of ten. You know, it's funny. I never actually changed my rating uh my the way i rated films it was always one to ten i think even from my original reviews i believe i reviewed hollywood chainsaw hookers was might have been one of my first it's just a horrible horrible review terrible lighting just didn't know what to fucking say shit like that um which i ultimately oddly enough is the only review i've ever done twice on my channel because when i did my 88 series i think i ended up reviewing that again and i'm sure it was probably a little bit better i should hope so anyways but um. Yeah, man. I don't. I. I don't know. Fuck. Yeah. Hmm. Yep, yep. I don't really know what my fucking point was. I was getting. This <laughs> <laughs> um. is point when we look back at the past and. Yeah, yeah. Um. Who knows, man? I mean, there's just so many fuck. I, you know, it's it's actually kind of interesting. I would honestly like to go back. I wish I had written them down though, like you did. You know, when yeah. I did my 81 and 88, especially films like The Burning and stuff where I used to feel so much more love for, you know, don't get me wrong. I still like The Burning, but I, I would like to know what I rated it in my 81 series because, I think you know, I've gave reached, it like I've, an 8. Yeah, I think you gave did it I, an 8. Okay. So, I, you know, I might be I might be a little bit lower on it now because the film is good. I gave but, it an like, 8 too. By the way, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I could be somewhere around there, but you know, there's just certain films I'd actually like to go back and rewatch. It's things I haven't watched in a long time, but you know, mm-hmm. the way it goes, that's the, that's the just, fun of this, right? That's, that's the fun just of this. the it's way it is. I just really believe the more that we, the more that we do the show and talk about films and and <sighs> analyze and you know evaluate, you know, uh, the way we review and stuff. Because I mean, I know we've had a lot of off-air conversations. The way we actually mm-hmm. review films like that. Yeah. And uh, there's a there's a huge debate, but I think everyone does it different. I think it's really what it comes down to. It's just the way it is. Like uh, no one's thing... ever do the things the same. But you know, it, it's funny because I've gotten a little bit harder on films. I've noticed, and I've I've noticed that other people have noticed that too. And I think it's just and the they've the noticed fact that you've that... noticed that they've noticed. <laughs> yeah, and uh, well, that's the thing. Like I, I'm starting to, and it's not because you know I was getting trashed about rating things, overrating things, and stuff. It's just because I'm I'm generally seeing things for exactly what they are, and, and you know, like it's just it is what it is. You it's know, it's constantly I, I just, a work in progress for all of us exactly. to kind of develop what we what our criteria is. And and I'm not gonna lie, like like 
mind changes all the time. Like I start thinking about things and I'll be like, why do I, maybe I should lean less heavy on that. I think I'm leaning too heavy on that. And then I'll adjust it and I'll be like, oh, now I'm not leaning heavy enough on it. So it's, it's constantly just, you know, and all the films are different too. So it's, it it just, it's fun to try to figure out, but here's another example. And and then we'll move on because, um, there's, we still got to do what we watch in the, the featured reviews, but, uh, Jeremy literally constantly says when Blood Diner got announced, he's like, oh, this is like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Like, like, oh, it's shit. It's shit. Don't buy it. Like, I, I seen him comment on that like four to five times. Like, he gave it a four out of ten. Right? Like, it's he didn't even like, I don't even remember him saying that it was like atrociously bad during that review. Which film was that? Blood Diner. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, he talks that's about right. it as if it's Howling 7, you know? And he gave it a 4 out of 10. Like, granted, that's not a great rating, but, I mean, he's given mm. films way lower ratings than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Stage yeah. fright. Well, that, <laughs> Stage was, that, was one, that was one thing about Jeremy that always surprised me because he would sit there and – well, it even happened on the flip side. Like, he'd be talking really good about a film, and then he'd be like, hey, 6 out of 10. I'm like, what? Oh, I do that all the time. I'd be like, holy shit, dude. I was expecting like an eight or eight and a half the way you were talking about it. He's like, ah, six out of ten. That's hey, good. Wait, what were you talking about stage fright for, Derek? I didn't get that. No, J- J- Jeremy gave stage fright a low rating. He really hated that film. No, he gave it a seven out of ten. Did he? Yeah. Well, it's been a while since I was on that show. I thought he gave it lower than that. I gave it a seven no, out of ten as well. No, I think, I think what happened in that review is that they gave him seven... And I came in at nine, and Jeremy was like, "What the fuck? How could you give that movie a nine? <laughs> that was great, though." And, and then you're like, and then I'm like, "Oh, on the my defense, fa- I got the fucking shield up." I'm like, "Jesus Christ, dude! I have to explain myself." My favorite uh, reaction review of you, Jay Pedo, is when you reviewed Troll, Troll? and Troll yeah, Two, Troll. <laughs> and then Troll Two, you're like, "It was fucking fun to watch and stuff and stuff," and it was the same exact rain. I was fucking cracking up. <laughs> yeah, I think I gave both yeah. fours or something. <laughs> I was like anticipating, like, what is he gonna give it? I was like, yeah, Troll One, awful movie, like, just not, not very good. Did I say something to him? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Back to a totally different rating. And, and I gave it a four out of ten. And then I went into Troll Two, and I was like, I was like, yeah, it's it's a very bad movie, but I really like this, this. It was fun, it was funny. And then I'm like, four out of ten. And you're like, what? <laughs> this is the same rating. <laughs> Which I do still stand by that they are the same quality. They are about as good as each other. I just found the second one personally more entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we'll, we'll digress here, man. Uh, I don't know, really. That was in place of the morbid fact, so I <laughs> hope you guys generally enjoyed that. that. that I like actually think that was going to go on that knowledge. long. I just Listen. I was going to tell JP to like I was just going to go on a rant and then I was the way I envisioned it was you guys were not going to say anything and then JP was going to put this kind of like real cheesy music over my rant <laughs> kind of make it but the gonk from Dawn of the Dead that you could probably take every single more fact we've ever done put them all in a row and, and that new segment is longer <laughs> yeah, it was, and like I said, that totally came about just because of what happened today. So I mean, that won't happen all the time, but you know, I'm so little, I'm a little pissy at Room Morg right now. Yeah, Dave's so, morbid fact. I think Dave ruined it for me, man. <laughs> uh, maybe it's time to retire morbid fact. Maybe it maybe. is. I, I know you've never been a big fan of it, but uh, I mean, to be honest, I, I do like it. But the problem is with the Room Morg, uh, the morbid fact now is that a lot of they're just not, they're not as good as they were before. So 
I'm very limited what I can do. So yeah, that I just so just that, to kind of, kind of t- t- I, I'm not not a big fan of Morbid Fact. I just think that it it's very forgettable because it's a two second segment. <laughs> actually my thinking behind that was you know the whole mood swings uh section of the of the podcast was to end on a quick note okay yeah, that's which, that's kind of a, that's a wrap we need that's another a wrap, quick right? note we need a different quick note yeah well with that said man we'll jump into the www portion of the show which is what we watched and if you are the first one i'm not going to go into that a little bit because i always do that joke and no one really gives a shit anyways so fuck <laughs> you uh, what we watched is, uh, yeah, we go round tree, and I think Derek is going to go first because yeah. saying he's going first. So what do you got up for us? Okay, I got a film that was released this year from 2016 from RJ, RLJ Entertainment, and it goes by the title of The Mind's Eye. Have you heard of this one yet, guys? Oh, yeah, and I, I actually ordered this uh, a few days back, um, bit the bullet, paid the $19 for it, but... I kept hearing that I need to see it. I think Brandon even mentioned it to me, and he said, "Yeah, that's how I heard about it too." Yeah, he's like, "You got to see this one." And I also heard from Mr. Parker actually. uh, You know, when he does his update, his 340 film updates. You know, he talks about a film for about three and a half seconds, and uh, he said it's really gory and shit. I was like, "What? Crazy!" Mm -hmm. I gotta see this. So. All right, so when I was looking at this, it has kind of like a generic cover art in a way, but it actually has reversible art, which I really dig. And it has a quote on the bottom that says, the best scanner sequel we never got. That kind of gives you the setup of what's going to happen in this <laughs> film. Yeah, scanners 2 and 3, double feature from Screen Factory. Terrible! So uh, we introduce scanners our main character. Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> i never seen them, so I can't judge them. So. But... Uh, we're introduced to our main character of Zach, who's uh we find out is like this telekinetic being, and we find out uh he actually get ends up getting arrested and he ends up uh meeting this doctor named Doctor Salvec who actually has his friend uh Rachel in uh containment also and he Salvec actually uh makes a deal with like uh Zach to if he lets him study him and deal with his powers and try to kind of like a gift center with a psychosis. That's where he works. He wants to, uh, end up being like, uh, see Rachel in a way, but it ends up being kind of like a scam because it ends up, uh, Solvik is actually using them to harbor their powers and doing tests on them and stuff. And they end up trying to escape and they end up doing escape in the meantime. But we find out that, Solvek is actually using their what this fluid that he has made with their uh, serum that comes from their spines and using it to morph himself into like this telekinetic being himself and it ends up being like a face off between Selvik and them. So it's a very interesting film I have to say. There is a lot of cool like atmospheric shots and this film starts out with uh, this title card that says play this movie loud and you'll know why when you see it. It has a lot of cool, like, sound effects that happen with, like, the telekinetic stuff happens in the film. And this has a really great uh, synth soundtrack by uh, Steve Moore. Oh, I forgot to mention, if you don't know, this film is actually directed by uh, Joe Begas, who directed Almost Human. So it has, like, that throwback, like, look to it. And it has a lot of cool, like, colors and tinges. Oh, yeah, like, uh, when you see, like, blood spray and, like, the snow, it has, like, this red tinge and the lighting. And a lot of like cool lighting scenes, 
And I actually really dug the cast. Uh, we got uh, Graham Skipper, who actually was one of the stars of Almost Human, who does a great job. He plays the main character of Zach. And we have uh, Lauren Ashley Cotter, who plays uh, Rachel. They have a very good interaction with their characters. And we also get a special appearance by Larry Fezzedin in this film. He actually has a very interesting character, I might add. And I don't really want to spoil his character for you because I actually like Fezzedin as an actor and he does a really good job in his role in the film, even though it's kind of smaller than uh, certain roles that he does. He does like cameos and stuff in certain films, but it is a, like a major part of the role and arc of sorts with certain characters. I'll just put it that way. But really entertaining film, and I love the effects, and the gore is great. It's all practical from what I saw for the most part. And there's a great, like, uh, head explosion scene. I'm not going to really spoil it, of course. If you've seen, like, scanners and stuff, you knew it was kind of going to have, like, a head explosions type scene. And it's fucking awesome. Really searing soundtrack. And I actually like how the film went into the ending and has a really cool score that builds the tension up to the end. I really fucking enjoyed this film, man. It's really throwback to like the good old stuff of if you're a fan of Scanners, you'll really like this one. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Fucking really was intensified with how the story went in the story and intensified me and it kept me interested enough. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm very, very excited to see this film, man. Um, yeah, the whole Scanners idea and head explosions and that's uh, cool, man. <laughs> it's got me. It's got me intrigued, man. I gotta check this out. Yeah, I saw the reversible cover art for that. It's fucking way better than the uh, the art that uh, that is shown to you. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I even show that in my. Uh, I actually reviewed this on Body Bags. Also, I actually show that it, if you want to pick this up, you'll see like this art in the stores or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, since uh, WWW was kind of like a last minute thing, uh, I'm gonna do this film because. Like pretty much the most recent film that I've watched. <laughs> so, uh, uh, from 2016, um, directed by Dan Char- T- uh, Tranchenberg. Uh, I don't know. I- I'm just awful with fucking names. Uh, I don't really, not really familiar with anything that he's done, to be honest. Um, but it is produced by A.G. Abrams. Uh, um, and, uh, of course, it is called 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, I finally got around to checking this one out, man. Starring John Goodman, who is actually one of my favorite actors of all time. I love John Goodman from everything from Roseanne up. <laughs> it doesn't fucking matter. The guy is just truly amazing to me. Uh, and this one actually really surprised me because I was I started watching this film and I didn't recognize the main or I recognized the main chick in this film. And then I put two and two together after I looked up it on on IMDb, and it turns out it's Mary Elizabeth Winston, and she was like the. Uh, the younger girl from Death Proof. That's where I knew her from. I was like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. that's cool, man. Still super hot, man. So she's, it's got a very, very small cast in this one because the storyline in this film is basically about her character. She gets into a car accident. Uh, she wakes up in this, uh, almost like a bomb shelter, like a, um, you know, what do you want to call them? Like a post apocalyptic type shelter. Uh, and, uh, the guy that, uh, lives down there is John Goodman's character. Um, and he's claiming that the whole world has, you know, been attacked by some kind of weird chemical attack and stuff like that. And she has to remain down there because if she goes outside, well, she'll burn up and, you know, die and stuff because the air is all contaminated. So basically what we have here is we have John Goodman's character. His name is Howard in the film. Uh, we got uh, Mary Elizabeth Winston's character, Michelle. And we've got another person in the film uh, named Emmett, played by John Gallagher Jr., who actually, I believe, was the bad guy in Hush. 
I think he was the stalker in Hush, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't really know much about him. But anyways, you got these three people. And what you get in this film is a lot of paranoia. Because, you know, right away, Michelle's character feels that Howard has kind of abducted her you know she doesn't really believe that she's in this bomb shelter because the world has been attacked by you know or either aliens or you know there's been some type of weird chemical attack and stuff and she's very very on edge about it and stuff so you have this whole tension kind of where you know at the point where you know she is really trying to fight you know howard john goodman's character in this film and emmett is kind of in the middle you know because he kind of knew john goodman from from before and stuff and he kind of believes that you know he's telling the truth and things so you have this whole contrast of characters it's actually really really well done i think there is a little bit of falter in the writing uh with certain elements of i'm not going to give away the scenes uh just having to do with certain elements of um john goodman's character and what he's done and you know in the past and you know where he kind of sits in the present and stuff and um but this one is very interesting. I think it, you know, for, uh, you know, um, what do you want to call them? Uh, I was going to say segregated horror film. Uh, like, a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Contained. Contained. That's the word. Jesus. For a contained <laughs> horror film, you know, very minor characters all in the same location. I think it does wonders, man. Everyone does a great job, man. Uh, John Gallagher Jr. does a great job. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winston, she's awesome in a role. John Goodman steals the goddamn show in this as the, um, you know, the he's a survivalist he's a survivalist with kind of a past or does he have a past or whatever he just he's just so damn good the interactions with the characters are fucking phenomenal really really good shit and you know i like the build up to this film the very end in my opinion kind of goes on a little bit too long i know me and jp had a little bit of conversations of this before the show and we mm-hmm. both kind of agreed that i think the ending is a little too much but then again it you know kind of comes down to who is producing this film in my opinion um, you know, I, I think that's just a staple of what he wanted to show. But, you know, overall was actually a really good film. I really enjoyed it. I was never bored, uh, which is a good thing. You know, it's, you know, because it runs almost two hours, I believe. You know, it's like an hour. What is it? Hour, hour 44. So, yeah, almost two hours. And that's a good thing, though. I was never bored in this film for one second. But then again i don't want to feel like biased towards john goodman and stuff but he fucking kills this film man he's really really damn good uh very very menacing but very you know you almost want to like him it's it's weird he's got one of those characters where you just i don't know maybe that's just me but uh if i had to rate this one i'm going to give it a solid seven and a half out of ten i feel like there is a couple moments in this film that very 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 much kind of hurt certain elements of the film uh, like I said, I'm not going to give them away, but uh, I think it's overall a really good film, and you know, <laughs> I think that there's going to be a sequel to this one. So, who knows? Maybe it'll be a sequel. I don't well, remember. I mean, it, they announced uh, God Particle, which is supposed to be in the same universe. I don't know if it'll actually fall like a direct, down. like a direct sequel to it, or is it, are they going to prequel? <laughs> it's <laughs> like, it's what? the third in the Cloverfield saga, I guess. You know, and, mm. and that's another thing I wanted to mention, too, is, like, this film doesn't really have any um, continuity. It has nothing. From, I, I've not from, seen anybody point out actual anything. No, yeah, and, and I, I thought it was very interesting. I was kind of watching the film going, how does this relate to the first one? I'm like, well, maybe they'll kind of throw something in there in the middle or the end of the film or something like that. And I'm like, well, the I guess only... if you kind of – maybe the end of the film kind of relates to the first film a little bit, but at the same time – there's nothing in the story that would actually relate it that the, these are on the same, you know, kind of 
uh, you know, plane of story universe. Yeah, it, like it's, it's actually happening in the same universe because there's no relatable facts. So, you know, yeah. it is what it is. But uh, the overall, only theory is I, that John Goodman worked for the company that had something to do with the Cloverfield monster in the first one. Like that's the, I, that's the theory. Yeah, and and I I, I kind of got that too, and I thought about that, and I was like, you know what? But then it's just a far fetch. You're just kind of assuming things you know maybe maybe not or whatever but it'd be nice to actually know that fact if he was i could mm. i could kind of see them maybe maybe the maybe this company might. like they'll have this company as like the main scale the the, the, the biggest problem with that though is when they're in the fucking bomb shelter like don't you think somebody would be like oh yeah this is kind of like that giant fucking monster attack that happened in new york <laughs> like that's why we yeah. don't want to go outside. <laughs> exactly. That's that's why it's like not really part of the same universe, or you know, because yeah. like why wouldn't they know about that? And especially John Goodman's character, like he'd be, you know, I was prepared, I was over prepared because of you know this happened once before, but none of that's ever said. He was just being prepared because you know, well, he's crazy, you know, yeah, because he's a little bit crazy too, right? Mm. So there's no mention of that so you you know it's kind of unrelatable so yeah. yeah but still i recommend the watch man i mean if you like john goodman you won't be disappointed with this film man he does a really really good job really good job all right so mm-hmm. uh moving on to my review here i have the gorgon from 1964 uh, <laughs> i was able to check this out courtesy mm-hmm. of via vision entertainment uh, this is part of their hammer line uh, also, I believe um, Mill Creek Entertainment released a Blu-ray in the U.S. as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this one is set in the early 20th century. Uh, it follows, uh, it opens up with uh, a couple. Uh, one was an artist and, and his wife, and she questions him about marrying her, and then she like drops the bombshell that she's pregnant. And he's like, oh, I must tell your father something. So he, he leaves and then she storms out after him and they're like in the woods like weird area and then they both die. Uh, now, the trial is ruled a murder-suicide saying that the husband or the boyfriend killed the wife and then hung himself. Of course, uh, the son's uh, the, the, the guy's father does not believe that his son killed the, the girl so he sets out to prove that it wasn't him. Uh, there he runs into the legend of the Gorgon, uh, which apparently is like a sister of Medusa. Everybody knows Medusa, snake hair woman. Um, but mm-hmm. there's apparently in the mythology, there's three. There's uh, Medusa and her two sisters. This is one of the sisters. And basically, uh, she's, she turns motherfuckers to stone when they look at her. You know, very mm-hmm. cool bitch. And uh, he ends up getting caught up in that, so he calls his son, his other son, in to to you know li- like help honor you know prove that his brother's name is not a murderer and shit. Um, you know, honestly, like it's it's in a period piece, and I love period pieces, and uh, I lo- I love just the the different style of character interactions. Like they're just way more like formal and just like they can just like sit there and like talk to each other during like a trial of like murder and stuff you know it's just a different time um the gorgon woman chick she kind of she like the snakes look really fake in her hair and um i think this film definitely is kind of hurt a little bit by blu-ray considering um like when they're turned to stone it just looks like gray paint and stuff (laughs) it's it's, it's very clear (laughs) um 
but you know it's it's a it's a nice little chiller horror film like it's it's fun uh the characters uh you know dealing with the gorgon and and you know at the end of the day like the moody atmosphere like really saves this one like a lot a lot of fog and cool stuff like that like of course there's a castle and you know legend that kind of typical hammer stuff yeah yeah Uh yeah yeah definitely uh stars christopher lee peter cushing um Mm -hmm. honestly you know it's nothing groundbreaking nothing uh super original but you know it's a cool little concept with the gorgon character like i kind of like it it's i hadn't seen it done before and uh I, I enjoyed the movie for sure. I give it about a 6.5 out of 10. Yeah, I still need to watch my Blu-ray, actually. I picked up the Mill Creek one, the double mm-hmm. pack there. You know, the funny thing is the Gorgon's actually spelt wrong on the on the DVD. I was like, what is this, code red for fuck's sakes? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Like, it's spelled on the spine. There's a spelling mistake. Actually, um, they released two of those hammer packs, and there's a spelling mistake on the other one, too. Really? <laughs> it's, That's it's like, holy shit. Good old Mill like, Creek. How do you fucking do that? Like, you know, ugh, do some uh, <laughs> do some inspecting before you put your shit out there, man. It's crazy. Yeah, but uh, pretty solid watch. You guys recommend mm-hmm. it. Check it out. Yeah, it's cool, man. Oh, yeah. Week two of Italian month. Yeah. Coming at you live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lamberto Bava, the son of Mario Bava. Yeah. Um, I think this is one that I actually mentioned I wanted to do last year, but JP kind of overrules everything I say when we do the show and planning and stuff, and he's like, nope, nope, we're not doing Wait, which we'll do Mario. No, Lumber- no, I suggested yeah. Lumberto, because I wanted to do Demons 1 and 2. What, last year? Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't want to do Mario. I didn't even know anything that Mario did. <laughs> Which is kind of odd because you know you got to do Mario Bava, but but uh, no, I think what it came down to is like we're like, well, we might as well do Mario first and then do if we do a uh, second year of it, then we'll do a, the it. It's kind of yeah. makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's how it came about, and here we are, week two Italian month, uh, and uh, we got Lamberto Bava. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, man, I'm a big fan of Lamberto Bava films. I always have been. Uh, he's done. He's dabbled into well, a few other genres. I mean, he did Last Fighter and you know some action films, and <laughs> which is totally fucking awesome. But yeah, Last you know, Fighter, <laughs> really, really good stuff. But uh, yeah, you know Lamberto Bava, uh, in a sense, um, kind of fall fell under the wing of Argento, I guess, a little bit and stuff. You know, he, I mean, he was kind of bred into it though. I mean, being the son of Mario Bava. I mean, uh, you know, on a few you, of his dad's films too. Before well, that's the thing. Like I, I talked about, uh, you know, Shock, which was, um, you know, theoretically Mario Bava's last film from 1977. He passed away in 1980, and uh, you know, the full credit on Shock is actually given to Mario Bava. There is a credit, assistant director Lamberto Bava, which is obviously mm-hmm. his son, which I mentioned a few times. <laughs> I have to say that again and again, but. Um, the story goes, even Mario Bava said that uh, Lamberto Bava pretty much shot, you know, 80% of the film because he was sick during the filming of that particular film. And he kept leaving the, the you know, the, um, the sets and things like that. And, uh, you know, and there's actually an interview, I believe, on Shock with Lamberto Bava saying, yeah, you pretty much did the entire film. And that kind of comes down to the fact that like a lot of people always say, you know, Lamberto Bava or um, Mario Bava's Shock doesn't really feel like a Mario Bava film. Well, that's kind of the reason why it doesn't feel like a Mario Bava film because Lamberto pretty much shot the entire thing. It's a different style, mm-hmm. right? So, 
so that's kind of where he got to start, you know, doing shit like that. And then, you know, he uh, started with uh, his film from 1980, um, in which... Is one of our reviews today. <laughs> which is, I guess, the very first review we're going to be doing. Is that, is that what we're doing? We're doing... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going in chronological order. So from 1980, we have Macabre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... You ever notice how, like, most of these Italian films we cover have, like, four fucking writers attached to them? Yeah. I didn't notice that, kind of. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I guess they really can't uh, decide on who... You think all these guys kind of sat around and wrote... Well, actually, well it's like, actually right, funny, right, they, we got... Oh yeah, fucking Gantison. Yeah, it's crazy. Like four writing credits for Macabre scenes a little excessive. <laughs> it's actually funny though, because if you watch, did you did you watch the special feature that was on the release with Lambert talking? Nope. This was supposed to be a joke. They actually wrote this screenplay as a joke, and they sent to the producer as a joke because Lambert Bobber and the, the one of the writers, Papi Avado, who directed House of Laughing Windows, he actually. Uh, saw this newspaper clipping of what ha- something that actually because you see in the film that this the, the opening credits yeah yeah this is inspired by true events they actually saw that and they just fucking thought it was so humorous so they wrote a like a 15 page draft and sent it to Medusa Films not thinking that they were going to actually make the film and they ended up liking it <laughs> so so is this story actually really yeah, is it just yeah. it, it, like so? The the actual events of this film well, are very similar to what they did. I would just assume like a woman kept a dead body around or something. No, no, they actually said about the 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 thing in the fridge and stuff. <laughs> really? So that that was like we were getting down to specifics then. Wow! Yeah, yeah they actually showed the news clip paper clipping and everything. That's kind of an interesting premise for your very first uh, film. You know? And just a concept, dude. They just did it as a joke script. That's fucking hilarious. But yeah, film a question here from 1980. We, of course, we got Macabre. We'll get into a little brief uh, IMDb synopsis. You know how much I love reading out these things. I am not going to read that long one. That's ridiculous. Um, a middle-aged woman, which I might add is pretty damn hot in this. Like, yeah, she's yeah. just relentless with her, with her see-through clothing. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, traumatized from the death of her adulterous lover moves into a room in a New Orleans boarding house where the blind landlord becomes suspicious to her activities of continuing her affair with her dead lover. (laughs) (laughs) Such such a great synopsis, man. Fucking awesome. Yeah. This is a first-time watch for me. Oh, that's right. You'd never seen this one before, right? It kind of surprises me a little bit. And I'm assuming, JP, this is your first time watching Macabre? First time with all three of these films. I've never watched a Lumberto Baba movie before. Crazy. Okay. Um, so, your guys' thoughts on Macabre? What the fuck? <laughs> Did I just... <laughs> yeah, dude. You know, read from the opening. Like, I always kind of took it as a joke where it says inspired by real events, you know. Um, you know, because really, you know, the, the storyline is so obscene. You know, like really, this should actually—I guess it actually does happen, but you know, I, you know, for real, it does. But uh, yeah. 
I, lo- I love the fact that this film is set in New Orleans. It, it kind of reminds me of like um, the Beyond in a way. It just reminds me of watching a Fulci film. You know, just yeah. the fact that it's set in New Orleans. You don't get to see a whole lot of New Orleans in this film, yeah. but you do get to see a little bit. There's a scene where they like, kind of a. Um, I, a I know. I know that like the exterior of the house is from New Orleans. Like the exteriors of like the exit in the house. That's, yeah, yeah. They did like a whole day of like exterior, like walking out of houses, and they actually lucked out because they found a house that actually kind of matched like the windows and stuff of the house mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they were used for the interiors. I have to admit, though, man, I really I find it so off-putting, you know, at the beginning of the film until you kind of realize what this film is all about. But uh, you know, with most you know, typically in Italian films, the score is something that like really kind of you know pulls you in when you're watching a film. This yes. kind of reminds me of like a soap opera slash like porno. Music. It has like a it has like a jazzy like feel to it. Mm-hmm. It, it will hence the whole New Orleans thing too. But like, the music is so kind of soft. It's very soft and stuff, and it, it's very of the times though too because the late seventies, early eighties was it was getting popularized like that very kind of soft rock and stuff. I mean, even Kiss put out like these very kind of melodic. Well, soft fuck albums. Well, like, I'll well, get into a little more of the soundtrack later because it was actually a very funny like piece of music later on in certain scenes involving like a certain character. Um, I <laughs> I li- I like the music quite a bit. Um, cause one uh, it was just it, what yeah. I wasn't expecting. Uh, it reminded me of like like a more '90s feel, like in terms of music, which is odd because it's an, an eighty, it's early '80s movie. It's yeah, like 1980. Mm-hmm. Um. I just thought it was something different, and I felt like it fit the tone of just like the movie. Like it, it was weird, you know. Like the well, the movie. It, it's like weird, more dude. like romantic feeling or something, you know. Well, that, that it, that's it, where it, I kind it, of come up. I always think of it as like a soap opera beginning. You know, that's the music that you'd hear but, in some kind of like but, lame, like, early, film, like late seventies, early eighties soap opera type deal. So I'm not saying the music is lame or anything, but it just it just comes off as you know. That she, type of yeah, music so you would be, hear in that soap opera—it <laughs> always makes me laugh when I pop it in, man. I don't know because you know me, music's one thing I notice right away. But uh, this one's kind of hard not to. It's right in your fucking face. So, <laughs> so, so basically, what we have in the beginning of this film, uh, we're we're introduced to our main character Jane, who is quite obviously cheating on her husband. Um, she kind of waits for her husband to leave the house, and uh, no. you know she's got a couple of kids. She's got a, she's got an older daughter, not an older daughter. I, I think her daughter's like eleven or twelve or something like that. And a uh, little boy, and she's got a younger boy and stuff. Anyway, she's waiting for her husband to leave, where she can rip off to this apartment that she rents out. Uh, and just to cheat on her husband with this, uh, with, um, what's Fred. his name? Fred. Yeah, Fred. So ultimately what happens is, uh, she gets word or she does her thing. She gets word that her son has had an accident and has died. So they're racing back to the house or whatever. And, uh, ultimately and gets correct into me if I'm wrong. Car. We see what happens to the son, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yes. yes we okay. Do. So question, do you so, think but, it would have worked yeah. better to never see that? Um, yeah, for the ending, for sure. Yeah, because it's supposed yeah. to be like a reveal, and I was like, "Yeah, but we know." <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I, I think they should have just not showed that, or maybe even just show, knew, go well, like Giallo style and just show like hands or something. Well, you know. Well, the thing is, yeah. we knew his audience, but she didn't know too. It was more of a reveal to her, and we were just witnessing the events. Oh yeah, of, for sure, but, but for sure. But, but I'm saying, well, we in said, terms of a film, we're watching a film. You know, the one we're not one her. Thing. I think it would have been a whole lot of more effective. Good point. Thank yeah. you for bringing that up. That that's a really good point. I, you know, I, 
Yeah, I think like, it totally would have. Just because what is the point of showing it? There is no point. I think if you keep that mystery there, I think the ending works a lot better. Mm-hmm. Do you think the people that made the, made the pit saw that scene and was like, let's make another fucked up person like that? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, so the son the son dies. Yeah, so the son dies, and you know, and the you know Jane and her husband or her um, adulterous lover there, they're racing back to you know to go and find out what the fuck happened. They get into a, a car accident where, um, what's his name again? Fred. Fred, <laughs> I'm so bad with names. I hate like a, a... I'm terrible with names. But Fred gets uh, basically decapitated. Is mm-hmm. essentially what happens, and so she's having a really really shitty day. She just lost say... her. Her lover and her son in a matter Listen, of minutes. <laughs> something I want to comment on about that, right? It's definitely a difference in just culture or, or something. But you ever notice how in Italian films, like, they don't make a big deal out of stuff like that? Like, I feel like an American film, like, it would be like we'd watch her for a couple of days being, like, depressed or something. Like, you know, it's just like this, like, it just happens so fast. Like, I actually had to yeah, rewind yeah. it because I missed when he died. And then I was like, mm-hmm. it just, it, it's funny. It just happens so fast in in these films where they just kind of brush right past, like, these epic events that and destroy I, things. And I like, I like how they actually, like, don't even, like, show you that. You kind of, like, keep you guessing what actually happened with the thing. Because they don't actually yeah. show him actually being decapitated. Well, that whole, that whole scene, the whole transition from the car accident to... <clears throat> Her moving back into well, she actually moves into the place that she was renting before mm-hmm. from the blind landlord, which his name is Robert. Yeah. She Robert, ends up moving yeah. into there, but it shows you it basically jumps right after the car accident. It jumps a year into the future, mm-hmm. and uh, it shows her moving in. And you do learn right away that she actually spent a year like in the in the nut house because she kind of lost her shit a little bit. Um, I actually missed that. I did not know that it was a year later. That actually changes yeah. some things for me. Yeah, they, they had like a little like subtitle that said one year later, right after like that scene yeah. of accident. But you don't. But it's funny because you get like it's literally right away. You know, it says car accident, and it shows her walking up into that building and where she meets Robert and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, "Hey, you know, I'm going to move into this place." And you know, of course, he's willing to have Jane there because we all know that Robert's in love with Jane. Yeah, he definitely and, has a crush on her because he even says like, "Oh, yes, I, of course, I, I left your apartment open or something like the way like, you are. like a, like a well, year, she, dude. Like, like get well, he used to because he used rent. to listen to her like moan and stuff too because that's all he had. Yeah, and but she also paid rent the entire time. He even mentions that it too. He's true. like, "Well, you didn't that have, to pay, you didn't have to pay all the time. You know, you could have been yeah. late with the rent stuff. The apartment still would have been here." And she's like, "No, no, no, I I got that. You know, kind of thing." But then you learn right away that she was actually at the nut house, and now she's separated from her husband, and her husband has the kids and stuff. And and then we kind of follow Jane and her day to day activities, and you you learn small things about her and. Um, and then you kind of follow Robert throughout most of the, like th- a big part of the film where yeah, he's, he's like, he becomes like our, like a character in a way. Where we yeah, yeah. Like you get the impression that he's in love with her and stuff, but you know, there's so many amazing scenes in this film where like you feel so bad for Robert. Like he goes out of his way to cook her dinner and stuff and he dresses <laughs> all up and, and then he's like, Oh, you know, I cooked dinner. You want to come down? She's like, no, nah, I'm busy. And you're like, Oh shit. <laughs> so fucking bad for him and then and then when you find out what she's doing in there it's just like fuck and then he's the poor robert's laying in his bed listening to this chick moan and he's going who the f- who's she fucking in there 
know, it's like this really odd setup to the film, and it's like, you know, oddly enough, this one for as slow as it is, actually moves along at a pretty decent pace. Like, there's really not a lot of boring time in the film because really you're kind of. I think that's a, a credit to keeping it 90 minutes. I could, like, I was watching it. Yeah. I was like, this seems like a film that the filmmaker could totally get away from himself and make it too long. And uh-huh. luckily, it was the appropriate length. Yeah, I agree with that, man. Because every time I watch this one, for some reason, it goes by way faster than it probably should be, considering the content that we're presented with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not really a whole lot happening in the film, but it's just kind of minor glimpses into, like, the third act. You know, you kind of get get that. Plus, plus, uh, especially with, like, the Robert sections of the film, I see, like, the music gets kind of, like, quirky and stuff. It has, like, this kind of humorous thing going on with it. Like, there's certain scenes where it kind of has, like, this percussion, like, boom, 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 boom. It kind of reminds me of Fleetwood Mac's Tusk in a way, like, the beginning, like, of that song. That's actually a really, that's good that you pointed that out, because uh, I 100% agree with that, completely. Uh, like I'm, it's I'm that time, man. Yeah, I'm starting to sing Tusk every time I hear that. Like, <laughs> it's so true though it's so true <laughs> I'm like did Kevin Smith see this film too um, yeah but, you know but go ahead yeah no I was just gonna say JP I, I completely 100% have to agree with you about you know the scene that we see in the beginning of the film how much more effective it would have been if they didn't show that fully you know just like some hands yeah, are just kind of keeping yeah it, it almost and... surprised me that they showed it and then because there's a long build up with it because you know it's going to come out eventually and I'm like yeah but it's like a it's, step, yeah. it's like yeah. why, why like I, I don't know yeah. I was confused by that because it seems so mm-hmm. obvious to do it the other way but um, you know this film is is definitely you know uh, like you said a little slower it has a, sort of a thriller vibe I almost wish they would have capitalized on that a little bit more like by leaving the, the murderer a mystery and, and make it more yeah, of yeah. a psychological thriller um, because I think that's where it would have been most successful. Like play up the fact that the guy's blind, make it make play up that a little bit more. Cause they, they didn't really, really, uh, make moments of, uh, of like, you know, thrills with him. Like, like you could with a blind guy. Right. Yeah, um, for sure. For sure. But I, you know, I have to admit though, man, the guy that actually plays the blind guy, um, where the fuck is he from? Derek, where, he plays in something else. Uh, I'm, I, I know he looked familiar. I couldn't think of it. Oh, dude! You know what? What? Oh, I gotta click on. Um, I think he is from. Oh, I gotta click. I think he's from Blade in the Dark. He is. He is. Uh huh. Giovanni from Blade. Oh, that's why. I could never. I never put. I never even looked it up until right now. But yeah, he's from Blade in the Dark also. So oh, that's oh, interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I thought he no, did a pretty no. good job. I, I liked him. He was. Uh, yeah, he was like, a likable character. When I'm watching. When I'm watching films, you know, and there's a blind guy in the film, I <laughs> which is like and, every one of these Italian films for some reason. Yeah, for some reason, there's always a blind guy in Italian films. Yeah, I feel like yeah. there's a lot of blind but, uh, in Italy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Cat Nine Tails. This one, the, the next film that we're going to talk about. That, that's so weird. That's so weird. Um, but I always find myself watching the actors to make sure that you know they're actually like acting. Blind. blind properly you know <laughs> yeah and like i think he does a pretty good job like you know he's always kind of looking this way uh, and he's kind of one scene in the bathtub where she's nude that was a really good scene where you actually kind of try to look and see if he's actually looking and stuff well, and it was actually... it's funny because he's very respectable even though he knows himself that he can't see he still turns away and has his back to her yeah it's yeah. like you know you 
you, you respect Robert so much for that. You know, like he, you know, not only that he's blind, I really he's, like that he's, a very, he's a good guy and stuff, and like he's, you know, what he does for work and stuff. He's, you know, he fixes his building, instruments, and stuff. Up. Very, very likable character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, uh, yeah, the daughter on the other hand, <laughs> holy fuck, <laughs> she's dude. Fucked. Her dubbing was atrocious. <laughs> now you're seeing about the, what we were saying about kids in films. It's fucking. There's a lot of that going on. Oh man! You know, there's there is something in Italian films. I'm not 100 percent sure why they do it, but they do it with all kids. They dub the shit out of the kids. Mommy. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Which will actually, it's kind of funny at the end of the next film that we're going to review. Um, Bob. Bob is in the end of the film. He's the annoying kid from House and. Uh, the house by the cemetery yeah. and i'm pretty fucking sure that they didn't dub his voice maybe they did i don't know but it seems a little more appropriate <laughs> you know it's not like that real shitty whiny obviously not the right voice. yeah but, i love yeah, how she was like I, I agree, dressed. Though, her, her dubbing is annoying actually her character in general i just want to fucking strangle the entire film oh like whenever oh, she's on especially screen, after like, you see that like, fucking scene you're like fucking kill this fucking little bitch <laughs> true that, true that. And you, you think she's Tom just... Holland saw this film? Because you notice she's like dresses like Chucky in a way. Yeah, maybe. Shit, never even I never put two put... together before. Um, yeah, I mean, so let, I guess let's talk a little bit about what what she's doing. Uh... <laughs> so, what is Jane up to? Well, Jane is quite obviously a little distraught at the death of her uh, lover, mm-hmm. Fred. Fred, I remember the name. Look at that. And uh, we do learn quite early in the film that something's not completely right. And th- we kind of get shown the fact that, like, she has a lock on her freezer. Mm-hmm. On her little uh, ice box, I think is what they call them. Um, and so you kind of put two and two together. And, uh, you know, the reveal's there, you know, before the end of the film and stuff. And, you know, yeah, basically there's really where she's- no reveal in this movie. No, because it's, it's a very subtle scene, too. Like, she's just kind of like, you don't think that they're going to show it. And then all of a sudden, she's, like, grabbing this thing out of a, uh, out of the icebox. And it turns out to be a Fred Severed head. Mm-hmm. And she's ultimately having romantic nights with it in, you know, you know lesser terms. Mm-hmm. She's pretty much having sex with this head. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just and, like... And, and pillows his body. Yeah, and you know, and then we get to see, you know, the 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 opposite side of it with Robert, you know, him having to listen to these moans and groans and shit, which I, I just find so, I almost find it comical in the film, because he's just <laughs> torture because he can't fucking see, and you know when you you know when you're blind, your other sight, your other senses are kind of heightened. Could you imagine how well he can hear that? <laughs> it's like torture, especially when he has an attraction for it too. Like, well, in the beginning when we first yeah. starts hearing, it, and you like feel for him at the same time. I think they capture that quite yeah, well. Never actually. do you, you have really a blind do. guy wish he was deaf, except for in this film. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, like I think that I think they I think Lamberto Bava captured it quite well with that character, like that whole mm-hmm. type thing, and uh, I think it works well. So, it works. Yeah. Honestly, feel for Robert, man. You really do. You're just like, oh, dude, because you know what's going on with her. He can't fucking see, so now he's got to start to investigate because, you know, which I think is a little effective, but at the same time, I think it could have been done a little bit better in this film. I always have a little bit of problems with the way it kind of goes down and, it feels and a how the sloppy. girl. 
Mm-hmm. It does feel sloppy. I find it's really sloppy when they introduce the the daughter again, where she starts coming around and she starts doing things. She starts snooping and doing her fucking thing and stuff. And yeah. I think that the way everything kind of plays out is is very very sloppy. I think it could have been tightened up a lot better because there was really no general reasons why she was even coming around. You know, she was just being a nosy bitch, is what she was. Yeah, and and, and that's really what the reason was. She just she was just a bitch, and you know. I think they could have kind of focused on something a little bit better than that. Make it a little more, more believable, you know? I don't know. But killed her. Just, well, so, like, obviously Robert sort of um, investigates, finds out some stuff, tries to tell people some stuff. Why is it that the daughter is so, like, protective over the mother? You know, to be honest, I don't really know because the daughter doesn't really care for her mother. Yeah, like... Because... <laughs> Because the daughter knew that her mom was cheating on her father. And she even said – there's even dialogue in the film. And she's like, oh, you're fucking jealous. And it seems like every type of interaction that the daughter has with Jane is a bad one. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not really getting along too, too well. I mean except for the mm-hmm. time when she cooks her the soup and she puts the fucking ear in there. <laughs> 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 but, you know, um, yeah, there's not really a lot of love I think, I think the, the daughter fucking hates the mom the entire time, and it's like, okay. I think the, the thing is, uh, if anybody, if no one, if she can't have her, then no one can, so she has to ruin it for everyone. Yeah, but why can't she have her? I, I don't know. It's just the way, uh, I guess she's got kind of a thing where she just wants, like, the family to be perfect in a way with, like, because she's like, I'm going to want mommy to get back with daddy in a way. I'm like, thinking to myself i think because she probably loves her father and stuff and she was kind of hoping maybe even though she's fucked in the head and stuff that maybe she wanted well that's actually a good theory because you know hence hence the daughter killing the kid you know maybe she wanted that she just wanted to be her and her parents yeah you know but again that's just it doesn't seem like she likes her mom at all well i think she hates her mom so much because she she knew about her cheating on her father so she kind yeah. of took her side with her father and things like that. But, I mean, I guess in the beginning, I'm assuming that the daughter didn't know at the time. Or did she kill the son because she knew that her mother was cheating on her father? Or and that was kind of maybe it's getting just back that to she her. was like, she wants the attention. So she's like, I don't want this little dickhead. Like, she's yeah. jealous or something. I don't know. I've, I've kind of seen it two ways. Like, I mean, you could look at it like, you know okay, the daughter knows that the mom's cheating, so she's like, well, to get back at her, I'm going to fucking kill your son. Um, mm-hmm. But then again, I mean, that's you're just assuming because nothing's re- really actually told to you. When, you know, when, there's really no, when there's re- no real motives. When it's revealed to the mother, like, what the daughter had done, that, like, the... W- like the way that it's dubbed and like the reveal sounds so unnatural. I, I wish I had an exact quote, but it just sounded so like the way yeah. she said that she did it or whatever. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know what you, you guys want to go into final thoughts and ratings. You have much more on this one? Uh, you know, this, this is kind of a hard film to talk about because without giving everything away, you know, it's like, yeah, especially the final, the final shot that fucking had me fucking fall out of my chair laughing. Which, oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, well, we won't ruin it for the audience that scene. You just gotta see it to believe. I'll go first if we're gonna go into ratings. Yeah, might as well, man. 
Uh, this is a first time watch for me. It's actually one of the only Lamberto bottle films that actually kind of distanced itself because it usually, to be honest, the only reason why I never saw this film before is the DVD that was out of it. It was kind of fluctuating in prices when I did want to pick it up. It went back up and popped back in price. And I finally did grab a copy of it. And uh, it was a very odd film, I have to say. I really was mystified as it was... Even though, like, uh, we talked about how the daughter did, like, what she did in the beginning of the film, I was fucking shocked as shit to see that in, like, a film from 1980. Like, a little kid, like, fucking doing this thing to her own, like, sibling. And it was just fucking weird. And then we get into, like, the reveal, and I really liked how the mystery was going with Robert's character throughout it. And the musical score is odd, and really fits the tone of this film especially the way the film progresses it's percussion and like the odd quirkiness of like this weird like Fleetwood Mac sound and fucking drum thing that's going on in there. <laughs> and fucking that's the whole like end like is kind of like a fucked up ending in a way because especially what's going on with it with like the mother's character and uh, the head and stuff that happens and I actually really dug it it's a fucking oddball film that it's not going to be for everyone especially if you don't like your quirkiness in films in a way but i really dug it so i'm going to give it like a solid 7.5 out of 10 yeah this movie right here man is actually (laughs) one i've watched twice in the last two months oddly enough uh and uh you know i still feel the exact same about it when i watched it a couple months ago again um but it's 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 a very it's an odd film. It's not a perfect film. I think there's a lot of things in this film that could have been, you know, kind of tightened up. You know, like we, we already mentioned the whole scene where the daughter is shown killing her brother, uh, her mom's son, you know, which doesn't really need to be there and things. It, it, this is a very odd film. It, it's odd because there's definitely things where, you know, if I was writing this film, I definitely would have done a lot different. So when you're watching it, it just feels super, super quirky. I think the performance for the for the most part are really good in this film. I think Jane's fine in the film. I think Robert does a great job. Uh, you know, Fred. <laughs> just joking. Uh, yeah, he's he's really good in the film. Um, see Steph, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh but uh yeah, you know man, th- this is just it's such an odd Lamberto Baba film because the approach is so soft. You know, the music is soft, everything's kind of soft and stuff and it has like this reveal where you think should be a lot more dramatic and stuff because it happens like not in the third act. You know, you kind of learn what it is and stuff and the script is a little messy. It, it, it definitely is a little bit messy, but uh, I have a lot of fun with this one. Um, I think it's just it's just it's it's an oddball film. There's a part in this film that actually does make me gag a little bit. Uh, she does get down on the head pretty good. Um, <clears throat> I'm just like, oh my god, it, it, it kind of fucking makes me gag and stuff. But uh, I think they could have wrote uh, the daughter mother relationship a little bit better. Um, you know, it, it's just it's it's very very sloppy. It's very sloppy, um, but I still really enjoy this film. I think it's pretty good. The very last shot in this film makes absolutely fucking no sense to me whatsoever. But that's very very typical Italian filmmaking, and I would expect nothing less from you know even Lamberto Bava to do something like that. And uh, <laughs> you know, it just it makes me laugh. 
it makes me laugh, but I mean, it's it's a head shaker, man. It's a head shaker. So, <laughs> you know, it's an elegant film with a very unshocking, I don't know, shocking ending, I guess. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Um, I think it's definitely worth the watch. Check it out. It's, uh, it's, it's odd. It's an odd film. Yeah. Uh, me, um... I got. I was able to grab this, A Blade in the Dark, and Shock for ten dollars in a, in a nice little DVD set. My Blue mm-hmm. Underground. That's uh, a good deal, man. Ten it, bucks. It really is. It really is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't really know much about this movie at all going into it, which is exactly how I think a movie like this should be watched. Because uh, I was pleasantly surprised that I was dealing with necrophilia, which is was which is a rarely used taboo in in horror movies, but I'm often excited when it comes up because it is messed up and it does it does freak mm-hmm. me out and i'm like oh what the hell you know necrophilia it's it's necrophilia and incest are my two big ones man it, it, now if they did an incest necrophilia film that would fucking blow my mind um <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah it, i i feel like this one is a little bit sloppy but at least the subject matter is entertaining and uh the the actual story is intriguing enough there are flaws but even with the flaws what we're left with is still you know a solidly paced like decent little narrative story even though we could have probably saw it going a little better if it, they had shifted some things around um there's a few mm-hmm. like gross out moments and and uh it's it's kind of a little thriller it's it's a fun watch honestly like i didn't have a problem with it um other than you know just just not that good i mean i mean that's like the main problem is it's just not that good um because of choices and i i give it a seven out of ten mm-hmm. oh wow same rating what did Derek give it i missed his rating seven okay i i thought you were coming in for sure i thought you were coming in at 6.5 you're saying that but uh yeah i know that makes complete sense i i think it's worthy of that so it, it's like, definitely worthy of a seven like it's it's a it's a solid watch like there's not mm-hmm. there's there's no like glaring problems in it like there there's just you know there's just i think it could have been I, better <laughs> yeah i think it's just a little bit of a sloppy narrative you know i just the way they did things you know yeah. you, up, you don't show the daughter you know you make the reveal of the head a little bit you know maybe more into the third act not in the middle of the goddamn film but then again you but know even why then, they did it's that not really... because they only did that just to set up the whole robert character and his suspicions and stuff right they, that's why mm-hmm. they, but I, I think then again you don't really necessarily need to to actually see the head and which we never commented on actually looks pretty damn good yeah i thought the i thought the head looked pretty fun you know for like an effect you know yeah I, just I, think, liked I, I think it looked like Fred's actual real fucking head, I, man. Looked, I just want—I just wanted that little girl, like, to meet the kid from the pit, and they made like a side movie together. <laughs> like they, they become playmates. Um, there's not a ton of of trivia or anything on IMDb, but I, I wanted to make a point to after we do our ratings to sort of uh, throw out any little facts or anything, you know, sometimes during as well. Yeah. But there's no—I couldn't find a budget on this one. So was, I have no idea what the budget was, uh, and check only, out that special feature. Does it say what the budget is? Uh, no, it's really. In, <laughs> um, I don't remember. Is, well, is I, it informative? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. Well, I learned a few things. That's when I talked about like it was actually based on a true Listen, story. I'm lucky enough that I get the films watched in time. 
<laughs> like, is, is, is it the one like a like a head for horror? The interview with uh, with Lamberto Bava. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've watched it before. I just don't remember that because I remember in the interview he talks about. Does he? Oh no, that's on. Show. Never mind. I'm thinking the wrong one. Okay. I'm fucking. I so fuck. I I watched Shock recently too. <laughs> so, anyways. So no budget, uh, no uh, gross at the at the box office or anything like that. The only thing that's on IMDb is the fact that this is Lamberto Bava's first official directing credit, and that the film yeah. was inspired by actual crime that occurred in New Orleans. So, which is that's actually why the film was shot there. That's awesome. So, it's awesome. Let's move into the next. No, one. It, 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 it's awesome. It's it's a good thing though too because like it just you know so many great Italian films were shot in New Orleans too. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very happy that that crime happened there. So we got New Orleans. I just wish we had got to see a little bit more of New Orleans. Like you kind of get you know a glimpse of it. Mm-hmm. In like a quick little montage or whatever, but mm-hmm. it is what it is, man. I'm just a big fan of New Orleans, it's, you know. So, no, let's go. But, with uh, it. but yeah, let's uh, jump five years into the future uh, with um, what is this? Lamberto Bava's, I don't know, third or fourth film or something. I think he'd done a few ones in between this. He did Blade know. in the Dark after Macabre. Yeah, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, he did Blast Fighter, which is an action film, and then he did. Devilfish, which is uh, known as tons of different fucking monsters. Monster fish. Shark. Monster Shark, yeah. That's right. Um, which is like a total Jaws ripoff. It's pretty awesome. And then 1985 came and he directed Demons. Presented by Dario Argento. You know, it's funny, man. How many people I see show this film off and they're like, yeah, you know, the Argento Demons film. And I'm like, he, just, he was the producer on this film and he didn't direct it. Really? Yeah, but he did write <laughs> it. Partially. Yeah, no, I meant like a lot of people think that Argento directed Demons because of his name is so damn big on it, you know? Yeah. It's kind of funny, but but yeah. Anyways, we got the 1985 Demons. Quick little synopsis. A group of people are trapped in a large movie theater in West Berlin, so this takes place in Germany, that is infected by ravenous demons who proceed to kill and possess the humans one by one, thereby multiplying their numbers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Awesome opening to this film. Claudio Simonetti score. Oh, dude, it's like, you know, as much as I fucking love the Demon score, man, I think I prefer Demon's, like, I, I love Simon Boswell's theme for Demon's 2 is just so amazing. You know, I mm-hmm. think I got it. I actually have the vi- Demon soundtrack on vinyl. I picked it up a little while ago. Pretty awesome. But. So, fun fact. JP, did you see the guy with the half metal face giving out the tickets? Yep. You know who that is? Who? That's Michelle Suave. That's ah, Mikel Suave. Michele. Michele Suave. Michele. Suave. Yeah. Who is actually assistant director on this film, I believe. Now, I couldn't find any info, but did did Michele Suave did he direct the film within the film? Or was it Lamberto Bava that did that too? Because I always thought that Michael Suave did the the film I, inside the film. I, I know he was inside the film, inside the film also. Yeah, he was definitely in the film too, but I couldn't find any. I didn't really look overly that hard, but I remember reading somewhere that he. It made possible he that, he that he actually shot the footage for that while Lamberto was shooting the other film. It's possible. Yeah, so they were kind of doing. Yeah, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Well, he's assistant director, so it's probably 
it probably happens, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. who knows? But yeah, I, I you don't have to say every time I watch Demons Man, I'm like, I'm always like, I want to watch that film inside the film. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's very much Lamberto Bava. Yeah. Lamberto Bava has a very kind of distinct style in lots of his films. He likes to have big group of people doing things in their films, like. You know, obviously, Demons and Demons Two involves a lot of characters, and, and like this contained space. Yeah, and like Graveyard Disturbance is another film that he did for TV. It was part of the Brigado uh, Giallo series that he did for TV, along with Demons Three, as we as Americans know, it's actually called the Ogre. Uh, but Graveyard Disturbance involves a bunch of people too that are all in a confined kind of space type deal, and then Interview with a Vampire, Interview with a Vampire, Dinner with a Vampire. Uh, it's another film that involves like a, a group of people too. So he really likes his group of people, <laughs> you know, his type settings. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and they're all contained. They're all yeah, films. So, yeah, he's well, like, the, oh, go ahead. The, it's it's like a siege narrative, which I'm a huge fan of. But uh, I will say that the only problem you have when you when you do that many characters is is you don't have a ton of time to develop them, other than just like here's a brief thing on who this person is. Like, we yeah. see that in, in the first Demons, um, done about as effectively as you really can, uh, where he, uh, go as they're, like, you know, going into the theater and, like, the different people react into the movie differently and shit like that. And, like, you got the yeah. pimp guy and his two girlfriends and, and, Tony. and the, the blind guy, the fucking blind guy again, um, being described. <laughs> the, so you have a little bit, like, of character development, but um, that's that's really it. So it you know, does it, take it, it, away from actually, you know, caring about the characters if you're into that. And that and that's one thing about this film, man, that just blows my mind every time I watch it. This is the most fucking fast paced movie I've like mm-hmm. literally ever seen from the eighties. There's like you want to talk about no character development. Yeah, there's none in this film. It like literally starts with, you know, the Mikel Suave's character handing out these uh, Metropol tickets. And yeah, come come and check out this film, you know. Yeah, and we yeah. see this little you know, thing it, with like Cheryl yeah, we're gonna, and Kathy. We, and I love that guy. idea because they're just they're, they're demons. They're luring people in and shit. That's fucking cool, man. But, um, but it's crazy how fast paced this movie is. Like they get to the theater, and then when shit starts going down within the first twenty minutes, it never stops until like the credits. Nonstop. Yeah. This movie is so fast paced. It's insane. I love watching demons because it just never falters me. Like it's 88 or 89 minutes of just like high octane energy and just nonstop gore and ridiculous, awesome metal, eighties metal music. It's, a, it's essentially, Crew and it's fucking awesome. It's, it's just I love this movie. Right. It's, it's essentially impossible to get bored in a film that moves this fast and has that many yeah. effect shots. It's just, it's, you know, it, that's what it is at the end of the we day. Mentioned, we mentioned, Sergio Savali and uh, the Argento episode during Mother of Tears. This is awesome that he did like the effects for both of these. Oh, films. dude, that's one thing about this movie that just I love. The effects in this film are so good. They they really are good. I mean, the odd point here and there, a little cheesy and stuff, but dude, there's a lot of special effects in this film. This is what I love about this movie. It's just it's high octane, great score, awesome soundtrack, amazing gore effects. These throwaway characters where you're just like, yeah, die. Who gives a shit, man? And it's got ridiculous shit like helicopters falling through roofs. It's amazing that they went the extra step to do shit like that in this film. They went out of their way specifically to, um, you know, they wanted to appeal to American crowds. And that's why Argento designed the soundtrack in this film purposely with with metal. Like, and like, yeah, like the metal arts. That was all done purposely to a, 
to appeal to American crowds. And I think it just works so well for the film because that type of music just screams fast paced. Right. And, and it's just so awesome. I love I love when Accept is playing in this film. It's such a great scene. Mm-hmm. Totally awesome. It's the scene where the guy's ripping around in the in the theater on the motorbike. Oh, yeah. It's fucking great, man. It's just the sound, the music cues in this film. Awesome. It's just oh, such a great ride, man. Great ride. And then we uh, some funny like sub character like they do show like certain characters outside of the movie theater, the cokeheads. <laughs> okay, that, that this is one thing about the film that I have always had, you know, not a big issue with, but it's it's so Italian filmmaking to do this. So we're about forty minutes into the film, forty five minutes into the film, and, and everything is going crazy inside the theater. People are fucking running for their lives. People are dying. There's special effects everywhere. Music's awesome, and all of a sudden it's like, bam, cut. We're gonna cut to Ripper in the fucking uh, cokeheads, <laughs> sniffing <laughs> like, sn- sniffing coke out of a can of coke. I know. I love that. That that's so fucking funny, dude. That he's sniffing coke out of a coke can. It's just so it good. Is but but really it, impractical and makes little sense. But it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't isn't it like so typical typical American or uh, Italian filmmaking to kind of cut off like that and then I just like randomly that, introduce these characters? They just randomly introduce these characters that are ripping around the town, doing whatever. They're just. They're just, they don't give a shit about life and I've whatever and stuff. I've always been a fan of just randomly introducing characters midway through a film. <laughs> but I love the way they enter the building. It's one of my – I love the scene so much. They're they're kind of running for their shit. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's a dead end. And all of a sudden the door just like <laughs> open. <laughs> and, and you see, then you see oh. Yeah, it's fucking great, saying? man. I love it. No, the Werner is like, oh. I was uh, – um, one thing about uh, this film is, uh, I, like, the setting is, like, absolutely perfect. Like, it's such a cool setting. Like, especially before they actually go in and they're out by the Coke machines and you see the four flies on gray velvet poster. Mm-hmm. And you see all the different stuff. And it, it's just it's just a neat setting. And, and people – it just it's a different time, too. It's just a different time where yeah. people um, actually went out to do this. <laughs> It's like one of the most perfect settings to like kind of showcase movie posters and things like that. You know, kind yeah. of throw in those those elements of Argento films and things I, like that. It's I love that there's like a motorcycle and like a real life katana in the middle of a movie theater. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, I, I I love the complimentary story though too. You know, like with uh, Rosemary putting on the mask and getting cut. Yeah. And you cut to the theater and they're they're watching the the film the movie, and stuff and, and the movie and it happens a movie. Yeah. Those are nice touches that are just awesome because it's just it's relatable and you're just like ah oh, that that's fucking cool how they did that man you know the bathroom like scene rosemary oh god oh, the the pus exploding oh you know me with pus man <laughs> I fucking gag every time I watch that scene it's disgusting man um, so disgusting great. and awesome at the same that so what the fuck does anybody what so like what. How does this work? Like, what does it ever explain? Like, what happened? What do you mean with what? Like, how the whole demons thing happens? Well, demon, it's it's spread. By, well, Rosemary gets infected by the mask. They show that in the film, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that's a demon mask right there. So you know, in a sense, it's kind of acting as fingernails. They talk about that actually in, in the demon sequel too. How the plague is spread or the contagious. Yeah. Spread. Yeah, so it's like, it's almost like, like it's fucking zombies. <laughs> yeah, so that's how it's kind of spread in there. Kinda, it's yeah. kind of the same way. Like, I mean, basically, the setup to the film is, you know, what you're seeing on the film is essentially going to come true. 
um, in the theater because it, it, it's just it's just like an easy setup, really. I mean, it yeah, doesn't really make a lot of fucking explains sense. what's going to happen in the movie. It's going it, to be explains what's going to happen in the movie without actually having like a, one of our characters explain it. It's like art imitating art in, in a sense, though, because it's like, you know, we get that scene where, yeah, she puts on the mask and she gets cut and stuff. But there is demons in the real world, though, too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they're yeah, there. It's like, and, but and, when you start thinking about it, it's like, OK, so like did these demons like make this movie or like, I, what, you know, like, are they is this really movie a real movie? Are they like projecting it is like what? Like, it, like, is it a, you know? Honestly, I've always thought about that too, and I was like, "Okay, did they make this movie, or is it?" See, they must have. They must have because or is it even a movie itself, or is it just some kind of like magic? Like, it yeah, could it could be. Who like who really knows? All we know is that there's there's demons on the outside. Even like they didn't even know like this theater there. was there. You know what I mean? Like even like I didn't know there was a theater here. That mystery man of the Metropole. Like, well, I didn't know about that theater. I didn't even know that existed. Kind of thing. And it's like, well. That's that's kind of a cool setup because it's like, well, the demons must have kind of made that, you know, type of thing. And this this is like their this is their layer to, you know, basically suck people in and create. I like how uh, I don't know what the point is, but you know, essentially what it comes down to. I mean, are they trying to do this in small doses to take over the world? I don't know from a from a uh, from a cinema. Who really knows? Yeah, but. But, you know, like, the point uh, is, that's what they're doing. They're bringing in people just to turn them into demons and feed, I guess. I don't know. But all we fucking know is that from the second this happens, it's one entertaining blast. <laughs> it's just amazing. There's so much good shit going on in this Yeah, one, I love, like, one the... thing that I'll say is I'm actually – I was actually super impressed and surprised at the uh, cinematography for being in such a – you know tight quarters place like they make it seem like really grand and and big and also just Mm -hmm. in general like it it just looks great like the lighting and like i mean everybody knows the scene that's on the cover of the dvd but that looks fantastic oh you know it's i think i mentioned this a long time one of my videos i said one of my favorite scenes in any film in history is actually the scene where the demons walk up the the hallway the lighting, that blue lighting, and the way their eyes are glowing and yeah, shit, the way that shot... You know it what it reminds me of? It reminds me fantastic. of the scale of Halloween 3, with the trick-or-treaters and it's on the cover uh-huh. of Halloween 3. Like It's like the same thing, where it's like, Did you guys it just see looks that, so uh, awesome, you want to capture it in in the fucking movie poster <laughs> did you, yeah. hey did you did you guys see that uh thing i posted on the facebook group of the poster and yeah. it's actually the scene moving it's a gif oh i think I might have seen it. It. oh yeah i did actually yeah yeah that was cool uh-huh. but yeah i i fucking dude that that whole scene is just amazing i, I love the fact that like you know, Lamberto Bava, you know, this movie is produced by Argento and stuff. He wasn't like trying to make a fucking, you know, Suspiria Inferno type film. Yeah. There's a lot of really great lighting in this, but man, that scene right there is seriously one of the best scenes ever. It's just, it's amazing how, like, especially on Blu ray though, too. Holy shit, dude. Like, the, the transfer on this Blu ray. It's absolutely amazing. It looks so good. Sounds I mean, good, too. What, one thing, that one thing like... about this movie is so fucking loud, man. Like, the music and the sound, everything comes out so crystal clear in this, man. They did a great job of mixing down this film. It's great. Yeah, one thing that I'm starting to dig about Lumberto Bava now watching three of his films is, uh, even though, like, he still has some of the similar, like, tropes of Italian cinema, like, his films seem a little bit more simple in terms of, like, storyline not being 
convoluted, you know, just, mm-hmm. just very basic. Uh, you know, and... honestly, when you, when you still watch, I mean, Blade in the Dark, I guess, could be a little more convoluted, I, yeah, I guess, just, but, yeah, you know, for the most part, his films are very much a little more straightforward. I mean, yeah, with Monster Shark or Devilfish or whatever, it's, like, it's fucking Jaws off, man. <laughs> so it is, right? So, yeah, he's definitely, he doesn't People have the more into Marks of Shark, they have problems. Yeah. I mean, the <laughs> Demons is, it's one of those movies that it's going to be hard to sell to somebody, right? Like, like you have to be like, you can't say like, oh, well, there's this, 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 and this that, that makes the movie good. It's like, no, you just got to check it out because it's just fast paced awesomeness. Like if you like horror and gore, like, like, like there's not much storyline to, to pick apart. There's not much, um you know things to analyze like there's no deeper mm-hmm. message here it's just fucking demons mm-hmm. attacking people like a lot of people <laughs> if you, if yeah, you look you for know, deeper generally... demons it's you know yeah like honestly generally you know sometimes we look at this and go man like there's like literally no story but in this, in this you know in this type of uh, situation it really doesn't fucking matter I mean, this shit is just so overly entertaining that, you know, but I mean, they do talk about like the demons and stuff like, you know, you wear the mask, you become a demon. It's like an instrument of evil, you know, yeah. you know, they, 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 they point things at that, you know, and stuff. And it's like, you know, don't put the mask on, you know, kind of thing. And they show you that in the real world. They show you that in the the film within the film and things like that. So there is these elements of story that are, you know, they're prevalent. They're, they're present, you know, and, um. But yeah, it makes it very basic, it's, though, right? Like that's it is, it, like you don't basic. even need to be told. You can they can literally not be dialogue, and you'll be like, oh, okay, it's a, that mask is obviously some sort of true that evil true that device. You, 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 oh, could yeah. done, <laughs> you could have done those scenes silent. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I, I I agree with you that the movie within the movie is even good. Like like you're generally interested in what's going on in the movie in the movie. Like the the yeah. like, it's atmospheric the and it's fucking so dope, good, man. man. Like. Yeah, uh, I, I want to see that movie. I wish they had made that movie as like Demons Three or something. You know? Could you imagine <laughs> I mean, if that was like a little short film and it was a feature on the Blu-ray or something? You could yeah. watch like this, you know, thirty-minute, forty-minute short or whatever. That would have been fucking yeah. cool, man. Yeah, and yeah. you know, <sighs> cast of characters in the theater are like funny. Like when you don't really get to know them, but you kind of do. And like when they're watching Some the movie, them. sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Like we know, like Frank, the guy with the wife that brings his wife. So like their honeymoon to this movie theater is like an asshole. So what's up with the blind dude and, and that chick? Is that his girlfriend? No, I think it was like his daughter or niece. No, it's or his something. daughter. Oh, it's yeah. his, his daughter, daughter, and she just starts making out with her boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, his yeah. boyfriend. Needs what a to... dick. Yeah, I you know it's kind of it's kind of funny that you know the blind guy would get his eyes ripped out. <laughs> oh yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> I, I totally laughed at that. I was like. It's it's major staple in Italian. Like, there's uh, always got to be eye shit in, in Italian films. Like, you know me. Like, Fulci has this fascination with fucking eye scenes, man. And like, that just always makes me laugh because it's like you're gonna rip this guy's eyes out. That doesn't really affect him too much, man. <laughs> how how many alive. of Argento's films has to do with a blind guy? Like, that, with there's a I scene know. with a blind guy. I know it's so weird. Right? This one counts too because he wrote this shit. Yeah, I, I guarantee yeah, he, he you probably, his contribution probably, was the blind guy. I guarantee probably. it. <laughs> probably. Yeah, Argento just threw his name on the credits just because yeah. of why I wrote the blind guy part. <laughs> so what did you guys think? Do you think that Tony was going to live longer? The way his character is seeming like a badass like pimp character? Dude, Tony's character reminds me of the dude from uh, 
from Feast. You know that one part in Feast where you you think you're introduced to the hero of the film, and then he fucking dies like two seconds later. Yeah, <laughs> he's such a badass though in like those first. Like, yeah, because he's, he's, he's like this perfect fucking pimp or whatever. I, I always call him Pimp Tony, but uh, yeah, I <laughs> know. Yeah, no. yeah, he comes to a kind of nasty end. But the weird know, thing, man. the weird character was the store, the stewardess of the theater, because she's just there to work there. I'm like, how does she not know like something's going on? You know, it's a good point actually, because if this thing was actually built by demons and stuff, like, you know, but it's kind of funny because they present her as someone that actually knows what's going on when you first get introduced to her. Like, she seems like she actually knows what's going on in the theater. In my opinion, anyways. Yeah. I, I, it just kind of she comes off as someone that you know at first you're like well is she a demon is she, like she knows what's going on but it turns out she actually doesn't know yeah <laughs> like, and she's scared shitless like ah, she's working in this demon box it's <laughs> like what the fuck I don't know that that is kind of strange actually but I always like that uh, you know that's the little girl that was in like all the Mario Bava films right that was the little girl the redheaded girl from like the Night Child that's her. Yeah, grown up. Oh shit, I she didn't grew, even know she, that. She grew up nice and a nice little redhead. <laughs> yeah, she did grow up nice. <laughs> Damn, I didn't put two and two together. That's crazy. That's cool that she Lenbao remembered her and stuff and put her in this film. Like there's a scene you know, where you have uh a guy on a motorcycle, a uh, dirt bike with a katana, like slaying zombies in a movie theater and you're just like, uh, fuck I'm rolling with it, okay. <laughs> I'm gay. I love it. Yeah, dude, he's fucking shit up, man. <laughs> you know, of She's course, like, this fuck this, this. I just here. killed my best friend. I'm gonna fucking kill everyone now. <laughs> yeah, you know, like another trope of Italian film. Sometimes it's just you know, it, it probably comes off as you know because of the dubbing and things like that. But there's one scene in this film that I literally lose my pants over laughing, man. I fucking die every time. Um, it's a scene where they're in the car that. Going, coming back to rip her in, rip her in the uh, the cokeheads, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I think it's uh, right after they spill the coke and re- and oh, the, the one guy and the, fucking the, Ripper the, the is razor. just like rip. He's so fucking mad. He's like, clean that fucking shit up, blah blah blah. Every and then his buddy kind of pipes up and he's like, oh, that's Rambo talking, baby. <laughs> he says it, man. It just comes off as the worst shit ever. <laughs> it's like. He even says baby like three times in the scene, but the way it comes up, I, I'm pretty sure it's like the dub. It's you know, the it's just the thing with the razor. With the, the listen, nose. listen, there's one part so where bad. I laughed out loud because it was retarded. Um, it's the movie within the movie, and they find that little book or something, and he's like, he's like, he's like, it's written in Latin. I can't make it out. And Dude, then he's yeah. like, I'm beginning to make it out. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you just taught yourself Latin all of a sudden? Like <laughs> he's like, I cannot understand it. And he's like, I'm beginning to understand it. <laughs> he's like, and it's literally like a, a, it's not even, it's the same line. It's not another line. He's like, he's like, it's written in Latin. I cannot understand it. Wait, I'm beginning to understand it. <laughs> <laughs> what like, about the scene where they start serious? talking about like rap artists in like fifty or like five hundred and fifty AD or something like that? Like, and the girl's like, there was rap artists. It's like what the fuck? Oh, I love that whole scene where like uh, the other hooker, like she's on the floor and she just starts changing, and you see like the nails and stuff and the teeth. Uh, oh. The teeth. I love when the teeth like push the other teeth out. 
It's just like a dude. Those are great effects, man. Yeah. She's like, making, and, she's, and that noise she makes, she's like, oh. <laughs> so, um, yeah, one nails of the, growing in the teeth, one. Yeah, that's some good shit, man. I always love effects like that. Um, so basically, uh, one of the things that I found was pretty interesting in the IMDb trivia uh, in Germany, this was released as uh, Demonin Two, which is translates yeah, to Demons Two. Yeah. And then the second film was released as the first Demons. Really? Yeah. How Weird. far is that? <laughs> I mean, technically, you could get away with it. They, they don't have much continuity. Uh, yeah, there's there's a scene where the scene where the cocaine is dropped in the car apparently was quite a bit of controversy and was pretty much cut out of most of the world uh, release of the film. <laughs> Why that? Because you can't show drugs on on. No, I think, had to do, I think it had to do. I think it had to do with Coca Cola having an issue with the can too. Maybe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I guess so. Right? I, I assume, assume that this that... film was sponsored by Coke. <laughs> yeah, I just assume too because you generally can't I, 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 even put that into film if you're not sponsored by them. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of coke in this film, like product <laughs> coke. <laughs> so uh, yeah. yeah, like I I always I always assume that it was just sponsored by Coke. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they show a lot of coke cans and a lot of coke all, product. All, all yeah, the writers, like, product, product all the writers, man. That, that's all, generally what pays for these all, films, man. <laughs> When Lamberto Bava and Dario were writing this, they probably drank a lot of Coke. Yeah, I mean, that's funny. I like Coke, so. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, also, uh, apparently, they play homage to this film in Silent Hill. Uh, There's a theater called the Metropole. uh, Oh, really? uh, Yeah. The um, game or the movie? The game. Okay. Yeah. It's been a while since I played that. Uh, apparently, the exteriors to the Metropole still stands in Berlin. Um, true, because uh, I'm actually a part of a Italian horror Facebook group, and the actually guy actually saw pictures of it. Uh, Lamberto nice. Bava cites this as his personal favorite film he's directed, and the blind man going through the cinema was meant as an ironic joke. Way to be an <laughs> asshole, Dario Well, it's it's funny to me. Yeah. Uh, so you guys want to get into ratings on demons? <laughs> An ironic joke. Uh, see, I got it completely. I'm just like, that's so funny that, you know, there's a blind guy in a theater and he has to rely on his daughter to tell him what's going on. It's like, how much fucking fun is that? I, like, it's also and the top ironic it that his eyes picked out. Yeah. <laughs> and on top of it, his daughter leaves him because she wants to fuck right there and there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fucking hilarious. All right. All right. Ratings. Um, who wants to go first? JP, you uh, go first. Okay. Um, Demons. Uh, man, you know, this film has a lot of heavy atmosphere. The music flows great with the film. The gore effects are great. Uh, it, it really is just just a blast. There's, you know, surprisingly not a ton of plot holes, if any. You know, it all could kind of be explained by, like, yeah, they're evil and it's magic, um, which is fine by me because this film doesn't have a super... Uh, thick narrative to begin with it's just a bunch of people who are in a theater that happens to be uh you know attacked by demons you know they 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 lord them in and fucking gonna kill them all for whatever reason the demons do that they're evil right so uh (laughs) the film within the film is really cool uh just the idea that it's set in a theater alone is really cool 
Mm-hmm. It, it's just a really, really fun movie, and I could totally see myself um, showing this to people in my in my life who maybe don't love love horror movies, but I just want to show this to them. Like, like this is cool. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, demons, demons. I was really surprised and, and had a blast watching it. I give it an eight point five out of ten. Nice. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, I'll go. Um, yeah, man. Demons is. Um... I mean, if everyone knows me and follows me, uh, I literally have demons in my top 10 favorite films of all time. I've seen this movie so many fucking times since, you know, I've told a story that I could never watch this film when I was younger because I was scared by the cover. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, it's just that fucking demon coming out of the chick's back in this film. It's like one of the coolest looking fucking things ever. I love that effect, man. It's like it's just like the gnarliest looking little midget demon thing. I don't know what the hell you want to call it, man. <laughs> fucking love that though. I love that effect so much, but this movie for me is so memorable. I like films like this, you know, from time to time where you really don't have to, uh, you know, ex- you know, exert yourself thinking about major, major plots and things like that. Like I know JP has problems with, um, you know, the structure of a lot of uh, Italian films and things like that. And I, and I can completely understand where he's coming from because, you know, some of these films are not one time watches. If you want to grasp the, the you know, the narrative, mm-hmm. uh, but this one, it, it, it's very mindless. You know, I mean, if you grasp the concept of, uh, you know, demons setting up this thing and, you know, just feeding on people, it's, it's really, it's just a fun film. I mean, gore wise, you know, cinematography. I think this is actually one of the best shot uh, Italian films, you know, of this type of genre. Not like not giallos and things like that, but of this kind of subgenre of Italian films uh, of all time. You know, it really is amazing. You know, you, you can tell Lamberto Bava took a lot of props from Argento's lighting and things like that. Like I said, one of my favorite scenes of all time is literally those demons coming out, which, you know, hence is the covers. It's just, it's so phenomenal, man. Soundtrack wise, the pacing of this film. The uh, you know, and I love the whole helicopter shit, man. I love that <laughs> shit so much, man. They 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 spent the money to have a fucking helicopter go through a building and shit. Yes, you know when they when they start that shit up and they start like chopping up bodies or people, <laughs> it's like amazing, dude. It's so good. It's so good. Um, you know, my one minor gripe with this film, which doesn't actually make any sense, is one of the very last shots in the film involving one of our characters. Uh, it doesn't actually make any sense to me. Uh, I've never really understood it too much. Um, you know, it just, I don't really understand why Lamberto Bava put it there. It's kind of like the very last shot in Macabre too. Maybe he just has a thing with doing things like that. I don't really understand what that's about. Um, but, uh, overall love, love this film, man. One of my favorite films of all time. Um, you know, I did. I used to have a lot of problems with all of a sudden just cutting. You know, forty minutes in the film, you just cut into and introduce these characters and things like that. Now, not so much. I mean, it's not really the biggest problem for me in the world. Um, I understand why they do it. It's kind of break up the monotony of you know the uh, the compressed you know you know the, the theater scenes. You know, um, but yeah, it is what it is. I'm going to give this one nine and a half out of ten. One of my favorite films. Love it so much. Okay. So I guess I'll go next. Well, you're the last one, so well, I hope you're the so. actual last one. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm still used to like Dave Dave being on the show again. I'm getting used to being the third guy again. So uh, I have actually a lot of history with this film. I used to rent this one back in the day when I was a kid. Like uh, one, the first time I ever saw this film was on the VHS ties, 
And I remember just being blown away by like the way this film was presented to us. Like when you just meet like this big giant group of characters right away and then they're thrown into the situation and seeing like this, like that scene where like uh, that, that one of the hookers actually transforms into a demon kind of fucking scared the shit out of me. I was actually fucking scared. Like all those like fucking noises she was making when her teeth were like coming like, Oh, and the blood and the squares and the fucking tongue. And it was fucking crazy. I had the tongue, yeah. <laughs> so good. And then, like, all like the tropes. I like the vent scene that we didn't mention. I like how that scene went down with the vent. Where, and then that actually scared the shit out of me, too, as a kid, like, when that reveal happened. But, oh, yeah. Growing up and rewatching it and stuff, it's not as scary to me. But the still film is still fucking fun as shit. This is actually in my top five favorite horror films of all time. It's just one that I always show people and like new fans of horror films check out and it's a great one to show to new people. It really it is. is. It is, especially if they're into like Italian films and stuff to get into. And this film is a fucking global masterpiece in my opinion. Ten out of ten, fucking awesomeness. One of my favorites. Nice. I actually showed I actually showed this film. Uh, to Dylan, you know, when he was kind of like, like really getting hardcore into the into the horror films and stuff, and I think he wanted to branch out and watch some Italian films. Did I say Italian films? I, I don't even know Italian films. And uh, so I was like, man, we got to watch fucking demons. It just he loved every second of it, man. So so what you got to do, man, if you want to, you know, kind of make people branch out and stuff, demons is the film. Hmm. Show the demons. So, yes. uh, very interesting with that. Uh, first of all, I, I did mention that I forgot to mention that this film is actually pretty scary. Like, the, if you've seen this as a child, you would probably be pretty freaking scared by it. Yeah. Which yeah, I'm a yeah. fan of. See, in, I knew in, what was up, man. <clears throat> I knew what was up when I was a kid because the, the cover scared me enough not to rent it. <laughs> so, it probably would have terrified me, man. <laughs> well, 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 we had that cover. I got it during the DVD days, and it was like the cover with like the, the stairway. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm a fan I, of horror movies that are actually horror movies, so uh, yeah. that's mm-hmm. one positive thing. But also, uh, this film had a uh, $1,800,000 budget, apparently. And finally, 1. the last thing is that with an 8.5 rating for me, a 9.5 from Moods, and a 10 out of 10 from Derek, that actually does equal up to 28. So, um, oh, shit, I didn't even realize that, that. I wasn't makes thinking it a that. Hall of Fame. <laughs> okay, and you know what else? That has to be the first film ever to be inducted to the Hall of Fame that has an eight and a half. Nope. Wait. No? I don't. I'm gonna have to do some fact checking. Wow. Um, um, no, I'm, I'm, there I'm was thinking, a. Wait a minute. Hold on. How is that possibly? How did the fuck? It... It's not. Wait. There's a, there's a wrong film in the Hall of Fame. Wait. What do you mean? Let me see something real quick. Dude, what is it? I'll, I'll review it real quick. <laughs> Why do you do that, man? How so, in uh... the world is Sleep Tight in the Hall of Fame and nobody noticed that it didn't belong there? What do you mean? I gave an 8.5, Jeremy gave it a 9.5, and you gave it a 9.5. Which adds up to 27.5. Are those wrong ratings? Are those actually the right ratings? I don't know. We, I need somebody to fact check that for me. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll, I'll go listen to Sleep Tight after this. 
That's because I knew crazy, that Sleep dude. Tight had an 8.5, but on the on, I might have wrote it down wrong. So, are you sure you didn't rate it a nine? I might have. Somebody needs to fact check that. <laughs> Damn, dude! I hope, I, man, if we pull something out of the Hall of Fame, that's crazy. That is crazy. Like, but how has <laughs> nobody pointed that out? <laughs> I don't know. I never noticed, man. That's so crazy. I'm saying, like, listeners, though. Like, how would listeners not have noticed? Like, hey, your fucking math is awful. <laughs> Unless I did rate it a 9 and I just accidentally wrote 8.5. I'll have to go back and listen to it and figure it out. But, um, yeah, so if if it is, that will be the only Hall of Fame entrant that has an 8.5, I believe. Okay, okay. All right, so moving along here, man, we jump one year into the future, 1986, which is actually a very notable year considering we're going to be doing a top 10 in 1986 coming up very, very soon. So we kind of killed two birds with one stone here, didn't we? Yeah, I like yes, that. Yes, we did. So that's kind of cool, man. Um, actually, just recently, it's been happening quite a bit. Uh, I've watched about 10 or 12 86 films. It's just kind of strange how that keeps working out for me. But um, anyways, without further ado, of course, we jump into the D- Demon's sequel of Demons 2. And, uh, yeah. Quick little synopsis here. A group of tenants and visitors are trapped in a 10-story high-rise apartment building infested with demons who proceed to hunt and dwelling humans down. Yeah. First so first. Simon Boswell, thumbs up. Yeah. Who's that? The, the score. Well, the composer. Simon Boswell's the guy that did the... Yeah, he did the score for this. The... Which we did right in the beginning of the film, man. He's actually a very underrated composer, in my opinion. He scored, like, Hardware and Dust Devil. Mm-hmm. Numerous films that I'm just mind-blown. Like, the scores really creep you into the film. He also scored Stage Fright. That's one of... Uh, this was a Sobeye film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, his scores are fucking amazing. And that's, like, the first thing you hear in this film, too, is... You know that music, which is so awesome. Which I've I, used it. I've used in my videos. Tons yeah, that's of times. actually the first Stevens time. Too. That's actually the, the first time I was introduced to Mood Six One Six too. Yeah, it's it the Demons Two sound. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah one thing that I wanted to say that I forgot to say is I know that you. I got the uh, standard Blu-ray editions of Demons One and Two. Moods, I know you have the steel books. Uh, I will. I'm gonna say it right now, dude. Those steelbook covers are atrocious. Um, the art that you have on your covers are on the back of them. On the oh, okay, the back of the steelbook. Yeah, mm-hmm. is is the oh, front okay. cover for yours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not overly the greatest, you know, new commissioned artwork, but the back of them is actually the original artworks. That's yeah, so. because those fucking which is cool. There's other. So, I mean, if, if you want to just hold them that way, that's fine too. But yeah, uh, I think the way. Demons 2 one's better than the Demons it 1, is. to be honest. It is. I, I don't mm. know. It's just like. I just don't think that. Like, like why? Like, why, <laughs> like, like, why are they showcasing that, that... the mask so much? Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. At least it says Metropole on, on the cover of Demons. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's kind of... Anyway, that's off topic. I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, Demons 2, more Demon... of the same, man. You know what, man? You know what we get with Demons 2? This is a... Unconvinced... It's... Or... it's pol- Demons and... Yeah. This one... This 
not a sequel to Demons. This is a remake of Demons. This is exactly the same film in a different location. And this one actually has scenes that are taken straight from the original one, too. It even has the same setup, too. So you would too, say 40 this minutes. is more of a remake than a sequel. Yeah. Yes. This is okay, more so let, let me just point um, something out. You said it is the same thing happening, just in a different setting. Oh, my God. Here we right? go. You also said there are scenes that are lifted. But, motherfucker, that is Tremors 4. You just described Tremors 4. And Tremors they even have same cast members. And they even have same cast members playing different characters. <laughs> well, let, let's face it. Let's face it here. Dem- if you compare Demons and Demons 2, they are literally the exact same team, the, the exact same film, even down to the structure. I mean, even when they introduce the characters driving around in the Jeep at like 40 minutes in the film, yeah. it's like the same fucking thing. It's like the craziest yeah. shit, man. Yeah. You know, it's so weird how that happens. And this one's actually kind of funny because they they introduce um, characters from the first film playing new characters from this one. Uh, Mm -hmm. We've got, uh, you know, Tony Tony the Pimp from the first one plays the trainer in this film, which, you know, he's pretty batshit awesome in this one. And and Ripper. And Ripper. And Ripper is is like the concierge. He's he's like the concierge or whatever the fuck you want to call him. But, yeah. Um, this is a respectable building. Get out. <laughs> I'm still coked out from the first one. <laughs> yeah. But you know me, man. I love films that are set in high risers. Love Poltergeist 3, man. I love it because set in a uh-huh. high riser. Pretty cool shit, man. I love that setting, man, because there's so much possibility for awesomeness because you have, like, parking garage. And they explore the whole building, which is so cool in this film because, you know, you've got the whole gym inside the building. You've got... Uh, the parking garage, you've got the elevators, you've got the multiple, you know, apartments and things like that. So there's like tons of different locations within this one location, which I think is really cool. I think that's really awesome, man. But the whole setup to the film, I really enjoy, man. Demons coming out the TV. Shit, man. They're watching a TV, maybe on the Brigado Giallo channel. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and all of a sudden fucking this, people are getting fucking. Do you, do you think, do you think the, the, the video dead took, was does it come out? What, when did the video did come out? Uh, the video did came in '87, I believe. Yeah, they kind of kind of had that concept too of that, probably. But you know, it's kind of cool because you kind of you kind of get introduced to a young Aja Argento in this film. Yeah, very funny. <laughs> very funny. Very she young. was eleven. She was eleven in this film, which is kind of funny. And she doesn't just play a small part; she's actually in the whole film, mm-hmm. which is quite interesting, also. So, but the whole premise of this one—that's actually demons coming out there. too. Yeah, it is actually. Yep. Yep. That's right. And the whole setup with demons coming out the TV. That's a cool premise, man. That's a cool premise. Yeah. I mean, the demons movies, um, you know, after watching both of them, like they really are just zombie movies. Like mm-hmm. they play out exactly like zombie movies. Um, the, the like the, 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 if you like that style of zombie movie, which is my favorite style of zombie movie, you'll like it done with demons as well. Um, it's yeah. just it's a siege narrative contained characters fighting against hordes. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, this one is pretty much the exact same film. We follow a bunch of different characters, which is kind of cool because you know it jumps from apartment building to apartment building. We got uh, what the fuck's your name? Sally's having a birthday party. Yeah, Sally. The people there, and then we're following this guy and his pregnant wife, and we're following um, the trainer, uh, the gym, Tony, Tony the pimp, the trainer. Yeah. <laughs> I love so how have, they, like, I love how they got the same stuff actor too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. And then we got young Arja Dento and her family and things like that. So there's tons of, and the it's cool because. Dog. 
it kind of goes around the whole building. I love that aspect. You know, they show right down to the concierge area. And, you know, it, it's kind of cool how Lambert above actually showcased pretty much the entire building. You know, in the first, like, five minutes of the film. It's fucking awesome. I love you know, kind of get this aspect that this building's actually really huge. It's, it's pretty cool, I, man. I love that Lamberto Bava does, like, a Hitchcock role in this, too. He does, actually. He plays Sally's dad. Um, yeah. They, there's a scene in the film, which which I actually want to talk about, because um, I wanted to ask you guys, is there a couple moments in this film where... The shakes? Is- yeah, actually, with our release, it actually has that card, and it actually tells you what happened. Oh, I don't think I ever read it. <laughs> uh, do I have it out? Yeah, because that's one of the scenes actually is when they show. Lambert I think it had Obama to do with like the way they did the transfer and stuff. They said they even said that there's going to be like a few scenes of shakiness. It's perfectly yeah. normal the print that they used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very prevalent in that scene. I can't remember the other scene that it happens uh, after the, the when the ambulance comes after that car accident. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it happens. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah, when they show the cops and stuff. Um, yeah, it does. For sure. Uh, but yeah, your guys' thoughts on this one, man. So, I mean, you know, it's funny when you watch Demons 1 and Demons 2 back to back. It's like watching the same Listen. film for three hours in two different settings. <laughs> <laughs> and different sound, and different types of soundtracks too. Yeah, that's oh, what I said. More of the same. It's literally the same things that are happening. Like there's, like it's almost going to be impossible for us to really even review this one because we're just going to say the same shit we said about the first one. I don't know. Was, <laughs> I know it's kind of funny, right? I mean, there, there, there's, there's like, certain things in this film that I don't like as much as the first one. Like, I will say, I think that Lamberto Bava totally overdid with the little demon baby thing it's uh, probably the I most liked it. honestly it i can't believe that you like that i thought for sure you would hate the silly sound effects that's coming like no because it's shit. a demon like if it was if it was something else making those sounds no i think it goes on too long i think that's the main problem like i, I don't i, I, I don't know itself. it turned into it's like a the, little monster like ghoulies film at the same time which i like it totally I literally have ghoulies written down. I was like, man, he looks like this, like a ghoulie. But um, yeah, I, think I like it, ghoulies. I, I just wish they had to kill them a little bit quicker. I mean, I understand that Buddy had to get back to the apartment to save his pregnant girl. I think girl. That I liked it just because it was like, okay, this is at least they're trying something different. And the yeah, yeah. instead of having like a full grown adult have like the little demon thing in it, they had like a kid, which was kind of cool. I like the reveal that the kid was a demon too. It was like, I need help. <laughs> and he plunges at the door. Kid, I love the little demon kid. Great. I've actually heard people say they fucking hate the demon kid. I was like, what? I, I like the demon kid. I think it's cool. Cool premise. Cool effects. Yeah, definitely. The teeth are I awesome. Think, I they... think the like best like these like these films go perfect with like Night of the Demons and Demon Knight. It's like Demons, Demon uh-huh. Knight, Night of the Demons. Like like you can have a crazy Demon Knight with all that Demon, shit. Yeah, exactly the same thing. And Night of the Demons, Demons. I could watch all those together. Oh, that's a great triple feature, man. Demons, Demons Two, and uh, Night of the Demons. That's fucking great. Yeah, like what about but Night yeah. or Demon Knight as well? It, yeah, that could work too. Oh, yeah, Demon Knight. Yeah, yeah. Demon Knight. Is very very similar in terms. Of, it's like a siege narrative as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one, you know, it's kind of funny, man. Lamberto Bava just, you know, 
like I said, he pretty much remade the first film. There's so many scenes of this film that are exactly the same, like, you know, with the with the teeth growing, you know, knocking mm-hmm. out the, the normal teeth and, you know, the, I, the fingernails growing on the demons. Like, those are things that he really just kind of remade from the from the film. And I did. And like, I did like one thing, though, that he did with the demons in this film. He actually gave them like personality, like the way they ran, like certain mm-hmm. like the, the, when Sally's a demon, she has her arms up in the air and they like boggle like. Well, I'm doing that's it a on good point. That's you know a good how point. her hands are always up in the air and she looks kind of like a kind of like a putty from Power Rangers in a way when she's running. <laughs> I don't know. I never really watched Power Rangers. Well, um, <laughs> well kind of like a Looney Tunes like villain too, like the way that. Like, I know what I'm trying to explain, but I can't. If I showed you, it would be better impersonation. Mm-hmm. But it was like kind of like a the way that she was moving with her arms up in the air and stuff. It was kind of like a differentiating her with like the other demons. Like she's like the leader demon in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know the differences in in this film. Obviously, it um, it takes place in Italy. Mm-hmm. I think it actually takes place in Rome. So. Um, so that's kind of cool, man. It actually, you know, it's like a straight-up Italian film. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Honestly, <laughs> dude, one part in this film that always cracks me up, man, is fucking Sally. Her overacting when she freaks out and she tries to kick everyone out of the house. When she tries to kick everyone out of the house after her friend answers the phone and invites her, like, ex-boyfriend over or whatever. Yeah. When she, and she fucking loses her shit, man. Oh, my God, dude. I lose it every fucking time, man. That overacting. I don't know, again, if it's partly the, the dub or whatever, but it's, like, just priceless. It's so good. It's just, like, it's so comical. It's just, like, the worst acting ever. It's great. I, I do like the change in soundtrack in this because, uh, you know, it doesn't have, like, that heavy metal stuff. It goes for, like, a more, like, goth punk feel. Yeah, this one definitely has a lot different feel to that. It's got, like, Peter Murphy and the Smiths playing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, you know, I mean, honestly, I I, I really like both soundtracks a lot to both films. But, yeah, they work for what they are in each film, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't really. I mean, they're kind of, they're almost interchangeable a little bit, too. I mean, if you put... If you put the soundtrack to the first one, who knows? I don't know if it'd work as well, and vice versa. I don't know. Yeah, but maybe I don't think so because it depends on the characters not. too. Yeah. Does yeah. anybody know why they made the same movie again? Like, did they ever say like, "Oh yeah, we just wanted to capitalize on what was successful"? So we did I think they just it. got lazy with the writing and stuff. I think Argento was just like, "Well, you know, that one worked really well. We'll just kind of change this up a little bit." But let's make another building. Speaking of that. Speaking of that, like the film inside the film again, I really I like the film inside the film. I like when he bends down. He's like, "Oh, that's a claw." Do you think that's worth a lot of money? It's priceless. <laughs> <laughs> a demon. I can love it. They spread the con- I heard that they spread the contagion through the fingernails. <laughs> so, so how do the demons come out in this one? Through the TV. Through the TVs. Just video dead style. Yeah, yeah pretty, much, pretty much. I think what it is is as you're watching the film, you kind of get hypnotized by it, and that allows them to come through. Mm-hmm. It's like, the asshole like, decided it, to show this movie on a live fucking television broadcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. It's just, it just fucking, they don't even go it's into the like story of that. It's, gonna... tri- it's like Halloween 3. Turn it off. <laughs> I, I, I have like Tom Atkins is somewhere on Stop a phone, it. like, yelling at people to turn it off before it's too late. <laughs> Yeah, I love the scene when the demons coming right out of the TV. That whole, oh, yeah. that whole effect. Great. I love that shit, man. It I, looks I, so good. Man. I, I love uh, 
that uh, when Sally's like turning, like all our guests and the demons, like the blood that squirts out of her eyes, and you can see like the blood's exitic and it's spreading through the building. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, the the, the so. zombie or the fucking the demon coming out of the TV. Uh, that was uh, that was definitely the same style as uh, Freddy coming out of the wall in Elm Street yeah. latex. Mm-hmm. Just simple effect, man. I don't know why there is not more people who have done that effect. Mm-hmm. I know, right? It's so effective. It's so yeah, effective. Yeah. It looks it's, it, it's just like a about little lighting effect, shit, but yeah. Uh, but you know, um, also uh, the little boy demon was played by a midget. <laughs> probably, probably, yeah I think I know the actor too because I think he was in oh another... you know another scene I'm oh, sorry to cut you off but you know another scene in this film that they kind of recreate is the uh, is the scene they were talking about for the first film where the demons are walking up the hallway they kind of recreate that it's not as good in this one yeah. but, but it's definitely captured and you get yeah. the point you know, I you like get how the they point. glow the eyes man love oh, the yeah. glowing eyes so sure, awesome. In that slow motion shot where you just see the demons running up the stairs and you just like to see the eyes glowing. Yeah, it's fucking great, man. I like the dog sequence. <laughs> I was I wasn't expecting the dog that. demon? I know, right? I know. It's awesome. And I like how they didn't like overdo it either, like kinda like full blown like thing thing. It was like just came out of like the top of its mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's actually a pretty good effect, man. It works pretty well. Yeah, it's not overdone. Dude, there's one scene in the gym in this film that just cracks the shit out of me, man. When the fucking demon runs in, the dude's doing, like, the arm workouts. And he kind of crushes him in it. That shit makes me laugh so much. I love, I love the girl sunbathing, and the one demon's like, ah! That makes absolutely no sense either. Like, how all of a sudden is she just getting fucking torched? <laughs> I guess if you... T- I don't know. I've never been in a tanning bed, but... I don't know. But uh, it it kind of cracks me up. Pretty funny. I love that he says the same line again when he's trying to comp Tony when he's like trying to quiet. That's like <laughs> yeah. his main line in both movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah I like the dude movie. with the shotgun, the black dude. He was the one from the first one, right? Yeah, Tony, yeah. the pimp, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that dude's dope. He must have said something, too. He's like, yo, man, Lambrou, can I be in the film a little longer this time? Because <laughs> <laughs> he actually was, so. Yeah. He's, pretty, he's, he's fucking awesome in this film, man. And he's, he's, like, oh. he's like, make sure I get the same dub actor for the American. Yeah, I love when he's, like, pumping up the guys in, in the gym and stuff. <laughs> he just plays it up so well, man. It's Bobby so Rhodes is that guy's name. Pretty awesome actor. The uh, the thugs in this film aren't as memorable. As yeah, because they're not really... Well, they're not doing coke, that's why. I'm surprised well, probably, there's not yeah. more nudity in these movies. That's, that's we, well, well, we did get a little nipple in the first one. That's about it from Cokehead Chick. Yeah, yeah Cokehead I, Chick wasn't really that hot. Not really. <laughs> no, she looked like a Cokehead. <laughs> <laughs> With the head? <laughs> Look at the head who she had. Looked... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's you know, even in Macabre, though, like, you know, we don't get really a lot. Of, we get some see-through nudity. We get to see a little bit of tits. And there's a scene towards the end where she, before she starts to make up with that head and gag me to death. Yeah. But she gets in the bed and you can kind of steer him up and stuff. And you know, yeah. it's not really, it's it's kind of interesting, actually, considering what she's wearing. You don't really get to see uh-huh. much, but it kind of sucks because I think she was pretty fucking hot for a little bit. older, yeah. Eh, not me. I'm not really my type. Oh, I, w- I would have done her. 
Oh. I'm not saying that I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. So, uh, I mean, you guys want to rate this one? I know. It's, it's such a hard film. I was, like, watching it. You, well, just can't really, well, you, you can, can, you can just this. go and talk about the scenes you well, like. But that's just, that's not really a review, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what, Derek? Oh, uh, yeah, we can keep going. You want me to go first, or... Uh, Moods hasn't went first yet. Okay. All right, man. Uh, Demons 2. Um, <laughs> I've always classified this as uh, as a non-sequel. This is a remake of the first film. It is pretty much the exact same structure, except for this time we've got Demons they coming out of the They actually reference the first film in this one, though. Yeah, they do in the beginning. They, of actually, the- they actually do. They actually, I think that's like the minor, minor thing, you know, just to kind of separate it from being a remake to a bonafide sequel. Um, but I mean, when you look at it as a whole, I mean, but I mean, really, it's pretty much a remake of the first film. I mean, it's like scene for scene, not scene for scene, but there's certain scenes taken from the first film into this one and stuff. And but it's a very enjoyable film. I don't think it it's as tight as the first film. This one does have its moments where it does falter. It, it does kind of slow down in, in certain parts and things like that. And honestly, I'm not a ho- overly a huge fan of how long the, the little ghoulie thing goes on for the little demon thing. Um, I just wish they had to kill them off a little quicker, just kind of tightened up those scenes a little bit. Um, I do. Lo- I love the scene where uh, the dude is in the elevator uh, fighting off that demon. And so I, I think that's pretty cool. Cause yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I was like, with heights and stuff. I'm, I'm so terrified of heights. So I was like watching them, but um, but yeah, man, great soundtrack. Awesome. Again, shot really, really well. Feels like it's in a bigger, you know, location than it probably actually really is. Um, the recreation of the, you know, the glowing eyes, uh, demons walking the hall is fucking fantastic and stuff. But yeah, this one just, it's, it's, it's a great film. You know, in my opinion, it's, it's super fun. <laughs> it's just great and super fun. I don't know. Uh, you know, it has all the elements there. It's just, in my opinion, needs to be tightened up a little bit. Uh, I'm going to give it eight and a half out of ten. So nice, nice. Oh, so uh, yeah, I actually didn't see this one right away when it first, like when I saw it in the first Demons. It waited a few months and stuff, or when years when I actually got like to, around to find a copy to rent. And at first, I was kind of like a little bit disappointed in this one when I was a kid because it's pretty much just the same movie, like. Mood said, and growing up rewatching it and stuff, I did appreciate it more. And I gotta say, the soundtrack of this one really blew me away. Like, this is the first time Simon Boswell's score is just fantastic in this film. Really cool effects, uh, some cheesy ones with like uh, the ghoulie, whatever the fuck you want to call it, turd, like Looney Tunes thing. But, uh, really fun film i really like the the characters i like how the film is fast paced and stuff with like uh its characters kind of the same thing with like the outside of the scenario characters kind of not as good as the first film but uh really fun film and i do enjoy like uh how this film and the effects and stuff in it so i'm just gonna go ahead and give it an 8.5 also out of 10 nice uh, me personally, um, I liked it almost as much as I liked the first one. They really are the same movie. Like, they go hand in hand together. Uh, maybe it's not as impactful because it's, you're watching the same thing again. Uh, so maybe that's why I liked it a little bit less. Um, but it wasn't much less. Like, yeah, I still found it 
thoroughly entertaining um, a lot of good gore and and music and and you know look to the film uh, it's just just not as good as the first one but it's, it's not really that much less either let me go ahead and give it an 8 out of 10 nice yeah alright so we actually got a hall of famer out of this man that's, that's pretty interesting we got a hall of famer and potentially a D and hall of potentially famer potentially lost someone <laughs> I can't fucking believe that shit. I think the ratings are wrong because I want to say. Well, I don't know. That's all I we got. Whatever you got to do, guys, I I'll, I'll end up doing it. I just got to go back to the final review of that episode. That's crazy. I can't even. I, that just. I don't know. I don't know how all of us could have missed that, though. Not all of us. All I, like I I can see how all of us can miss it. Like that's not a too crazy of a mistake. Even even I don't I see how you can do it on on a live you know on a on a show where hundreds of people have listened to it, maybe even thousands at this point, and not noticed it. Yeah, that is true. That's weird. very very strange. I, I actually well, hope it is well, that we a... did fuck up with the ratings on there because. Well, that, that, would would be a, that would be a cliffhanger for a next episode. <laughs> uh, maybe you create a new series and have to re-review it or something like that. Get those proper <laughs> ratings in there. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, man. Um, that is going to conclude episode 93 and, of course, week two here on Italian Month 2. Here on the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. And yeah. uh, Derek. I want to thank you for coming by the show once again. Oh yeah, having a blast. Uh, we had fun. We had fun. We had fun this week. We had a, oh, yeah. like a ton of great conversations this week, man. I thought it was actually quite interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure the show is probably extensively long. I don't, I don't know how long this one's going to be, but you know, it's just the way it goes down in the 22 shots realm. We like to marathon shows, so whatever. Yeah. It is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, let's. Uh, Let's get the fuck out of here, man. JP, take us out of here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I do want to apologize for the couple of phone rings during this episode. Um, man, over the past like fucking three Jeremy with years, your in the background. Uh, over <laughs> the past three years, there's definitely been a weird thing that happens where the phone in this room, the ringer, magically comes back on. Like I'll shut it. I shut it off like two years ago. <laughs> Yeah, like I, ha- I I put it in a bloopers episode where I flipped out on the phone, um, <laughs> you know, back on like mini shots like four or something. Yeah, that's you know? right. So it's weird that it just you know came back on all of a sudden. I was like, what the? And you know, for some reason, it always takes me eight times for the ring for me to figure out how to shut the ringer off. Um, but you know that happens. My bad. Uh, and uh, yeah, I-, I had fun with these ones. Uh, Italian month now officially halfway through. Uh, we saw Falchi next week, which, uh, you know, not going to speak. To... Oh, fuck it. Brandon's supposed to be on the show. Oh, yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see if uh, Brandon's able to make it. Uh, Spoiling Heads is actually recording. Their, their, our new schedule is actually their schedule. So um, they yeah, can only yeah. come on. By when they're by week. Yeah, they're yeah. off. So um, we had Dave for the first week and Brandon for the third week. Um, so, yeah. I hope you guys enjoy uh, the show, um, please, you know, like, I, I, I know saying it now isn't going to help the people that didn't listen to it, <laughs> but for some reason I'm going to say it anyway. Um, 
for us doing Italian Horror Month, it takes a lot of time. Uh, it's it, it's it's a huge month. Can't miss an episode and stuff. Like, I would really appreciate if you guys did just give these episodes a shot and like love them a little bit more. Because uh, you know what, year, don't Italian just give month them a shot. Give them twenty two shots. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Come on, if everybody guys. listened to Italian Horror Month twenty two times. Uh, well, we would be we would be one of the biggest podcasts ever. So they they um, brought they brought me on on this one. According to uh, Rue Morgue, we wouldn't even make a top ten or twenty list. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Rue Morgue. <laughs> so uh, yeah, talk to you guys later. Peace out. Peace out, guys. Jim.